Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Y'all a brew heads? Yeah, we brew heads. So pour a glass of craft beer. We can do this. What's good, y'all? This is C Certified Brewhead. And I am Nathan from Nathan Does Beer. And welcome to episode 162 of Bring Another Shit the Podcast Adjunct Series. Nathaniel, first of all, this is now, I said it in the last few, but you haven't been on for a little bit. We, you did episode 159 of the original podcast series when it was all in person. And now we've yep. uh, finally eclipsed that, which is. Uh, Nice. I'm glad. I was I was a little worried that if I had been on that one, that might have been a bad omen because that was the last of the original <laughs> series. <laughs> I never thought I was like hoping it would work out that it was just me and you doing something. But I guess uh, I like I like your thinking. I like your thinking. So <laughs> we're moving forward. And tonight, Nathaniel. Yes. This is the return of our uh, the the gentleman behind the most epic ridiculous fun hilarious obscene podcast that we ever did which was episode 28 of 28 yes of this particular series um if people remember that was back when we were still live when it was the quarantine edition back when we were doing lives because everything was shut down and you were not a part of this particular one. I think I was just that early on. I think I was maybe dabbling. I think you might have co-hosted. You'd been on. Yeah, yeah, like, that's right. Just dabbling in it. We're just just here and there. Here and there. So I'm glad you're a part of this one. Me These too. guys are just the loveliest humans ever. Everybody loves them that I've ever – everyone talks about them with uh, just such passion and not just them as individuals. On top of that, the products are spectacular. And even since we spoke to them last, I mean, they've just dominated. It's just been incredible watching these guys grow and all the things that they've been doing, the different styles, the different approaches. It's just like beyond anything. And then the the popularity and this like kind of lightning in a bottle that they've caught is is beautiful to watch. And uh, yeah. This one might just be, maybe we have to break the record. I think the last one was, I think it was like four hours, 45 minutes. <laughs> We're all prepared to do it. We got, we got water. We got multiple. Even if it, even if it kills me, <laughs> it's you're ready for it. I like it. You're a soldier. So with that said, let's just, let's get this going. Guys, please welcome the legendary Chris and Bebo from third moon. Oh fuck. Did I press it? I did. Now we go in the bill. There we go. You champions. Welcome, boys. Welcome back. Welcome. Oh, studio audience. I love it. Right? <laughs> Only the best. It's been it a minute, eh? Yeah. It's uh it's uh, that last one was not the last time that you were on. That was the last like third moon time. You were on in twenty twenty one for Link Up, which was dope, which also was longer than 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 usual. Most of those episodes were thirty minutes and we end up yapping for an hour. And if I recall correctly, I think we spoke for like four hours afterwards, which was even funnier to me, because it's basically replicated the same shit. Um man, it's been a minute. It's been like three and a bit years. Uh a lot's been happening for you guys in the world of beer. Um and we're gonna get into all of that tonight. And you guys have curated an extraordinary thoughtful lineup of beers based on the conversation from the last episode from episode 28 uh where basically this is kind of like maybe you could explain quickly then because i know bebo you, you listen back and, and selected some stuff and then and we're going to be doing it in a, in a in a fun order as well but yeah just just your thinking behind like choosing these particular beers 
So, um, well, thanks for having us on. We're, we're excited. And our spouses know tomorrow that he gets to sleep. Like a little bit late. Um, yeah, we're, we're really excited for this. So, yeah, we, we went back and listened to the old one just to kind of see where we're at. And it's wild that it's been over three years since we were on. So, Crazy. well, we did the link up, but, you know, that, that legendary podcast people still talk about. So I don't know if we can, we can match it tonight, but we'll try it. <laughs> Well, I'm a little older and a little slower. <laughs> well, Chris's basement's yeah, still there, so we're good. Yeah, he does have an owlette or a cat kid sticker on his shirt this time, so we're oh, yeah. starting. Cat I boy. like it. Cat boy. <laughs> um, yeah, so we just kind of went back and listened to the old podcast and just uh, – it's funny, a few things stood out. So at that point, we had only been open for – five months or so. So there was so much that we haven't, that we hadn't done at that point that has since then become a big part of what we're doing as third moon. So uh, when picking out the beers, we kind of wanted to pick ones that will sort of tell a story. If you want to take a full day of just listening to us, get drunk and <laughs> talk about, talk about <laughs> beer, there a little be a little bit of cohesion in it. Just a little bit, at least in the beginning. <laughs> At, at very narrow points at the beginning of each episode. Yeah. And uh, the last time, we, <laughs> it, we probably didn't even have any loggers in the line. No. I don't remember what we drank, if I'm honest, but there was no loggers. It was pardon? <laughs> we were probably crushing IPAs and stouts. Yeah, it was I, just IPAs and stouts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Actually, you know what? If I bring it up, I can actually find out exactly. I should have brought that up before. But this one so now basically we're going to be drinking beers that you sort of didn't have before as far as style wise um as and just sort of like referring back because we did speak about different things and and your sort of intention to do some of these styles so um while we're yapping about it how about we crack that first one yes good Let's idea do it. so speaking of what you've done since last time yes there she is we're doing the OG, right? There we go. The regular little guy. Let's go. So this is the Kills Pilsner. Uh, this one first dropped, I want to say, like, it was a little while ago, like a year and a half ago, maybe? Um, yeah, I, it wasn't. It was... Uh, it's, it's been a while. We've done we've done a bunch of batches of it. I wouldn't be able to say exactly when. Oh. I see I'm the only slow pour aficionado in here. <laughs> oh, yeah, there you go. Bebo pour on the loose. I like it. So this, uh, when you did, like, what was the, I mean, did you, you always intended to do um, lagers, right? That's, that's a funny thing. When we talked last time, we hadn't, we didn't have them a part of our lineup, but we wanted to even okay. back then. So it's kind of fun. We've got lagers tonight to enjoy. Which is crazy. And they're all very different. Cheers. Boys. Cheers, boys. They, you know, I was Cheers. getting their photos Cheers. in. Cheers, legends. Welcome back. Nice Get to have you. Oh, smells great. Wicked multi nose. Just like crusty bread being ripped Oof. under your nose. Yeah. Really nice. The bitterness is is mm -hmm. um I'm not I always say this, but usually the first beer of the night my palate is a little um 
just got to get used to it. So it, it's it's tasting quite bitter. Is that that I imagine mellows out, or is that intentional? I, I would say it's it's likely going to mellow out. So among pilsners, this tends to be mm. one of the softer ones when we drink it side by side with a lot of other ones we <clears throat> we like and they're kind of made made in the, with the same intentionality and focus that we put into these beers. Okay. The I'm looking through here just uh, to as a reminder here on Untapped. So there's a bunch of different, and we're going to have two, three different versions in total tonight. But you've also done the, the dry hopped one. You did the Rawaka version of this, um, which is super cool. That there's like so many, yeah, like from going from no lagers to like whatever six, seven, eight that I, I just saw on there. Um, like what was that was that like a, a learning curve for you guys as far as like going from making straight up just haze and pastries and then moving on to sort of doing something that's you know arguably completely the opposite like you know restrained and delicate whereas the the ipas are kind of you know and pastries mm-hmm. balls to the wall they're they're very also um like I, was gonna, I don't know if delicate's not the right word either, but like they're just like egg, like perfectly made as well. So it's a, just a different skill set, I guess, is what I'm getting at to make the, the the two different beers. So like, how was that adjustment for you guys? Uh, so, um, well, I think I think the hardest part for us was actually um, like th- there's the physical aspects of brewing it, but there's more. Um, you know, you, you can make loggers, like quick loggers or kind of, um, you know, take some shortcuts, filter or centrifuge or whatever. We do it the very traditional way where it's just in the tank for a very long time. So gotcha. uh, the most important thing for us was physically being able to get to the point where we had enough tank space to afford to have one of our tanks just out of commission essentially for a few months. Just yeah, that's always there. the key, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So when we first opened, and when I, I assume when we talked, we had only had five fermenters, and since then we've gotten six more that are double size. So uh, once we got fully up up and running with uh, enough tank space, and that that made it easier to to get into this, and um, it, it is a different animal in terms of the brewing process, but I think that the um, like focusing on sourcing the best ingredients, care and intentionality with the approach. Um, that I think that flows through all our beer. So I think there's probably a perception among people that like a hazy IPA, you could just crush them and rip it. But like we put as much effort into sourcing the best hops we can for our IPAs. Same with our stouts, finding the most niche single origin chocolates and you know, coconut that we could work with and the best coffee. <clears throat> so we, that that uh, approach follows through when we're brewing lagers. So it is different in terms of, you know, water and malts and time and process and stuff. But I think biggest thing is just um, like letting, letting all of our beers get better by learning from any one of them. Gotcha. That makes sense. Um, I love that. I didn't realize you'd more than doubled in size too. That's amazing uh, growth for you guys. The- when we kind of, uh, when we, you know, starting out, immediately you realize you've got to get revenue in the door or mm. you're done. And, uh, yeah. and so trying to guess how many tanks 
is the right number of tanks is hard. Yeah. The timing of all those beers, you know, on a homebrewing scale, you don't usually have half a dozen beers, you know, going at the same time. Um, so it's it's pretty crazy to uh, to all of a sudden see that in motion. And for us, starting with five fermenting tanks, we could only have five beers on the go. And very quickly, we just looked at each other and said, we're never going to be able to make any money. We're not going to be able to pay ourselves. There's just mm. not enough beer here to like, we got to keep turning this over and selling it. So right. with that in mind, tying up a tank is like, you can't do it. So as a brewery starting out, you usually would see, you know, that's a good thing that IPAs are the most popular style to drink because that's what you need to do is, is crank them out and get the money going and hang on to the, the tail of that wild ride that is cash flow and just, yeah. just try to sleep at night. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, one of the good things about the pandemic, if you know, you can turn lemons into lemonade is that we were, we got some relief on having to pay like monthly loan payments. And so we're able to turn some of the revenue into new tanks. Mm. And that was absolutely critical for us to stay alive through these past three and a half years. So it's uh, it definitely, there's points along the way that, that are really tough, but also we feel pretty grateful sometimes when we stop and think about the crazy unforeseen challenges and snafus we've, uh, we've got ourselves through. I, I, I don't know. It's just, uh, it's, it's definitely one that uh, you, you, you have to develop a tough skin doing it. Yeah, beer helps. That's for sure. <laughs> it doesn't <Yeah>. have <laughs> um, on the note on the beer itself. So this is a Pilsner specifically. Um, do, do you guys want to talk about the actual, like it's a Czech style Pilsner, if I'm not mistaken, like the actual approach. Like obviously this was the first, um, I remember I got, a, got some, I think Nate, you actually got me some um, cans of the first batch yeah. that you did. And it's been really cool drinking that, which was already great from, from the beginning. And then I feel like it's just refined. Like, I feel like you refined it like really quick. So I'd love to yeah, hear even, about yeah, go Even on, the first or the second, I, like I would say it's definitely, like it's definitely had some refinement over the, like over the releases that this has had. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I'd love to hear about the actual approach to the beer itself, like, and you know, why a Czech Pilsner was the first crispy that you decided to do, and and sort of what that all looked like. I think uh, it was personal preference. So German style is, um, I like German style, but Czech style has always been like the drinkability to me is always what puts it over the edge when I kind of compare those two. Um, and uh, Czech Saz hops, which at the time were super easy to get, but due to uh, some crop shortages has become really hard to get. Uh, yeah, it's always just like a real noble, just like an old timey, old school hop. You know, when you when you hear, if you read about like the uh, where Pilsner came about, um, it was, um, there's this really cool story about like in the Czech Republic, there was all these bad beers and so they the city kind of um brought this guy in to make the best beer that was super light and crisp and airy and um the the hops that were in, grown in the area saw hops are the ones that were used 
uh, that was Pilsner Kelt. So that's, um, you know, it's just kind of like an homage to the the initial loggers that were first brewed in the 1800s. And it's just, um, I don't know, we, we do a lot of beers that are wild and crazy and do a lot of different things. But um, <clears throat> to me, it's like if we're going to make something like this, it should be like the most classic, pure, clean and simple version. Makes sense. And the more I'm sipping this, sort of as you're sort of talking, I'm like, oh man, this is like exquisite, boys. Like the the malt profile, the sweetness is just perfect. You you guys were right. The 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 bitterness definitely subsided. It was just that first sip. Uh, but there there is some bitterness, but it's like just where it needs to be. It's nice and grassy, super balanced, insanely crushable. It's uh five point two as well. Um so it's like got some balls behind it. Um it's genuinely phenomenal stuff. I feel like there's like a I mean, this is probably like a question about this beer, but kind of both for you both, like overall, since we spoke last, like the, it's like the quality of all the things that you've done have just, has just been so insane. Like, uh, like I can't express how dope you guys are. I, I'm sure you're well aware, but you're probably also quite picky with your own stuff, which tends to happen, I imagine. But like, how, how would, how does somebody who had specialized essentially in two styles primarily, I mean, I, I don't know if Epoch, the smoothies were before this or or after. Do you guys remember? The, the line was there, but they weren't smoothie style. Gotcha. Yeah, okay. They were just sours. So this was the th essentially, like arguably if you're saying IPAs, uh, stouts, and then this was like the third style arguably that you made mm. as a brewery. Like to yeah. be able – Yeah. Is that's that really kind of you to uh, – to, to say uh, consistency for us in what we do is is one of the most important things. It's all about trust with your fans that you're going to take them on a wild ride and it's like, trust us, it's going to be good. And, uh, and so it's got to be good. Like, it's just, it's huge pressure every time, but, you know, when, hey man, uh, when Bebo puts on the, the surgical glove, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he Doc, goes to work. Doctor Steve, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, but like, how do you got like? I'd just be curious whether it's a procedural thing. Like, like Chris, you obviously you mentioned the consistency, which I absolutely agree with. Like everything, like there's I don't there's no such thing as a bad third moon beer. Like I every single week I go to Duran, I'm like, what's new from third moon? I grab it, not even questioning, because I know it's going to be great. Um, how does one go from like a pretty solid first attempt? at this to like n like knocking the shit out of the park like the I, I guess what i'm just saying it, it went from like here to here very very quickly and i don't know if that's always the trajectory for a lot of breweries you mean with this beer with this one specifically like the yeah, first yeah. this is a lot better than the first like i've had most every time it kind of dropped i pretty much would have grabbed the can at least um but from i guess i'm more thinking back to the very first one I was like oh man cool the people boys are doing about that Oh no! Batch two was way better than batch one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they do. I've heard that a lot. But I feel like the more you've done this, the better it's got. And then, like, 
the Rawaka was probably my favorite one. That was phenomenal. Um, we'll get the other two that we're having tonight, to be honest. One of them specifically is, is insane. Um, I, I just, I'm just curious, like, how, how did you, it's almost more the mechanics, maybe, or the thinking behind it is where I'm kind of getting at. Like, how did you guys figure out to be like, all right, we did the first one. All right, these are the things we need to change and then change it and then get from here to here in this style. I think in an IPA, arguably, and maybe I'm simplifying it, it's a little easier to improve faster with a series of 1% tweaks. But I, from what I understand, like brewing a Pilsner is a whole different beast and it's, it's you know, a lot more complicated in, in other ways. So I'm just like, I feel like, I guess it's un, it's out of the ordinary to go from like this good to like this good in a very short span with this style. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that or am I just... No, well, thank you for saying that. That's, that's really thoughtful. I think um, I kind of read this motto, like a, a lot of times our first version of a beer is just never as good as it could be. Mm. So like our first porter was good, not great. Our first IPA cut me down was good, not great. The second one was a lot better. Um, so it seems like whenever we introduce a style <clears throat> as much as um, I, you know, there's a lot of time and effort that goes into designing and, and brewing these. Um, but we, we kind of have a rigorous approach of like, um, you know, trying other beers, comparing, benchmarking ourselves against other, other beers, um, and just like not having an ego and just being, what can we do better? What can we do differently? Like, uh, for example, our coffee stout, each beast of God, we've done like 14 or 15 versions and each time it's slightly tweaked. It's slightly better. So you don't always see it and you, you don't always taste it that there's that much of a jump, but the, the tweaking process never stops. And um, so I think uh, you learn a lot when you do something for the first time, but I think if you don't have an ego about it, and if you are um, open to constructive criticism and self-evaluation, you can't help but get better. And uh, Bevo has been brewing for like almost 15 years now. So on the homebrewing scale, when I used to go hang out at his place and drink his homebrew, you know, I would ask him these kind of questions. And I found that Bebo was always really methodical and he would make sure he's consistent with everything except the one thing he wants to learn. And then he figures out kind of the bookends of like, what's the max? What's the min? And then from there, it's just dialing it in. Hmm. And, uh, and I think, you know, when you gain some experience doing that, you kind of know what levers to pull. Hmm. And uh, it's incredible from the start to finish of brewing a beer. How, like, how many different possibilities can be in the result? change one little thing at one little step infinitely many possibilities it's it's absolutely there's you know i talk about this with people all the time and you know he'll say there's there's some black magic to it like it's uh you you could track everything and that documentation is another important thing notes so you know what you did last time you know what you can tweak to learn something instead of just taking shots in the dark but um but, you know, there's a little bit of that is just things need to line up. And I feel like the second time that we brewed any beer, even like 
and I think it's some of our, usually when we bring it back to, you know, for the first time and repeat it, it's, uh, we look at each other and we're just like, oh, that's it. And it's yeah. so exciting to be able to one brew at a time, get closer to realizing the vision that we have and the hope that we have that that beer will be worthy of the artwork that our artist Casey makes. It's like a painting for everyone. So it's, we don't take it lightly and we, it's, it's a grind each week releasing new beers every week, but it's also nice to have a couple core beers, which we also didn't have last time we were here talking with you. Uh, we now have three beers that we try to have all the time. And, uh, we've got a lot of beers that we've done once that we can bring back. So the, the body of work just, it keeps growing. Hmm. I'm glad you brought that up. I was going to ask actually from the last pod. And I know we just spoke about this over messenger when we were chatting, but remind me, did, did you guys from the beginning intend on having one, a flagship and two beers that you continued to bring back? Or was maybe the intention more to do like a series of, of one-offs? I just don't, I don't remember. We, I mean, it's kind of, we knew we would get to some regular characters, mm-hmm. but, you know, we wanted to let the beers show us which ones deserve to be in our core lineup. And, uh, and so Bone Tree, it's the second beer we brewed. Mm. And right away we looked at each other and we knew, oh yeah. And, uh, and then Rise Pale Ale. Just that we're going to drink it tonight. So I'll save the notes on that. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah. And then Kills Pills. Okay, that's the third. Okay. Gotcha. So we've got just three beers as a core lineup, and it took two years to get there. So it's really only this past year that we've, we've even had that. So... The vision was, you know, it just makes smart business sense. You've got different types of customers and most of the people want a different ride every time. But there are people that when they find a beer they like, for some people, that's just so hard to get to. When they find one, oh, I like this one. They want to keep drinking it over and over again. And we don't want to disappoint those customers who show up in our tap room either. So got a nice, <laughs> nice mix of regular characters and it ramps up and gets pretty silly after that. Got that some heavy hitters on the list, but okay. Yeah, like, so on that, was like a, a barrel aged something just to finish. <laughs> so on that, like the last time you guys were on, which was in October of 2020, and uh, you obviously weren't serving people in the tap room at that time. And a lot of time has passed since then. Um, and when you talk about uh, and like. With kind of the, for lack of a better word, hype crowd that uh, that you guys tend uh, like tend to draw, um, have you found that there's been a shift in what the like in what the clientele has wanted in that kind? Whether that's a like whether that's a shift in who is coming through the door, or just kind of the way things have shifted as uh, like things have settled into normal business that uh, like that people have been more down to um, like to wanting something that they can get every time they come in 
Because I know that, uh, like, probably back in back in the time of 2020 and uh, like, and probably through 2021 as well, it was probably the kind of thing that a lot of people were wanting. Like, just like, what's the newest thing every single time? Mm. Yeah, they still just want the new thing. (laughs) (laughs) As we've gotten, as we've gotten bigger and as we've just been around longer, it's like, new circles of people. So initially we were just looking at the super hardcore beer nerds like us, people who would get in your car and drive a few hours for some beer, people who would trade with a total stranger from another part of the country, some cans, people who were like super excited to get the absolute best beer they could. That that was our core audience. And we still cater to them. We put out high ABV stuff, barrel aged stuff, wax dipping cans, we, we do all that, and we're never going to not do that. That's like the core of who we are. Yeah, exactly. it's, it's the bread and butter for sure. <laughs> yeah, but as we've, as we've um, opened our tap room, so we opened our tap room in December of 2021, so it was a year and a half, more than a year and a half mm-hmm. since we opened, from when we opened until we were able to have people come in and sit down and drink. Um, I wouldn't say our product offering changed. I'd say it grew and evolved. So um, we, you know, we do like the Milton Farmers Market, and I think uh, you, you would probably assume that's a, pe- a lot of people wanting kills or kind of your your most basic beers. But we really do well with our slushies or with our, you know, our Caesar beer or any anything. Anything that's weird and different because you can't see that anywhere. So um, those do well. But, um, yeah, as we've gotten bigger, um, as we've brought more people into the fold, uh, it's more like pockets and and different different types of people. There's the – you know, you get some of the burnout factor. There's only so many double and triple IPAs you can drink before you're like, okay, just give me something. Give me something different. Um, and there has definitely been since COVID kind of wound down a shift towards more lower ABV stuff generally used to be like double and triple IPAs were like IPAs for people that shifted down, not just for us, for a lot of breweries making beers like us, uh, it hasn't gone away, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, that's, that's calmed down quite a bit, but, um, I would say also we have a really wide variety of stuff. When you come to our place, you get like a Mountain Dew beer. And uh, we always have like 10 different really broad variety of things. So I think that helps us because when someone walks in our door, no matter who you are, we've probably got something for you. I would say so. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Three and a half years is uh, it, it, it went by quick and it, it is a short time. But for a serious beer drinker, it's enough time to work through some ups and downs. Oh, for sure. And, uh, and so, you know, everybody's got to find their balance. And on the fun side of that, we have, you know, customers that came in after buying some of our beers, some styles that we did for the first time, like a barley wine saying, I didn't know what a barley wine was, but you released it, so I'm buying it. I've tried Sick. every one of your beers, and they're always good, so I know this is going to be good too. After you know three years, you kind of you, you've tried all the styles, and for me, in, in my when before we did this brewery, when I was just 
chasing craft beer around the world, I was like, I just wanted to try new beers. It's like, is that a new beer that I haven't had before? I want to try it. I want to try it. After a few years of that, you start to then say, well, these three or four styles are the ones that I'm always thrilled with. And you kind of get to know your sweet spot. And I feel just like what Bebo alluded to, where in the pandemic, it's like everyone was like chasing some, a new experience. It was drinking some of those crazy beers was the entertainment that we had in the evening. Good point. And, uh, and you're able to enjoy it with your partner. So you could be even more inquisitive and go on a, a ride, explore with each other and talk about it. Just kind of in the same way as you talk about a movie with uh, with someone you watch it with. So it's we've kind of seen we've 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 been on a ride with some of our customers who've been there since the beginning, and you kind of see that everyone's settling in to like what's their speed, what's their style, and uh, and it's kind of fun to see where people end up because your palate changes over time, oh, your yeah. preferences when you think of like pastry stouts at first the concept was just like yes you mean i can put a liquid cake in my mouth and we have a couple hundred of those and we're like i have to put a cake in my mouth (laughs) 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 you're like just give me a stout like you know so we we've kind of seen everyone's preferences kind of evolve and uh and so it's it's that's also makes it fun to have loggers in the lineup too, because these beers have become for us a little bit of a, like a palate reset, uh, just a little bit of a break. And I, I personally don't like to drink IPAs back to back now ever. I just don't trust the palate. If you're still tasting the previous beer you had for several sips, right? Just like when you started to drink this beer, you were like, whoa, that was a blast of bitterness out of the gate for you. Mm. Because whatever was in your mouth before, maybe that awesome dinner you were you were eating before is like swung your palate this way. Mm. So uh, that's kind of that's kind of how we approach making these beers is like big flavor. There's no mistaking what's going on there. You get lots of it, just nice and generous. So you really get into it. Um, and so it's fun for us to, we've got a, a whole bunch more lagers planned, especially dry hopping with different hop varieties. It's just, it, it's really, it's fun. It's exciting. It's kind of a different dimension than, you know, picking hops for your IPA. Um, people are getting really just, uh, you see New Zealand pills, you know, now and, and these styles where people are really just having some, having some, you know, new style, new world fun with different hops. We've even revisited some hops that are really classic in that we we weren't right out of the, you know, from the start, we weren't jumping to use. But sometimes now we'll we'll have a beer. Uh, what's the pale that we had from our, our friends at, at Beak? And it was, what, the hops in there? Oh, how long? Yeah, how long? Mm-hmm. We're like, let's use that in a beer. And we used it and it's, it's pretty fun using hops in different ways and, uh, and just kind of making different aspects of them come alive. Hmm. That's awesome, man. 
I hadn't thought about that back-to-back IPA thing because typically, I guess I do do it, but I would. I started to do like say on my Saturday nights if I'm really going hard, I'd like start with a crispy, and then I would like if I'm saying do three IPAs, I try and slide like a Westy in the middle to try like IPA like haze Westy haze to try and like and and I have a full um, glass of sparkling water between every single one. Someone told me that I forgot who it was. But it was just sort of like no Phil from Brewheads, uh, uh, my friend who used to who designed our logo. He was like, you drink a full glass of water between every one. It makes you piss like a fucking rabbit. But <laughs> I feel like it like balances everything out, and it was almost like the carbonation in the 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 water. I, I could be making this up, but it almost feels like it. It's a palate refresher. So when the new beer does come, even if I don't do what. Like if I'm doing back to back haze, for example, which now you mentioned, I'm going to try it as not. It almost feels like it refreshes it, but um, I like that. I'm gonna I'm gonna sit on that. That's great. One little, you know, this we kind of came about this organically when Bebo and I used to have more time to just hang out, and we'd have our our, our weekly planning meetings, put out some crackers, some cheese, you know, taste it with the beers, and those cars, plain crackers, the thin. Just simple. I know you have about. that in a beer. Mm-hmm. Total reset. It's it's, huh. it's really nice to have that handy. It's a good idea. I like that a lot. Um, what I wanted to also ask, and I don't know if Tom, whenever you guys are ready for for the next one, I'm but the right. All right, let's do it because the let's talk about the beer because I actually had questions about the flagship stuff um, in general. But tell us about this one. So here we have Rise Pale Ale, hazy, 5.2% pale ale with oats and topped with our hand-selected Citra, Mosaic, and Cashmere. Love that. You say now, Cashmere or Cashmere? Cashmere. Cashmere, I like that. It's a little more uh, a little more gangster. I like that. A little, a little swag on that yeah. shit. Speaking um, of gangster, I'm rocking this sweet Wu Tang glass from. Well, that's, <laughs> that's dope. Where'd you get that? that hot fiction glass. Hot fiction, yeah. Hot fiction. I, uh, oh, I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our collab glass, and I was like, "Oh, sweet! Let me grab another one because I should <laughs> get some glasses." Oh, glass. Oh, I, I, I'm in love with this one too. This is one of my favorites. Yeah, I love that nice. one. Ooh, look at that. Cheers, boys. Cheers, Cheers. legends. Get Cheers. that up. Greg's still catching up there. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. This is fantastic. Ah, this is disgusting. Um, so tell us about this beer, then I want to get into like the flagship, just why, why this one being a flagship <laughs> and blah, blah, blah. Um, so what was it again? Oh, it was that's ca- good. Fuck. This is fantastic. Um, cashmere. Citra Mosaic Cashmere. Um yeah. And five point two, but the body is crazy. You guys, really yeah. the, the whole the body situation is. Uh, it's a yeah, I, yeah, I would have I, like I could have said that this was six five if I hadn't known. Yeah, for sure. Like no question. Um, yeah, we'd like our pale ales to drink more like an IPA than a pale ale. I, so, I, I I appreciate that because I often don't like I often don't like New England pale ales because I I sometimes find that they drift into the session IPA category and I'm not a session IPA guy just with kind of uh, just with kind of how the like the lighter body and kind of the higher 
citric acidity that can sometimes come out of it, I often find can happen with New England pails as well. And uh, like, and this, this has a lot more body to it. And I think it definitely drinks more like an IPA than a pale ale for sure. For sure. What's, um, I'm getting like, uh, yeah, it's like super, just straight tropical fruit. There's, um, yeah, uh, how, what's this can? Okay. So the, I'm still getting, is there a bit of greenness in there? Like a little bit of hop, hop burn, which is something I'm a huge fan of, but it's like sort of like a, like a, a touch. Is that, is that, uh, am I crazy? Yeah. It's just kind of, it's still a little bit of, just a little. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, just a little little bite to it, but um, love that. Not, not too not too aggressive, and after a few sips, it will definitely go away. It chills out. I love it. Yeah, I also feel I like said this before I talked about this before, but we, uh, we kind of you know Nathan, you what you were saying about session IPAs, and and you know we we never want someone to feel like a beer we make is chintzy. You know, like we want it. We like them big. We like we like that lots of flavor, and uh, and so this beer in particular, I feel, really kind of over delivers for the style. But for sure, it's not out of character. We 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 like our pails to drink like IPAs. We like our you know IPAs to drink like double IPAs. We just want. We want it to, to raise your eyebrows and be like, flavor country. I'm in. <laughs> flavor country. I love yeah. that. Writing that one down for an episode name. Um, th- This is, yeah, this is exactly it, man. It's just, it's so bright. It's so, and this was like basically just, just shy of a month old as well. Um, and I think that really speaks volumes to your, your process to be this like on the money. Um, a month out. I don't know. That's just me being like a princess with the haze. I'm always like, I, I, that is a question for you guys. I always like it typically within like one to three weeks is probably my money zone. Um, what do you guys personally like as far as like the age of haze? Cause I feel like that's a thing unless I'm crazy. And two, what do you think is the optimal age or the, maybe like the highest end on just before it peaks for you guys? Like sort of the, the longest you would let this sit one of your beers. Oh, that's um or is that not a fair question no no it's not it's it's uh, it's a fair question it's something that we you know we think about all the time and talk about i think that um you almost have to like bucket it by producers so um a lot of it is like how how much hot particulate makes it into the final beer um will will have a big impact and also the dissolved oxygen in the can will have a huge impact so as we've gotten better and um jim who does all the brewing he's the uh he's the uh guy that does all the transfers him and patrick the, on our brewing team we've gotten better at making sure that our numbers are where we want them so the beers will be better longer than they used to be so uh, in the early days when we were bottling IPAs, it was like three weeks in, it was starting to get a little beat up. Now, two months seems like we're still, like we'll have two-month-old IPAs and they're still shining pretty well. Wow. Um, we'll, we, we, uh, if you go on our website and you scroll down to the bottom, Chris keeps a, a tally of the beers we've released and how they're drinking. So we'll periodically go back and get lot old cans and taste them and like, oh, that one, you better... If you still have this, you should drink it or don't, don't bother drinking it. Yeah, we've uh, got so like a, a 
sorry, sorry to just interject for a sec. We've got like a one to five scale and we'll kind of, you know, it, we, we keep at least a dozen, 12 to 16 beers, IPAs, like hoppy ones that your freshness matters. We'll keep that. You could still get, you could still see the tasting notes. You can still see the food pairing recommendations, which are basically me trying to see which dinner I have that night. It really elevates, uh, is elevated by the flavor of the beer and that elevates the beer to create an experience that both things together are better than each of them on their own. Hmm. That information, we kind of want it to stay there uh, long enough that people can drink it. And so beers inevitably get lost in the back of people's fridges. They pull them out. And so some beers we sell out of quickly and then... We just, that's our way of helping people figure it out. And what I love to tell people to do is uh, whatever dinner you're making that night, look in that section on our website, just the very bottom of the, the main page. Yeah, and, I can uh, see that. That's so cool. This is dope. I love this. And then see what you're eating. And there's probably a beer that we have that goes with that. That might be in your fridge. Uh, and it's also the little nudge to say, okay, drink it up, drink it up. Uh, definitely the first week of beer is, is, has, you know, from packaging, it's green, it's more bitter. But as time goes on, that bitterness calms down and the sweetness from the malts increases a bit. They meet in the middle. And for us, I kind of feel like, you're not really getting prime drink, drinking until a weekend. Huh. Uh, but we, we keep trying these beers all the time to make sure that what we're selling is still is tasting right to us. Um, anyways, sorry, Bebo, I interrupted you. Where you yeah, I was going to say, we, um, I personally, I used to be a lot more like, oh, this is a week and a half old, I'll dump it. But we get stuff, you know, we try beers from all over. We try hazy IPAs from everybody worth trying. And anything less than two months, I don't even bat an eye. If it's kept cold the whole time, it's totally fine. Wow. After that, if it's, you know, it's probably still good, but it might start to get a little flabby or a little muted. But, um, but yeah, each producer is different, and each beer is its own little ride. Hmm. Interesting. And packaging is huge, right? Like you, yeah. we we have a mobile canning company, Northern Canning, who comes out once a week. We're we're in their calendar, so they show up every week, and we're a team with them in making sure that this precious liquid that our brewing team has worked so hard mm -hmm. to get to that point that we're going to do it justice by packaging it with as little oxygen which means filling the can to the brim higher than industry standard and uh, you know, making sure that we're happy with what we're delivering and every milliliter counts when it comes to that. So all those little details, it's not just brewing the beer, the packaging is such a huge part of it. And then the storage, uh, I, if we, we've learned through this that it's not common sense for everyone to take care of the beer they buy this you know expensive beer and that is is precious nectar and you want to keep it cold like right into the fridge 
No, no temperature fluctuations. Colder the better, but don't freeze it. And uh, it, all of these little things make such a difference. So sometimes if you're, you're getting beers and you don't know how they've been stored before you got them, if you're trading with people, it can really skew your impression of that beer. So when we, when people order online from us and we offer shipping on our website every day, but our courier comes, we've got multiple couriers. They come a couple times a week. So depending on the timing of a person's order, it, we would say, okay, we'll wait till this day when this courier comes. But our goal is to always keep it, you know, the time it spends out of the fridge is, is as short as possible. It just, you got to take care of, the beer if you're gonna you know invest in in quality products so we uh we try to encourage people to do that and uh it, there's just so many things along the way like a garage is not a good place for beer. <laughs> i would drink a three-month-old ipa kept in the fridge a hundred times out of a hundred over a three-week-old ipa stored on a shelf somewhere yeah, interesting. I got uh, two cans of Heady in the fridge that from August, and I meant to do like a video where I was like comparing, like from the can or from the glass or whatever. I'm like, I don't know. I'm gonna drink them, obviously, but like six months, I kind of just because I kept putting off the video. Now they're like old as shit. It's probably okay, I guess. But um, well, do you know what? I know, I know that that, 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 that's that still beer's really an anomaly. Yeah, it's probably yeah, a different like different that, combo. We had lots of old Headies. That's fine, uh, right? You never disappoint. It's such a robust beer. Mm. And, you know, hop count, how much hops you jam into it plays a role. Even the hop varieties, Bebo, keep me honest here, but I do feel that certain hop combinations and hop varieties, like our bone tree, it just it bends my mind with how long that keeps drinking well for. Mm. So I feel like citra's got to be a pretty robust hop as far as aging i don't know is it even is that a thing Bebo? have you found that I, I i know it is because we've had six month old bone tree that's like fuck that's still good i would sell that with not nothing twice other than the date on the bottom of the can but i don't know what yeah. kind of science or reasoning there is to it but i would definitely experience it I uh, it, it, Troy has uh, has said that as well uh, too that there's certain hops that hold up alarmingly well, uh, like way longer than like than you'd think they'd have any right to. Um, we're gonna have to uh, ask him about it when we've got like when we have him on uh, like in a couple of weeks. Maybe he can dig a bit deeper on that as to uh, like as to which ones, uh, which ones have like have longer legs than you might expect. Mm. I know that when we do our collab with Sawdust, we've done it twice, and we use all Aussie hops, and I guess the key hop is Galaxy. I swear to God, like the first time, it was I, I knew someone who drank it like a year and a half or two years later, and they said it was fine. Um, cool. And I think Galaxy like, has legs. <laughs> yeah, like they, I think Galaxy is definitely one of them because even the the latest one, it was still drinking pretty decent at, at around uh, four or five months as well so it's kind of interesting i did have i fuck up really bad when it comes to like the really boozy one like triples so i grabbed i think it was your second anniversary and i grabbed two of everything and i didn't really think of uh i think it was right before we moved here and i didn't think about the fact that there was triples and i don't particularly drink them and there was the collab with um uh blood brothers 
So I think I ended up drinking one relatively fresh and I forgot about the other one in the fridge the whole time. And I, I drank it recently. I had a whole bunch of them. I was telling Troy funnily enough about it. And he's like, just like take them all out and then just drink a little bit of all of them and like not just all your beers. It was a mix of stuff and see how there's some from Sir John and like all, all different people. And the one that held up the best was the, uh, the I think, is it was it Triple Bone Tree? Is that what it was? The, the Blood yeah, Bone Trail. That was the one. And it held up. I think it was like 16 months old when I had it. <laughs> and it was wow. like, it, w- wow. it was easily the one I drank the most of out of all of those ones. <laughs> That's a telltale sign, right? Yeah. I mean, obviously, it's not something that I should have done, but uh, <laughs> didn't, didn't waste it. And uh, I feel like that definitely speaks volumes. Um, switching gears a little touch on this. I mean, this is this is uh, very interesting to hear about all this stuff from your, you guys' perspectives. Um with regard to the flagship uh, thing, which is something that I feel like is happening more and more often, um, how did you guys decide? And this is coming back. Something you said before, uh, Chris, was like, oh, let the beers show us which one is going to be it. Like, how do you guys determine, therefore, uh, which of, you know, now you got those three flagships? Like, how did you determine those ones? And, or was it something that you're like, oh, we definitely want appeals or we need to pay a little? Like, how did that kind of come about? What's your perspective on that? I've got a few thoughts. Well, I think um, <clears throat> Bone Tree especially, we didn't intend for it to be like a flagship beer. It's just when we made it, it was really good and people loved it and we loved it. It happens all the time that we're super stoked on a beer and we release it and people are like, ah, it's all right. It's <laughs> or it will happen the other way too where, you know, we're like, okay, it's pretty good. And then people are like, oh my God, that's the best beer I've ever had. Uh, but that's one that we we knew we had some magic to it, and then uh, people really resonated with it. So um, that be we, uh, so it just became a beer that we would brew semi regularly. Every like two or three months, we drop a new batch of it, and then really um, I, when we started thinking about how we could evolve as a company, it seemed like that was a good way to just make beers that more casual people who aren't always chasing the hype new stuff. They could just have a beer that they, they know they like, they could have a beer. They, they know when they come to our place, they could get, we could entertain doing things like the, uh, having a permanent tap line at all the beer town locations. So it, uh, it made sense for us to just commit to, we're just always going to have bone tree no matter what. So, um, it, it came out really organically. Um, well, I mean, that's, that was your favorite hop at the time. Yeah, right? it still is. It's all citrus. I mean, how can you not love Citra? Even my mom was like, yeah. oh, I like this bone tree. This is my favorite. This." <laughs> so that's how you decide if Chris's mom fucks with it. Yeah. With, with Rise, we, we – uh, sorry, Bebo, you, I think you were still talking. No, no, go for it. Oh, uh, Rise Pale Ale. So we had bone tree in the lineup already, and uh, – and so for us, six and a half percent, which is our speed for IPAs, eight percent for doubles, like that's my wheelhouse. We love it. But there are a lot of people who find that to be a little strong. Mm-hmm. And so we the kind of thinking behind Rise was how do we make a lower ABV beer that still drinks big? And we've always loved the citra mosaic combo and so does everybody there mm-hmm. that combination of hops is behind so many flagship beers 
and and more importantly, winners for breweries having those hops. Like, how do you go wrong with those two? And we had been really enjoying using cashmere, and now I can't decide whether to say cashmere or cashmere. <laughs> <laughs> it just kind of adds the cashmere blanket to the hops. So it gives it this kind of regal quality, this this silky mouthfeel. And my experience with that hop is that it, it sort of highlights the, the best parts of the other hops. On its own, it's, it's, you know, it's not a... I think of some hops as like the ones that are the main, like the front man of the band. They're like, they're the show. But then there's other hops that do a lot of good work in the background. You know, like Columbus just gives it that substantial body. Uh, helps helps give that, give you something to chew on with that beer. And so in a, in a similar way, cashmere just really, for, for that beer, we love what it brings out in the Citra and Mosaic. And it using Citra in a beer is such a, it's so easy to get into. And there's so many people that still, even now, have an impression of IPAs as being too bitter. And if you give them a nice, soft New England-style Citra IPA, something good is going to happen in their experience. It's going to take them in the right direction. So we always knew for Rise we wanted it to kind of end up tasting like that. And it was actually the beer markets that committed to buying a, a beer, which is Rise. We made that, we, we did about five different pale ales. We used our Conjuration series to figure it out. And that's a series hmm. where we, we, it's our playground. We take, we take risks, we try to learn stuff. And then the best parts of, of those beers sometimes will like spark ideas for us to, to create entire series of beers from. And we tried like a pale ale that had, I think, Nelson Sovan. And it was just too, it was too edgy. And we thought that is, that's a beer nerd's pale ale. For Rise, we want it to be just so easy to get into that anyone who thinks they don't like IPAs is going to taste it and say, Oh, I like this one. So that's how we got we got the lineup of the three main beers. Nice. That's, and the that's such a smart approach, I think. Yeah. It's really balanced and really like definitely very, very thoughtful. And for the pills, I guess that was kind of like you guys were saying earlier, like it was just it kind of rounded it out. I mean, yeah. I agree with you, Mo. The Czech style is just there's the so best. much to love. Yeah. There's so much to there's so much interest. There's so many different things to enjoy. Whereas a German style, I always think of as like super refreshing, like a laser beam, just like crisp, refreshing. We, we, we love drinking, uh, you know, those pills, but good lagers uh, in that style because it just they deliver so much. And the beers that we make, I always think of it. Imagine if you were at a party talking to a bunch of people or you were having a, a meal with, with people you care about and enjoying the conversation. You always want to have like 
something in your mouth that you're kind of swirling around and savoring and enjoying, which just makes the conversation even better. And so that style for us, for me, is like something where I'll actually get distracted from conversations and just be like, damn, like that is so good. What were you going to say, Bebo? Yeah, uh, one, one other point I was going to say about Rise is that was a label that Casey had finished. Like it was before we even opened, that was like a finished label he had. And not obviously as a pale ale, but just as like the design. And uh, we have like a shared drive where he will upload different label ideas. And um, and eventually he's, he, he brought that up. He's like, guys, uh, what don't you like about that label? And we're like, it's the opposite. Like we haven't made a beer yet that is worthy of that label. So we knew where Bone Tree being a flagship came about organically. Rise, it was more like that beer. There was some thoughtfulness behind it to, to the point where we're going to be like, okay, we're going to have this available all the time. So we knew the label had to be great. So it was really the label came first for that beer and we had to get our company to a point and our brewery, our brewing skills to a point and, uh, you know, kind of our marketing and sale, everything had to be to a point where we could take that label and, and give it, it's, it's just, just do. We've like got that. a handful of, uh, of labels that Casey will put in a, a shared drive that we have. And the conversation with, between me and Bebo is usually, you know, oh, oh, I love that one. Oh, we got to pick a really good beer for that one. Yeah, and, like uh, some labels were just like, oh, we just want to do it justice. And I want to be able to bring that back again and have the ability to slap down that gorgeous art with tasty liquid inside. I, uh, a, a fun novice thing I can share from my impression of, of what, you know, making beer in a brewery would be like. I just thought, you know, back when we were drinking Bellwoods, it was like one of the only good breweries that we had in in the local area close to us that we could go to, and and uh, we'd be we'd be drinking those IPAs, and uh, and I thought you kind of when the beer's done, everyone comes together and sits down taste the beer and while they're drinking the beer everyone's like oh you know like what are you getting what are you getting what's inspiring you like what should we call this beer it's like ah you know what like these notes everything you know like rouge river or whatever like gangster king i love that beer you taste it and you're like oh how did they know what to name this like it's just perfect yeah, but then actually, on when you're making the beer, immediately I realized what what an idiot I am. Like, we don't have time to make the label. We got to sell the beer. The beer's ready. We got to sell the beer. So you got to count it back a couple of weeks and make sure you got the artwork done and make sure there's no mistakes on anything and send it to the printer. Different printing companies take different amounts of time and it's got to be in your hand on the day of packaging if you're the type of brewery as we are in that we have to wait for the mobile company uh canning company to come 
to actually package the beer and put on the labels. Otherwise, we're doing it by hand. Not happen. <laughs> no. <laughs> so it's like you you've got to kind of take a chance sometimes when you get a good feeling about the beer and just go with your gut. And those those ones to me are like really special when it comes out and I feel like we've nailed it. Like mm. we artwork is awesome and the artwork matches the way I feel when I drink this beer. And that's that's something that you just can't you can't engineer. Mm. Yeah, man. I never thought of it like that. Like had to make a beer that's worthy of the label. That's cool. I mean I guess it's makes sense from I- I feel yeah. like the breweries that are like that take a lot of care with like with their labels like do similarly. Like I feel like Saint Kimbaron, uh, like also like, also do that. Like they're like Jacob's obviously very thoughtful with uh, like with his label artwork, and uh, I, I, and I feel like he said that before as well that he kind of wants the label to really fit with. Kind of what the beer like what the beer makes you think of what like, where, like when you're drinking it and whatnot. So. Like I, I, the the breweries that are known to kind of take their take their label art very seriously, I feel like that's a pretty common thread. Great point. Yeah, it's so cool. Yeah, it's so cool. Like the different style that different breweries take, and you know, some of the breweries we love most have a very different approach to their branding and their artwork. But it's like. Sometimes it just fits and it feels like the right thing to be on that, on that package. Mm. Yeah. That's, that's really cool. Speaking of that, um, one of the things that you guys did and it's cause we were just talking about it, that Nate and I actually had a podcast with Jen from beer town and the four beers that she chose to drink were your collabs with sort of city. Um, I think it's the coolest shit in the world where you basically did, you know, bone tree, lone pine, bone pine, lone tree. Um, and I kept them all here. I just thought it was the coolest fucking thing in the world oh, that you did this. Yeah, um, that was fantastic. It was just like it's know, so. It's just so cool to me. Like I don't know if you guys want to speak to this. Um, because you not only did this amazing collab with the four beers, um, the other incredible one was the um the def- uh what is it orchestrated chaos. Yeah, yeah. Um, defenestrated ego. Or change. I want to ask about that in a second, but um, I actually finally got because I got your beer when it came out, and when we did our collab with Sam in July last year, he gave me a can of his side because I never got it, so I didn't get to try the black and tan, but uh, got both cans finally in the end. Um, so first of all, just love to hear how this one came about as far as the four beers, and it's yeah, the, the sort of how did that how did that all happen? Because it's fucking genius. Uh, so Sawdust is a brewery we have a lot of respect for. They're for like, um, you know, someone that's been around a while and isn't always making the super hype stuff. Their beers are excellent. Like their quality control is so good. They put out like yeah. 20 different styles, like vastly different styles of beer. And they're so true to style, so well executed. Every time I have a Sawdust beer, I'm like, man, that is so good. Like they're just they absolutely nail it. Like I really, really big fan. Sam is an awesome guy. Um, so um, yeah, we were we were fans first. And Jim, our brewer, he's uh, he his wife has um, got some roots up north, so they would go up there. And he had known Sam or just from 
you know, kind of being a beer fan. So uh, I've been talking to Sam about doing a collaboration and then we, you know, we were going to do one, but we really wanted to get a, um, do one that had more thoughtfulness, like a little bit more, um, like truly tied in. So that's the idea of like a black and tan came about. And then, um, artwork is such a big part of what we do that we wanted to have one where it was like the two cans, you put them together. It's like, this tells us, this is a story. This is a story. You put them together and it's an even different one. So it was just, it was pretty ambitious um, in terms of lining up the brew schedule, the brew days, the label, everything. um, It wasn't easy, but um, yeah, it came together really well. So we, that came first and we just had a lot of love and respect for Sawbest and what they do and just great folks. So then specifically the, the bone loan kind, um, that was uh, so. Once we once we got Bone Tree at um, at Beer Town, that was part of their permanent or their static menu. Uh, some friends of ours, Terry and Emma, who are out of Waterloo, ultimate beer nerds, the sweetest people you'd ever want to spend time with. Absolutely love them. They were sitting at um, at Beer Town, and they each got a different one. And they posted something on Instagram. They're like, oh, well, you guys should do a collab, Lone Pine, Bone Tree. And it was like, yeah, that's, that makes sense. Do it. I think um, they, their untapped check-in was, was a pint of, of our Bone Tree and a pint <laughs> of uh, Sawdust's Lone Pine. Right. That's, yeah. you know, I mean, that's an iconic beer, right? Like, that's right. one of the first, the first awesome IPAs yeah. we had from Ontario. Hell and yeah. still great to this day. So for us to be able to do a collab with them on a beer that was so inspirational to us early on and a beer that also stands the test of time it is pretty, pretty fun experiment. And there's the West Coast, there's the East Coast. So there's that split on it too. So we actually swapped malt builds used each other's multiple for the recipe. So it was like a half of ours, half of theirs in both of those beers. So That's I love that. Is there a possibility of, I guess the last combo is what lone bone and pine tree. Is there a, uh... <laughs> That's the final frontier. Well, I was going to say it was, it was an awesome idea and it was fun because it came up so organically and it just like made sense. Like, even though there was absolutely no attempt to like, replicate lone tree when we or lone pine we're making bone tree just the names just happened to to align you know, bone and tree and pine um but then so we came with this i you know we talked back and forth and then jen from beer town was like hey if you guys really want to do this we could do it as part of our like collaborative series they do quarterly and we'll run it at all the beer towns so they would commit to buying some and, you know, get exposure wouldn't otherwise. So it was like, okay, it was a no brainer. But then I remember when we were sitting down to have the first brew day, it was like, which one is this lone, lone, lone? lone? <laughs> well, that's your, yours. Is, but it was so confusing. And, and we uh, are I, in the beer town staff having to pour it for people. Uh, all four yeah, of them on top at once? <laughs> they had, you want to for a while, like, they had all four beers. All four of them. <laughs> oh, that would be a nightmare. 
<laughs> it's confusing. So for you guys, it had to be a nightmare. But uh, yeah, Lone Tree was great. We 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 brewed a lot of batches of that, and it was a beer we absolutely loved. And it was um for it was our real first chance to like dig deep into the West Coast IPA style. And uh, yeah, when when that kind of wrapped up, because normally a collab you just do do it once. I think we brewed twelve batches of that. Oh, and when the shit. last one was done, it was like, oh, I'm gonna miss it. Yeah, like a West Coast IPA. Yeah. So many people who ate at Beer Town enjoyed a West Coast IPA. It was just so cool to see the legs of that, and mm. it's no secret, you know, hazies are what sell. And but we love having a West Coast IPA in between hazies and like you talked about yeah i think that's what you were saying you you do craig yeah is, try uh, to. like that that does shake up your palate going to west coast style and but the west coast style is more bitter and dry which are some of the characteristics that some people don't like about ipas so to see us have to make that many kegs for people to enjoy, it was uh, it. It felt like it felt like we were doing something good in mm. the you know. It's like yeah, just have have a West Coast style as often as you can. It's mm. delicious. Definitely, couldn't agree more. You're preaching to the choir here. Before oh, yeah. I, I want to get to the next beer, I just want to ask one last question on these collabs. The the one with the black and tan, like how the fuck did you guys come up with the two names and then figure out that if you put the cans together, it had like orchestrated chaos? Because it was like so insane to me that that came together. Like it's, was it like a fluke or is it like a known thing? Like how, how did it work? That was uh, I actually we were at Stout at uh, Indie Stout Night, so we had kind of been loosely chatting about it, and Jim was talking to Sam, and we kind of knew like okay, we wanted this to be this and this to be that, and you put it together, and it's this third thing, and like nothing more flushed out than that, like no, no names or anything. So I talked to Sam at um, um, Stout Night, and we kind of like okay, let's make it. We gotta we gotta get moving on this. So then he he actually came up with the idea of orchestrated chaos, okay, as the final name. As he was like, well, this is kind of it's gonna be like it's a good name because if it's orchestrated, you know, you make one, we make one, black and tan it's chaos, and it's like a hazy double IPA. Like it's the whole idea, is, the whole premise is a little weird, but um, the, the thing is, I think it was what. What, whatever, there's only two words in the English language that end in that. It's orchestrated and defenestrated. So when you put the beer side by side, it would spell it out for you. Yes. So yeah. the words we wanted to achieve, we had to tag team to get there. So we got like the second half of the, of the two words. Yeah. And some of us took the first half of the two words and, uh, yeah, when you're trying to think of yeah, words, two, I'm pretty sure there's those are the two. Oh, because theirs was like, like orchids of or, change, orchard of change, and then defenestrated egos, and then it's sort of like orchestrated. Like, so the O R C H estrated, and then C H A, and then the O S of the egos. It's, it's yeah, like exactly. a magazine. 
Yes, yeah. that magazine, the folding. Yes. Yeah, that was kind of the inspiration for that. Fuck. But then the reality of trying to come up with words that would actually work. <laughs> we through the dictionary and we're like, whew, this certainly is a challenge. I think we got the, uh, the harder problem to solve here. Sam said that he's like, I think the only other word is defenestrated. So I was like going online and finding these websites and doing all these like, you know, use the wild card search term or whatever. And I'm like, I'm sure there's someone watching this right now that's like, oh, you idiot. There's this one. But yeah, that's really all we could find with a unnecessary amount of research into it. And then that was funny, too, because theirs was a uh, Baltic porter. So true to sawdust style, they did it properly where traditionally Baltic Porter is a lager. So they brewed a lager. And I think we we went up there two and a half months-ish before it was to be released. Um, so at that point, we kind of flushed it out like, oh, we got time, we got time, we got time. And then it hit a point where we're like, oh, shit, we got to like get moving on this. And um, – but it was it was pretty stressful because it was like our artists and their artists, but they had to come together. It was like different printing companies, and the whole thing was like so much more planning and coordination than any other collaboration we've done. Like we had all these meetings with the, it was like so much extra work for this to to make the cans line up. So, it, but it was it was fun, and and how the beers worked out, where the one sits on top of the other, it was it was it was really cool. Yeah. And remember, imagine the artists, what we put them through. <laughs> They're like meeting each other and then trying to do this dance of like compromise to get to a shared vision, which they're getting from us. And mm. and Bebo and I usually have a vision for what we want. And the challenge is like trying to articulate that to the people we work with to make sure that it comes out that way. Mm. Um, yeah, it was really it, so. It, it it was definitely it, it pushed everyone to the next level. But, uh, but yeah, we loved it, and the black and tan was just such a nice a nice nod to tradition. Yeah, and some of the beers that originally this excited about beer, so it just felt like such a a cool thing to do. I love it. Thank you for telling that story because I was always curious and we did have Sam and the team on recently, but we did not ask them about that. So uh, I always wanted that answer because it just as like a rapper, like looking at words and stuff. And I was like blown away how that came together and how much sense it made on both sides because that's the hard part. It had to make sense on both sides yeah, and then come together to make that. So congrats. Yeah, that was the thing we wanted it so that if let's say – you had no idea it was a collaboration. You just bought a can of the beer. You wouldn't be like, what is it? This makes no sense at all. Mm. Like it had to be two cohesive thought out labels and beers that when combined then are greater than the, the sum. It's brilliant. And like I can, I was thinking of saying, oh, would you ever do it again? You're like, fuck, it'd have to be the exact same thing. And that's it. I think now that we got the hard part out of the way, it would be fun to do it again, definitely. We, we love working with Sawdust. They're awesome folks. Such legends. Love it. This is great, boys. Uh, shall we? Uh, which one are we doing next? Midnight. Oh, yeah. Midnight. Yeah. Give me a quick sec to grab it from the fridge. Go for it, my man. Kills after dark. Yes. This uh, I had recently, and it was just spectacular. Like, just a ridiculously good beer um per, this is a black lager 
Um, I yes. imagine black check lager. I would assume so. Yeah, I'm I, I'm amped for this because this is my first kills variant that I've had. Oh really? Oh dude. Yeah. Fuck. Okay. Next time they got because I I had like a a few cans of the Rowaka uh, kills, which was fantastic. Um, you're gonna be moist. You're gonna love this. This shit is uh disgusting. Maybe we'll wait for the boys to come back. But yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's it's. It's really cool to see, like, I, like I don't know. I'm super partial to to black lagers, like low ABV dark beers, is something that I love. I fucking love that shit. Yeah. Whether it's like lagers or like a you know a stout or a porter or something that's like super low, just like finish the night off something like chill but like different profile. Um, and when you like when you don't want to commit to like a big eleven and a half percent, exactly, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But you see, but you want a taste of that? This is yep, like the yep. perfect, like happy medium um, for this one. So, boys, tell us about this one. This one's pretty recent, uh, if I'm not mistaken, right? The last, like this year. End of yeah, last year. Yeah, so last year. Yeah. Ooh, look at that. It's a, uh, yeah, it's our first dark lager. I th- it, the inspiration was everything you said. Like, I love a dark beer. Obviously, we love stouts, but you don't always want like a 13% super sweet sugar bomb. Absolutely. So this is like how light and drinkable can we make a beer that still scratches that itch for something? It's got a little <laughs> rough, Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thank you. you, you how you is guys, that to drink you, you, guys, you guys must know uh, Evan at uh, oh, yeah, the Wheel Brewery. Yeah, with the, the one oh, yeah. with his Hayes House uh, glasses. Is, yeah, this is one of these, and I love it. It's so silly. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Your shop, cheers, love it. Love it. Cheers, legends. Oh, wicked chocolate nose. Nathan, how is that to drink out of? Oh, it's good to drink out of the. Um, it's a like it's a little tricky with one like with like one like this where there's like a real good deal of foam because it's a bit yeah. like it can be a bit tricky to like to actually get to the beer underneath when there's a bit like when there's a big uh, when there's big head with it but uh, so th- yeah, that's the only thing that can be a bit tricky otherwise it's fine <laughs> like foaming up like crazy oh the glass we don't have anymore at the brewery oof what do you think of those glasses by the way. The New England IPA glasses that were called. Like, do you guys rate them? Yeah, them. This one. I yeah, you know, honestly well, I didn't, didn't like, like it until we got it. And I'm like, oh, I like these. Yeah, till I drank from it, and I was like, this is great. And I think what I was worried about was how am I going to clean that? Do I need like a dishwasher? <laughs> I think you do. Your glasses in the dishwasher. I do. And they're fine. It cleans it better because I I only got a dishwasher when we moved here. We were didn't have one in the apartment, and I found that like say like um like this glass, I could this started getting like um it's like fogged over or something, and I couldn't get yeah. it off no matter what I did. As soon as I got a dishwasher, she's beautiful. You um, ended up on the dirty glassware mafia. <laughs> uh, the dirty glassware police. Yeah, fuck. Thank oh, thankfully no, it was not dirty, but I think there's like. It just like the sponge couldn't get down there, but the dishwasher magically fixed it. So it's um. Anyway, the uh, those glasses. The only downside I found about those New England IPA glasses, I got a bunch of them, and I really like them too. Is they like 
you can't have a head. Like it'll fit the full can with like no head. Yeah. Or like the thinnest little head. That's the all you gotta keep pouring, which I always find a little frustrating. That's why I like these like speedlow ones, like fit the whole thing with head. Um This is the glass we use in our tap room. Yeah, that it's, one's beautiful to drink. What's that called? Yeah. We I mean we just call it our stem glass. I, okay. I forget. Do you know what it's called, Evil? Diamond it's balloon. Diamond so- balloon. Ah. Nice. Yeah, that, so, I, 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 I love that. I love that because it's pretty rare to see a stemmed glass that can fit a full sixteen ounces. <laughs> and and the head. And, yeah. and the head. Yeah. yeah. It's um it's beautiful. Those glasses are so nice. Drinking in the tap room with that is is money. Um this beer, check style? Check style, um, uh, I guess so. It's pr- it's not totally check style. Um there's some German malts in this, so. Gotcha. It's a bit of a hybrid. We just that's why we call it a black lager, not like a Czech style dark lager. Gotcha. Yeah, it's a um, little, it's a little more, you know, pan continental than that. I love it's it. It's nicely placed in this lineup. My oh, I was gonna say this is yeah. not where I thought this was gonna go. My palate's just welcoming it in. Mm-hmm. And, and this plays to what you were saying earlier, Chris, now, like, because when you said this off-air, Bieber, when we were planning it out, I was like, oh, that's interesting. Okay, I like that, because it's challenging. To me, I would have gone all the Krispies in a row and then mm-hmm. the rest of them in a row. And then when you said that, I was like, okay, then, Chris, you were saying that you split up everything else. Like, yo, this is kind of fucking with my head about how I drink. I, I, I really enjoy this, because I would not normally... I would always keep the crispies to the beginning of the night, then move to haze and move to something else. But I can see the value in this. It's not, um, this is not throwing anything off and it's like a great palate cleanse. So when we go to the next one, I'm sure it'll be bright and tropical and all the things that it needs to be. Um, and there's even, there's even something that I'm wondering if it is enhancing this for me is that the one we had before this was, you know, rise pa- uh, like pale ale, which is, not like a massive, like super chalky dry hops, like sort of thing, which just kind of coats your palate and uh, is going to fuck up anything else that you have afterwards. But so mm-hmm. like something kind of mellow like that that we had before. I'm wondering if I'm tasting a lot more like of the chocolate notes and like and things like this in this than I might have otherwise if we had something big and intense before it. Hmm. So. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And if I think if we had started with this first, you may be like, oh, it's a little, you know, it's it's not a bitter beer, but um, after the Pilsner and obviously the Pale Ale, it's just like it's all about the, the roasty chocolate, kind of that cold brew coffee sort of yes. notes. It's not, you're not really getting any bitterness or any kind of hoppiness or astringency from it. Nothing. So it's a good, good place to try it. It's and perfect. ordering of the beers in a flight or a, you know, a session like mm. we're having here is so important. Yeah. We, uh, we now sell a, you know, thing called flight night where you, you pick six beers and, you know, you can pick random ones from our fridge, make your own six pack essentially. And it includes taster glasses. You can get either two or four. So you can actually set up a tasting at home with your friends when you have them over. And that's been really fun for me to think about, you know, those experiences that we're creating with doing that. And uh, I almost wonder if we should include there, like kind of, I guess there's like some ordering. Yeah. But, but it, it's, it's fun because the order that 
they choose to do it in is makes going a to difference. Experience well, so much. will hugely impact their experience, mm. I would say. Yeah. Especially because, like I was saying, I don't know about, like, Nate, about you, but I would never have put it in the order that we're doing this in tonight. And mm-hmm. like, like we're all saying, this is impeccable. This is working so well. And um, it's to there's the point, like, yeah, There's a couple of things we like to do. Okay. And that's usually when we're, you know, having beers for the night, we, we line them all up, whether we're hanging out, you know, and everyone brought something, it's a bottle share. We line them all up. And generally speaking, we'll go lowest ABV to highest ABV. And okay. the thought there is if you drink a big, like a bigger beer before you drink a beer that's maybe a little more subtle or uh, doesn't hit as hard, you're not going to really be wowed by that second beer uh, because your palate is, is too much white noise going on. Uh, so whenever we find a beer that's got some some delicate nuances to it, we'll do that on a fresh palate and maybe start with that beer and and build up. Like, you know, quintuple bone tree that we're finishing with today, or Quincy Bones is what we like to call it. Um, <laughs> and like, it obviously, that's the last beer. Like, you, you, where are you going to go? You can't have another IPA after a 13.5% quintuple dry hopped ipa and uh taste it and you really want to taste it so good rule of thumb is to build the abv as you go but then it's also like yank the palate around and just keep hitting it with totally different profiles of flavor which usually means different styles but we drink some smoothie sours uh in a session and and that that serves the purpose of like waking your palate up again. Uh, we'll drink pale ales first and then IPAs and then double IPAs and triples. Uh, but we, Bebo and I love our stouts, especially our barrel aged stouts. So usually 80% and I'm being conservative there of the beers that we line up before a session are big stouts. So usually the, opposite it's more like how do we cut the stouts so yeah, our right. palate gets so tired out so be like oh we'll put this ipa in between these two massive stouts to just liven up our palate and bring it back especially if they're pastry stouts and you're like there's only so many cookies i can eat in a row <laughs> does that work with, with like say you're putting like a 6.5 percent ipa in between a 12 percent Two twelve percent stouts. Like, does that actually serve the purpose? I don't think it does the IPA any justice, but it definitely. If you have like three monster <laughs> in a row by the end, you're like pretty done. I find actually lambic for me is the perfect resetter. If you're having like you know you're having a bottle share and you got a bunch of beers out, if you throw a lambic in the middle, it's like it's starting from zero. That'll totally reset you. It like cleans the last off your teeth. Um, like yeah. physically. The acid is. Just... <laughs> oh, jeez! Like, yeah, this is, this is making this is making me think of the, the like going back a few years when uh, like literally the first time I met uh, Noah of Beerism uh, was at his house. We were uh, like, and we were doing a whole night of Pesce Mortel Vertical. And uh, like, and, and then cutting it with uh, cutting it with hazy IPAs, like every third or fourth, uh, every third or fourth variant. It was it, it was wild. 
that was a, those guys are problematic. That one, funnily enough, so you had that one. I wasn't able to make that night, but it was for it was like January twenty sixth or something, twenty twenty. I went to a bottle share with actually the guy who can like so Noah connected me with with you guys too, but Derek, who is a friend of oh. yours, so he got me some of your early um, like homebrew bottle stuff, and we had a bottle share with me, Noah, Derek, and Matt from Vox and Hops, bro. I never vomited so hard in my life. We did. <laughs> and I don't do bottle shares anymore because of this night. We did a blind guz tasting with, I think, 13 different guz between four of us. Oh, so there were. <laughs> That and that oh, just man. reminded me, Bebo, because you said that, right? So we had a table. Can you imagine how many gl- little, like tiny little glasses, right? And it was blind, and they had this whole intricate, like, way to figure out that what was what, so that nobody. Like we didn't have a fifth person to do, to do it That's for us, so, cool. so we did that. And I probably, me and Matt probably knew the least about uh, like goods and stuff. And but, but then as a bottle share, so then it's like haze, stouts, fuck you name it. And because I do the stupid beer review things, as you know, so like that came up, and I'm looking through it the other day, and I'm just retching looking at it. Like I never vomited so hard in my like it was so I woke Tiff up, and it was gargantuan, and I was like, I think the problem is probably mixing the lambic yeast with everything else. Um, just fermenting. Uh, yeah. And it was just... The problem was the amount of volume you probably consumed. <laughs> it, it was probably that too. And it wasn't thoughtful like you guys were talking about. Well, I, the very first beer he busted out while like uh, Noah and Matt were doing a, a podcast, he busted an 18% McKella, the McKella black one with the... Like it's like oh, an eight, come on. Asian cat. No, like before we even ate. So he busts out. He's like, oh, these guys oh. are doing a pod. Come downstairs. Let me show you the cellar. And like, let's bust oh, this open. No. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, ah, oh. I was trying to be cool. You know, I'm like, no, like <laughs> oh man, like let's just relax and have some food. But he was just, I was like, yeah, let's go. And yeah, it was a bad move. Um, oh, but yeah. that's like me on, on my birthday one year, friends of mine came to the brewery and, uh, and brought some beers and uh it was my birthday and i had been saving up this utopias Ooh, oh no cracked it open oh, no. for everyone's chair but the birthday boy gets a, a nice big pour to start off the session that's like 28 percent at all <laughs> like but, a, 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 a nice big a, a nice big pour of like sure. much of it. and i'm like that's like five <laughs> shots of bourbon yeah. That's I not. I've also done a Bourbon County share oh, with God. some friends of ours, oh. and that is also not advised. Oh, that <laughs> that that'll wreck you. That's fourteen and a half percent. Like like, oh, that's too much. That's too much. <laughs> some vintages are seventeen percent. Oh, oh Jesus! Yeah, that's too much. Because you have to cut it. So like you in like you're already drinking too much. So you got to add more beer in to cut the beer. <laughs> Oh my god! I think Ronnie ordered the pizza and was so trashed that like the pizza, we never even got the pizza. Like they, they, I can't remember. They delivered to the wrong house or something, and all of a sudden, he's British. He phoned it in, and he's got an accent. And I'm like, there's no way after like 13 Bourbon counties that you, you, and then people just started flopping around like, like mackerels on the floor. He's like, oh boy, all of a sudden started disappearing. <laughs> wow. Oh, man. <laughs> order it. Like two hours later, I don't think they're coming. No, I feel like that's what Domino's.com is for. Yeah. 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 No one has to come. 
planning for success. No, not at all. So it sounds like bottle shares aren't the greatest idea in the world. No, what yeah. happened to bottle shares, man? Bottle they, shares yeah. are really a pre-2020 kind of thing. <laughs> no. And, you know, in the States, I feel like they totally recovered hmm. and became – Oh, again. yeah, maybe. But I feel like here – it just doesn't really happen anymore. <laughs> For us, it was one of the contributing factors to us releasing uh, some of our beers in like smaller formats because we, you're not going to sit down to like a 750 of a 13% bourbon barrel aged stout and solo it unless you're me or Bebo. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I do that, yeah. Um, but it's just, and, and by the way, I appreciate I, like I appreciate you for that. I I so appreciate you for that because it's and uh, like and Craig and I have talked about this a lot. But it's a thing of I'm the only beer drinker in uh, in our house, and when I've got like a 750 mil bomber bottle of like of some big imperial stout, it like it makes me upset because it takes me so long to get to crack it open. Uh, like and w- what I usually end up doing now is just popping a stopper in it and I'll put it back in the fridge and come back to it the, like the next day or something. But like to have uh, like a barrel age bestowed in a silver bullet can is perfect. It's fa- like, like that's absolutely Truly. perfect. To, like to have to myself to like as a cap off. Like these cans, like the Red Bull cans. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, like, like you, you could, have have that, or you like could split it two ways, and you still get enough to like experience the beer. So. Yeah, it's. I had to do a night where I pick a night of the week, like Wednesday. I call it Big Beer Wednesday, and I do two beers because I don't drink anything else, and I have it after dinner, so I don't drink beforehand, and then I've so I've got a full like a reservoir there to protect the shit, and I'm able to usually down two full like you know of like a. If it's a 13%, maybe something a little lighter, like a 9.5 beforehand or something. But if it's like, I could do two cans of bestowed or something, and I'm pretty good. Like a little, like you're lit, but I'm not like, you know, vomiting aggressively in the toilet. So it's yeah. it's a nice little balance. But this saves the day, to be honest, because I feel like you could have, like this one specifically is 13%. So this is quite high, but I could have two of these if I really wanted to, which is the equivalent of a, actually it's less than a, Less than a 750, isn't it? What is this? 355. Yeah, so it's less than the 750 still, but I could have two different ones Mm -hmm. um, and sit on them, whether it's the Red Bull size or like just a regular shorty, doesn't matter. It's just like the, yeah, Nate, like Nate was saying, some that we talk about a lot because it's, it's, no, but the reason we all have sellers is probably because too many big beers come in 750s. And I understand why. Um, A lot of your other beers are in the three. The bottles are they um five hundred or are they three fifty five like say time takes time three seventy five three so those are great yeah. too yeah that's so still the, great what's well, twenty mils more than this which actually yeah. like visually doesn't make any sense but you know here mm-hmm. we are and I was like like Nate said like we appreciate that as far as like it, it's like it makes it very like doable to get through whether you share it or whether you take one to the face or do what I do and have like a night like I'm not gonna have five beers and then oh let me rock one of these like i'll have that night and i've found that like by doing a dedicated night to like just barley wines or stouts like super high stuff i like i really appreciate it like i'm appreciating i look forward to that night every week because i only get to do a couple of them most people almost everyone if you have a 750 of those super sweet big bourbon barrel stouts by the end it's like it's not enjoyable 
Like, it's just not fun. It's like a chore to get through. So, yeah, um, the producer that just it's not what you want someone to feel like they have to drink it or they end up pouring it out. So, yeah. Yeah. Because that's that's just a shame when that happens. The move that uh, th- that I've moved towards now is uh, following Noah's lead again, which like, which is when I'm going through a big bottle like that, I'll have it on like a Sunday afternoon, crack it open at like four o'clock, and just nurse it over like two or three hours. And I, like, and I'm finding I, I'm finding I enjoy it much more that way. And uh, like when you have that amount of time to get through it, you also get to experience it as it, like as it warms up to room temperature. Which with those kinds of beers, uh, like especially with uh, the, the like you know with barley wines and uh, like and especially barley wine stout combos and things like that, you get such a uh, like, like such a varying experience as the like as the temperature changes. And uh, like and things like that. So that's that's been my move lately. That's and, great. You know, yeah. Room temp, they're always the best. Like it's always where you want it. So yeah, when we when we're doing a bottle share, we'll pull all the stouts out and just leave them out. Like they're totally room temperature when we crack them open. So. Interesting. Yeah, that's, I totally support that. And and when it comes to bottle shares, it's also it's good to pick you know, a number of participants where you're going to get, you don't just have a thimble full. Yeah. Cause you, you you don't even know the beer at that point. So for me, I'm like, if I can get, you know, if I can get 250 mils minimum of the beer, I can get a good input. Yeah. Mm. I I, I think that's probably the minimum. Like a cup. Yeah. That's a good, good. I mean, like, could, how many beers that are like whatever double digits could you do in a in a share like that if you get a you know two fifty mils of? Ooh, it's different for people. Okay, <laughs> that's a good point because I don't know how many of those I could do if it's a share. Like yeah, and also style too. Like you know, whenever people and I are drinking together, I always know the rule is we don't start with a sour. Okay. Because if we do, Bebo's going to be having heartburn. You get heartburn. Gonna be, I'm going home. I'm going to bed. Yeah, you're just not going <laughs> to enjoy it. You got to know so yourself. We'll set a base with a bourbon stout, mm-hmm. and then we'll go from there. But uh, if you drink too many pastry stouts, then I find all of a sudden I get to a point where my stomach is just done having it. <laughs> And it's just like, okay, too much dessert. Like, I don't know what's going on now. Uh, so, yeah, everyone's different. Everyone's got their their different yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, remember when we, like, in the earlier years of drinking, when it was like, oh, you have a Guinness. And then there's some people who say, oh, it's it's like, it's, it's a, a meal, meal in a glass. And you're yeah. like, actually, it's lighter than, uh, but what matters most is, the experience and the impression yeah that's truth based on you know the, what's inside uh how it makes people feel definitely has a, a huge impact and and those black stick cans are fun because you could have it on a school night and you know not feel like you're being too irresponsible not at um, all i would agree with that and yeah, it's fun, fun man. Like, have this bomb in your hand this like packed 
little bottle, like Revolution <laughs> Brewing out of Chicago. We've always we always love those those short cans, those unassuming cans. And what's inside that really packs a punch, and it is so fun for me personally to be out in the woods somewhere or in a canoe and look down and realize I carried this tiny can out here. I, it was so efficient with my like weight ratio and space ratio in my boost that I have this awesome little powerful bomb in my hands and I crack it open and hear that sound echo off the trees all the way around the lake until the loon starts calling. And man, <laughs> that is that's right there. You're a poet, Chris. I like the way you talk <laughs> about that. It's romantic. It's beautiful. Thank you. It's uh, you gotta you gotta savor the moments. It's uh, it's so fun talking about these beers with you guys because we don't really get a chance to stop and smell the roses. Mm. There's just too much going on, and we're not yet. We can't yet afford to hire all the labor that we need to have. So we're just like we're wearing multiple hats. We're just go go go. And uh, so thank you for giving us this opportunity to kind of stop and enjoy. Uh, you know, it's like rare for me to sit down and drink like a full third moon beer and like think about it and be like, oh my goodness, you know, like I'm tasting them all the time, but we're always tasting at the brewery and like, you know, checking in. Thanks, How's thanks. this beer developing? Are you happy with it? Do we need to tweak it every day? Like it literally is a job. <laughs> yeah, literally. Um, no, it's an honor and a pleasure, man. I mean, you guys, it's this a, is... It really is a genuine pleasure to uh, like to kind of hear he, hear these experiences. Like, like we we love hearing these stories. Mm. Sweet, man. Um, I love it. One thing I just want to really quickly talk about that, um, Nate, you actually brought up, and that's something that I only discovered <laughs> last year, was um, the Bali Wine Stout Blends. Yeah. Like, time takes time. It has become, like, I'm a bit of a, as kind of Bebo, we used, used to tune into the Chinwag and jumped on uh, once or twice, which was our old uh, Instagram live back in the deep quarantine days. And I was convinced to try Bali Wines by Noah, Noah Forrest there, who was basically like, why do you love stouts? I'm like, well, you know, it's big and thick and they're chocolatey and rich. And he's like, well, think of barley wines. It's like a caramel and nutty version of that. I'm like, all right, fuck, let's go. So I, he convinced me. And now I remember Bebo was like, give me all your barley wines. I don't give a fuck. I was like, <laughs> cheeky bastard. But I was like, all right, let me, let me try it. And I really started to enjoy and appreciate barley wines just being talked into it. So when I saw, and you guys, I guess I'm, this is kind of like a question to you to, maybe expand on this but i only discovered them last year i had you know time takes time i had one from bar canada i think i, I got one from bissell over the summer um a few others the, the godspeed docu yes where they took the peche their peche clone the only one that was brewed outside of uh, quebec and they mixed it with their bar fuyu barley wine which is brilliant. I'm like, this has got to be my favorite new thing I discovered as far as like innovation in beer, which, you know, had sort of wasn't as progressive because in 2023 as maybe previous with all the smoothies and fucking brutes, IPAs and blah, 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 that had happened. Talk to us. I'm just curious your thoughts, both of you guys' thoughts on um, the, the barley wine stout blends. Like, you know, obviously you're into them and tide takes time. I, I've got a bottle of the second blend. I had the first one, which was phenomenal. Um, yeah. Talk to us about the second. The second one's even better. I got some questions about that after I, uh, after they answer your question. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Just, just your general thoughts on them. Whoever wants to. Uh, 
I'll go first. Um, <clears throat> I think it's two two of my favorite styles. Well, uh, barrel aged ones especially. So I think it's um, I think it's it's a cool way to take two similar but yeah different different products and kind of play with it because when when you introduce the barrel aging aspect, it just changes the beer so much. So we'll have. <clears throat> one batch of beer that we put into bourbon barrels that could be from the same distiller and ordered at the same time from, you know, dumped at the same time. And the beer turns out so different. It's pretty incredible. Hmm. So um, adding in that complexity of barley wine just gives us a, like, it's, it's a total different way to build a beer. So normally we'll like think about what we want the beer to be like and design the recipe around it. This is the opposite. It's like, take what the beer is and then make a product out of it. So it's like totally reversing the reversing the the thought process or the creativity. So that that is really interesting to me. And I think um, yeah, the, it's probably still very niche. I'm sure a lot of people haven't had it, and that's a dedication in terms of time and resource to make those kind of beers. But it's it's really cool that. You know, uh, our friends at Barncat, they would make barley wine and they would say, people don't like barley wine. Oh, Ontario doesn't like barley wine. And we're like, okay, we got to buy it all in. So <laughs> well, we're just going to come up there and clear you guys out. So, um, yeah, it was kind of thing when we first released it, we were not sure how people would receive it, if people would be intimidated or, or think it was unintentional even though there's a lot of intentionality behind it so it's cool to see that that people are receiving it and uh yeah we're excited to make more hell yeah well that's dope you, I was, uh, yeah i i grabbed um oh sorry chris go ahead i was just gonna say craig you know on your your beer uh reviews that you post am i Am I, you know, here like seeing this right that you've been doing like more traveling in the states for beer and buying beer? Because I'm seeing a lot of like a lot of gems that you're drinking, you know, from the U.S. Some Hill Farm yeah. said stuff. And uh, last year we traveled a bunch, and we got uh, we got a Nexus uh, pass now, so now we it's can. So great, I'm clutch, clutch. Yes, it's been nice to go back and explore. And one thing I'll let, I want to let you finish, but all I want to say quickly is that uh, I don't want to say any name, but basically I've been going to the States and the exploring is phenomenal. I've been really enjoying that. But um, I go somewhere and I'll, I can tell you off air the, the places I would never say it on air, but I'm going there. I'm like, oh, fuck, man, Third Moon and Badlands are better than this. Like, almost everywhere I go. And it's, it's, we have it so fucking good here in Ontario, man. Like, I'm, I go somewhere and I'm so grateful that I could go directly to you guys. I can go to Durand here in Hamilton. I can get everything I need and I'm not missing out on anything at all. The fun I can second that. I can second that because uh, because Craig often get like gets shit for me for uh, when he goes over to the states and it's like breweries that I I've warn you <laughs> been, like that I've been waiting years and years to try that uh, that probably five or six years ago would have blown my mind and uh, and I'm like oh it's good but like but like it's really not blowing my mind like I would have expected it to because like because I'm used to now such good fire shit that we've got here at home. Which I fucking love. The that's last awesome. five years have uh, have really 
helped to evolve the uh, the Ontario scene. Yeah. Uh, all like all Ontario breweries have just been uh, upping their game. Insanely. Until now, it's like everyone's making better beer now, and it's yeah. it's something to be proud of in Ontario to say now like we have real choice, and you don't have to drive all over the place. It's nah. it's local to you now, legitimately local, mm-hmm. because it's fun to take a trip across the border, go somewhere, and do all that. But literally, the price that we enjoy in Ontario is untouchable anywhere else in the world like Mm -hmm. you get that you know you get a good barrel-aged stout in the states and it's standard issue it's going to be 30 us or more standard issue yeah so that's like you know 45 bucks here it's literally double what you need to spend in ontario to get a, a good product and, uh, and we yeah. have, you know, we've been inspired heavily from so many U.S. breweries and feel so lucky to have been able to try all the beers that we have. Um, and for me, I was able to try a lot back when the Canadian dollar was a lot better compared to the U.S. dollar. But now that is tough to swallow when you come back and you're like, I just spent a couple tanks of gas an entire yep. weekend, uh, I filled the car with beer. I dropped like you know, fifteen hundred, two thousand bucks on beer in a weekend. Then I came back to the border, and now the border guard wants to charge me a couple hundred in duty. And you're like, Ooh, it's hard to afford this life with some That's of the painful. economic That's dynamics painful. happening right now." <laughs> <laughs> it so it's gets nice rough. to like have good choices at home. Right, like we we still love to get you know all the U.S. stuff that we we get, but it's certainly nice to have good value at home base. Hundred percent, absolutely. Yeah, we're we're so fortunate. It's um that it's not lost on us at all. Um, and it's like it's like a mindset when you're traveling that you got to be like, all right, man, shut up, don't judge, just don't look at the. Place. Don't look at the don't price. Just go there. Don't think. Don't compare it to what you drink at home. Just go and enjoy it. Just go. You're in somewhere yeah. different. Just shut up. So, you know, I mean, different places are different levels. Of course, you go to somewhere like Fidens or Burial or Resident Culture or something. It's a different. You know, Triple Crossing. Different. Different levels. But like, yeah, we just you don't. If you there's a lot of people I know who don't travel really or aren't able to or whether it's financial, whether it's you know job, family, whatever. And I'm like. If you're based out here, or even if you're in Quebec, you could pretty easily trade for it or zip across and get a PO box in Hawkesbury or something. Like, it's not um, it's not that tough to to be able to get hold of like world class stuff right now. And I feel like there's nothing we don't do here at an elite level, which it's, is uh, uh, that's so cool. awesome yeah. that you they feel that um, it's certainly an eye opener when you like buy beer outside of Ontario. Uh, well, or Quebec, um, compared to like you know other country, you it's a real eye opener that literally you would pay twice as much or more than what you need to pay in Ontario to get yeah. a product that's in a similar ballpark of quality. Yeah, yeah, it's, absolutely. It's so no, so it's crazy. 
We were. Should we do the next beer? Or I know we were talking about something. I know we're on tangents. Um, ten, tangent hour. I love it. We're on a tangent. Yeah, and, and and I know with this one, we're like I'm. I don't have to be too worried about keeping things tight for time. So I, I, yeah. I'm going to come. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to come back to the barley wine stout blend for like for a second because, um, I, like I was, I got that bottle of Time Takes Time Volume Two um, when Craig and I met up at Durand over the holidays, and uh, like and had that one. At, like at my parents' place, while, like while we were on Christmas break and whatnot, and something about the experience was, like was just phenomenal. And what I was finding with that one, what like the there was so much complexity to it, and like and flavors that were coming out that really surprised me. Like there was something to that one where I was even getting kind of like a baking spice kind of vibe to it like even like a cinnamon like a cinnamony nutmeg kind of like kind of quality to it and that was the like the level to it that I really wasn't expecting and I don't know if my like if my palate was just whack or like or if the experience was just like I was just enjoying it that much am I like am I way out of left field in how I like in how I interpreted that or like or have you heard uh, like or have you had something similar with that one with volume I two? actually you know, that was, uh, for me, that experience when I was smelling that beer was like dry coffee grounds. And mm. uh, so maybe that's like your experience was what you just described. And for me, but it had, there was that crazy complexity to it. And, yeah. uh, and you know, you did the right thing. You drank it fresh. And mm-hmm. certain adjuncts that fall off quickly, they're really time sensitive coconut is one of those mm, so right oh sell our coconut beers drink them like the brewery's releasing them because it tastes awesome then it's never going to get better than that if it's got adjuncts in it those adjuncts are just going to fade take so notes I folks would say yeah. only seller beers that are clean barrel straight up barrel aged stout um but yeah i I, that one for me was like really special too. Just uh, yeah, it, it really like was. Dry on the nose, and it was like shaved coconut, like under dry under my nose, and then you drink it down, and wow, that was a really special beer. Okay, I'll get out of that sooner. It was a twenty-month barrel-aged barley wine, twelve-month barrel-aged stout, coconut and Guatemalan single-origin coffee. So. I'd expect that long barrel time for the barley wine and probably some of the coffee would bring some of that complexity. I mean, <clears throat> I, don't, I can't say that in my experience I got that same thing, but uh, I'm excited. I think I've got a couple bottles. I'm excited to get into one and see. Yeah. Fuck yeah. It's I, just I, like, either way, it's a fucking dope beer, man. Hell yeah. Oh, thanks, man. And just that style is so just cool like... Go on, Chris. Sorry, sorry. No, Craig. no, no, no. Sorry, everyone. I don't mean to interrupt. <laughs> don't you dare! Um, don't you dare apologize, sir. I it's can. so awesome to hear stories like that, Nathan, because that's what reminds us why we're doing this: it's to like create that experience. Like that beer made you smile and made it you did. stop and think about it and be like, "This is awesome." And that's yeah. That's why we're doing this, right? Like, just. Stop and smile and enjoy. Like how many how many world class beers have you had that you don't remember? And then how many beers have you had where it's like I remember where I was, 
what day it was, <laughs> everything. It's like these magical little capsules of time. So when you get that, it's really special. Yeah, absolutely it is. That's a great way to sort of put it because that's, to be honest, like that's why I particularly don't love beer festivals because I find that like I don't – there's not enough time. You're just rushing through. Like, give me the next four rounds. Give me the next. Give me the next one. And four. Uh, this guy sucks. Yeah. It's- yeah. And you're just like, I don't. You're not judging it. You know, I don't remember fucking barely anything. There's a few standouts here and there from festivals I can think of over the years, but for the most part, I don't remember anything. You have this much of it. Yeah, man. And it's fleeting, and you're talking to someone. And you're not ready to hear. Yeah. It's like a dirty glass the glass hasn't been rinsed it's just yeah, yeah. And just all this shit i'm like they're fun they're a lot of good they're a good time but it's not the optimal um uh environment in which to soak up new beers and to be honest kind of what you're saying that magical capsule i love that concept that's why i've been doing the big beers on those individual nights because they does have an impact and i remember them because i'm not uh drowning it with five other beers or whatever not that it's always the case and i you know i, I drink in the i know what i like and i know the breweries i like and i drink in them and i'm like yeah fuck this is great as always and if it's super exceptional or some might typically be texting but bro you fucking need this is incredible you need to get this or I'll, let me know i'll get it for you like um <laughs> type shit but like yeah like having those like moments so like the shares and then the festivals are these events and it's cool and it's fun and it's whatever but like there's this like like quiet introspection perhaps where you just sort of like sitting there and like 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 kind of nate said you pick you know crack it at 4 p.m and you finish it by 10 or something and you just got slowly let this you know warm up over the day and try this beer and just really sit on it and do you have to really like marvel, marvel at the creation yeah and just appreciate what the people because we know obviously we're in a fortunate position where we know cats like you guys who are the people behind this and we know to a degree what goes into all of this so it's more just like rather than just like ah like wouldn't it be cool to stop for a second and just like appreciate this shit and be like man these fucking guys figured out this blend they had all of these barrels and they figured out that this barrel of barley wine and this barrel of stout happened to work perfectly then you put that shit on this car like that is a insane it shouldn't work it's ridiculous but here we are so like the barrels the barrel blends the barrel really blend is cool. We drank a couple with you guys. Uh, we I came by in, I think it was July, with Fred, Shasta Fred, uh, my boy from uh, Quebec. And what did we drink, Chris? We I, I don't I think I think all of us, we went through, went to those other rooms. Yeah, and you guys were showing us around all the other rooms. And we, <laughs> and we poured some nails on some barrels and showing yeah, us. I think one of those was the barley wine that was in the time takes time. Okay, that's what it was. Because um, whatever it was, it wasn't out at the time, and I just don't remember what it was. Um but yeah, even just seeing that and doing small things, you're like, oh, okay, cool. This is like, you know, it's just really thoughtful and it's uh, it speaks volumes about, you know, to what you guys are about. I love it. And uh, speaking of volume, shall we crack a can? Yes. Yes, we should. I was trying to say. Should segue. we take a bathroom break? Oh, you know what? That's I'm not a bad idea, down. actually. All right. I'm going to pause and we'll be right back and you guys won't even know. <laughs> Boom. Bladders are empty. Look at that. It's magic. The magic of the internet. And speaking of magic in a can, we are doing the Love Lies Bleeding IPA uh, Bulldog and Comet variant. Um, Bulldog is a hop. Bulldog's a hop, right? I'm not 
Bulldogs of the farm, common the farm. So it's bulldog. I understood. That makes you way fucking, fucking more sense. Hey, hey, <laughs> that's fair. That's very fair. Um, tell us about uh, about this one, your legends. Oof. This is a six and a half percent hazy IPA with oats, hopped with. Uh, we use Sabro to kind of set a nice little base, and then we use. Um, well, look at Chris's thick board. We use, uh, some Ontario grown hops. So, tried a bunch okay. of different farms. Always on the lookout for local folks producing good stuff. So, uh, Bulldog um, dropped off some hop samples, and we were, we really liked the overall quality of them. But this is the one I'm like, oh, I think this will actually work in one of our beers. So, uh, really great company to work with. Really like them. They're local. Um, so yeah, and, and beer came out really, really well. Um, they're um, good folks to work with. So then, even the comet, you'll see the. Previously, we've done them, and it's like one solid color. But this one, Chris had a cool idea to like make it look like you know a comet's like breaking into the atmosphere. Mm. So it's like yellow to blue. Yeah, yeah, that's so cool. It's super subtle too, like. The blue actually didn't notice the top the top corner there. Like I like that. Um, Here's the we we have a cheers. Get that in you. Cheers, Letterman. Get it in you. We have a few series of beers. Mm. Mm. I can and, get the uh, we, we, you know, over time, completely believe in the concept and and continuing that series, but inevitably. We'll put out a new beer, you know, in this series, for example, and people will say, oh, I had that one already. And yeah, like, say, oh, like we, we just released it. So you had one of the previous ones. So there's always this, this um, necessity to, to try to change the color palette in a way that's going to be obvious to people and clear that this is a different version than what they've had before. It's part of a greater series where there's some continuity. And with this series for us, it's showcasing quality Ontario hops. And uh, Labro is a, it's a nice hop to have in there. It's oily. Mm. It's, it's like creamy coconuts. Who doesn't like yeah, creamy yeah. coconuts? So, so it's fun because it's a bit of a consistent backdrop to then let the characteristics of the Ontario hop we're, we're showcasing to really come out. And so that the punchy citrus and tangerine and apricot notes that, uh, that I get out of the, the Comet hops are really kept in check with the the body and the creaminess of the Sabro with that, those coconut hints. And for me personally, touch a coconut in anything makes me feel like I'm on vacation. <laughs> Could not agree more. And I must, I just checked, uh, untapped there. So this was Ken 17th of January. We're filming this on the 2nd of Feb. Um, I had Pretty this, fresh. so it's super fresh. I had this on the, uh, 20th of January. So three days after it was canned and kind of coming back to, what uh, I think you were saying earlier, Chris, about, or both of you guys actually were saying sort of about how the beer changes over time. I feel like this is quite different to how it was two weeks ago. I think I had it Saturday before last. And 
it's great. It's sort of like it's it's like mellowed out a little bit. I almost feel like the co excuse me, the coconut is a little punching through a bit more. Um, yeah, you're right. Every day these beers change so much. We cannot believe it when we taste these beers, and every time it's evolving and it's a little bit different. And really, for me, was humbling coming from being you know, in the audience as a, and, you know, fellow untapper, just like, you know, tasting these beers and rating them as if my rating was the, you know, the perfect summary of that beer. Mm. No, it wasn't. It was a summary, a subjective summary of that moment in time with what was on my palate, where I was, who I was with, how that beer was stored, when I'm drinking it, after the packaging date. It, it's like, it almost becomes irrelevant to rate a beer. What is more relevant and more important to share with people, I think, is the experience. What did you love about that beer? Like, this is art for us. And we know some beers are better than others, and they're not not all of them are home runs and everyone likes something a little different. So what's important that we're talking about here? It's not the rating of what anyone thinks that beer is in a minute of like a, you know, two or three month journey through a beer's evolution. It's more about what is the shared, what is the shared experience that we're having? What is the love that we have for this art? And uh, that, for me, really changed the way I use Untapped because I sort of just didn't understand that. Before doing this, it was so important to me to be so accurate with my ratings. And when I started, I thought, oh, two and a half out of five stars. That's the middle. That's average. So then if I rated two and a half stars, it's, it's okay. But if you give a two and a half star review to a brewery, you are taking revenue from them. You're actually yeah. impacting their ability to pay their staff and make a living and keep doing this art. Mm. And finally, when we were doing this, I realized, oh, I immediately regret bad ratings I gave to you know some beers that I had because. Honestly, I, you don't know how a beer was stored before you got it in, a, in some cases, especially if you're trading for beer. You have no idea. So you yeah. really don't know how close to you know, the state in which the brewer intended that beer to be drunk, you're actually getting. You, it could be so far off. That beer could not be representing itself very well due to a lot of factors beyond your control. And, uh, and some, like I drink our IPAs every night with dinner and try to find the foods that work with it. It is, it's mind blowing how sometimes a beer just doesn't, it's like the combination of the IPA I had before it or the food I had. And that beer's just not working for me that night. The very next night, I will drink the same beer, and it will be harmonious 
with my meal. And I'm sitting there thinking, what, how is that even possible? But it really is such a subjective experience. And how sensitive your palate is too, to like to so many different factors. Totally. And you like, and you bring up a great point too, just on how, like, like you know, you're with your whole thing of you know thinking like two and a half is uh, like you know is the middle of the road. That's a that's like a solid rating. It's this whole thing of um, like when you're using Untapped, if you've got like if you've got kind of just this what this personal definition of what each rating like of what each rating means, and like that might mean something to you, but like. But like what that really means for this brewery is something like is something completely different because it's one of those things of bringing down that rating from the like from the average of four and a half, whatever two and a half means to you, bringing that average rating down will literally hurt their business. It doesn't matter what it means to you. If you think that means it's solid, it doesn't objectively mean that objectively mean that for them that will hurt them. Yeah, it's crazy and, how and, much power that is. Yeah, and I have so much respect for now because of my experience and what I've learned in doing this that even if I don't love another brewery's beer, I respect that they've given their entire life to this because yeah. that's what it takes. It's working every waking minute. So anyone who's crazy enough to do it or gets fooled into doing it, <laughs> then that's it. Like they, I, I hope that they can find a way to, to, you know, make a decent living because they're certainly contributing to art and, uh, and making something that has good intentions of bringing joy to other people. Mm. Yeah. Do you, how do you guys then feel like, I, I didn't even think about getting into this, but like, how do you guys that now f with that context, how do you feel about untapped being that previous to third moon, you were big untapped users, both of you were traders, you know, with the homie God, um, you know, that it was a big part. And I noticed Chris, whenever you, you I see your check-ins a lot, you don't rate beers. You just post that you have them. You usually post some thoughts and a nice photo or something. And I'm like, Oh, cool. I always look, look in like a market that we're not dabbling. It's like, that's when I, you put a rating? Yeah, like Canadian beers. I'm, I'm not rating them because I, I just – I don't want to do that to my fellow brewery. Gotcha. It, it doesn't really matter. Like we've had enough beers now that we can tell what our code is when we – you know, I look at a review. I don't, I don't need to see the rating. I just mm. read the words and I get right. – I know gotcha. what I meant when I said that. I could tell – if I loved it or not. And also, as I was saying before, after a couple of years of doing this, you like, you don't need all that documentation to be there. You, mm. you know, the breweries that you trust and love and you don't need to check untapped. It's like, I will always buy a beer from this brewery because I know it's always quality. So if the style appeals to me, probably it's going to be awesome. Like I don't need to, I don't need to, you know, try to decide whether it's a 3.78 or 4.13. Like, gotcha. 
it's, it's I guess it is irrelevant. I just do it for myself, and I tr- because of kind of what you ju- you guys were both just saying. Like I trend higher. I think I don't really rate anything less than at minimum for the most, unless it's a macro. It's like three seven five. 3.75 is like the least I would go. Almost everything is between 4 and 4.5. Um, also, which is awesome. But I'm also now you're like you're Well, I understand it helps, right? So I'm being I don't want to do what you said. I don't know, I don't want to hurt anyone ever because that's not the intention, but also I feel just probably like the three of us here, I'm picky as shit. I don't, you know, I I I know what I like and I grab four of us here. <laughs> Well, sorry, me plus a three, you guys. <laughs> hey, this is BF, what, BF4? No, I'm not drunk yet. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, there's all, you know what you like, and you sort of gravitate towards that. So, like, I very rarely drink something that isn't good. And if something really isn't good, if it's right. really not good, and I know the brewery, I probably wouldn't even check it in. I probably wouldn't review it. But that doesn't really happen because it's, it's, I can't even think of the last time that happened. So, I guess my question for you guys is like, in this, being that untapped has this level of pretty insane power like name another fucking app that has this much power over an industry i cannot think that's insane how do you feel about it like is it is it a blessing and a curse like what's the what, what's the general thoughts from you guys i think um <clears throat> i think it's like it's a tool it's um I don't know. I, I've got very, very mixed feelings on it. Like it's helpful. Like we do well on untapped. We have a lot of ratings. Um, we rate well, we're one of the top 10 in Canada. So like, in that sense, it's good. And so, um, but it's still like, I don't know, I guess it's, it's like anything. Like if, when you listen to the people's opinion, you get, good feedback you get great feedback and then you get people who just don't know what they're talking about or people who do know what they're talking about and just want to trash someone because they're having a bad day or they're just miserable people or whatever so mm-hmm. it's tough to tune up the noise um we agree I, that you can't ignore it and right. we definitely yeah. need to like be aware of the impact it has to our business so there's, you know, we notice when we make double IPAs, they just generally rate higher than single IPAs. It's like the bigger the beer, the greater chance it has to, to score well on untapped. So that is an important thing to know. But I mean, we're already doing that. Like that's our business model is to get silly and just go for it and just do, you know, make some big beers we always want them to be drinkable so whatever we do it's got to be approachable and that's like that's a key element of a beer that we release it's like your your palate just wants to to welcome it in and Mm. uh nothing kind of when when you when you drink that from the aroma to the sip to the swallow you you want to it's just got to hit the palate right it's just you know, there should be no questions of like, what, what? It should just be like, yes. Yeah, that shit clicks. I think I, I've come full circle on Untapped. Like, I used to use it all the time and loved it and use it to discover new beers and get excited about stuff. And then when we opened Third Moon, I quickly grew to hate it because of the negative reviews. It would just like completely tear me down and just 
I, I just hated it. So I went, you know, but now I've come back around fully where I, I feel like I've talked to a bunch of brewery owners and brewers who just completely written it off, want nothing to do with it, think it's the dumbest thing ever. Don't look at it, totally ignore it. Think it's like a feather in their hat when a beer doesn't rate well because mm. everybody who drinks is an idiot. And I'm like, but this this is the people that buy your beer. They're telling you what you think of their beer. So as much as like, it would be easy to pick any beer on that app and find ten reviews that are just like total head scratching, completely stupid, and maybe one star, and it could be a five star. <clears throat> when you look at a brewery and they or a beer or let's say a brewery and they have a hundred thousand reviews of the beer, and they're at a certain range chances are they're probably good or not good. You know, like Bach Canada, I don't know how many reviews they got, but they're 4.3 overall. And you drink their beer and you're like, that's very, very good beer. So you can nitpick on each individual one, but if then you see another brewery that, and I know there's some other factors at play, but if you're going to drink a beer that's a 4.3 or a 3.3, there's a very good chance that the one that's a 4.3 is probably better than the one that's a 3.3. Generally so, speaking, right. Generally speaking. So it's, it's, it's for me, it's like a, I, I think about it like Amazon. You see the Amazon reviews and there's <laughs> some that are like, why are you rate? Like you see the dumbest things in there. You yeah. know, people rate who's reviewing a pen on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> what has gone so horribly wrong in your life that you are like leaving a one-star review for a big pen on Amazon? <laughs> I haven't seen you're that. Not, you're not busy enough. <laughs> yeah. You're not, um, you're not busy. But as much as that's crazy, what do we do? Well, when you're going to go buy a TV, you look, oh, this one gets four and a half stars or 10,000 reviews. It's probably good. And this one's a 2.5. I'm not going to buy it. So like, I think there's value in it. And also like, you know, when we release beers, we do them once a year, we put the year on it. So it's a new check-in. We always oh. want to make sure that the, you know, reward the people who are constantly supporting us with their different check-ins. So it's, it's a, it's a, not a love hate thing, but it's just like, it's a thing. You have to accept it and you have to, yeah. you know, learn to control your emotions to be able to take that feedback and use that to improve your product and your business. We yeah. certainly do not scroll through the reviews like we did at the beginning. It's right. Like, it's not good for mental um, health. No, no, that, that shit will keep you up at night. <laughs> it's bad for your mental health. Yeah. Because you just scroll through, it's like, okay, good, 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 good. What the? <laughs> <laughs> Have you guys you seen around, right? You're pacing around and it's ruining your night. Yeah. And you're just like, but what are you talking so about? Like, this was, um, yeah. Yeah. And you're like, like the are they drinking the same time thing? You have yeah, exactly. Ruined. It makes no sense. Have you guys seen, this is, I'm very curious about this from you guys. You guys are the best people to ask. Sankiem uh, have a shirt. Oh, 3.5 out of five for the Pilsner. Have you seen the same thing where they're like, Best Pilsner I've, I've ever had, three, three out of five. <laughs> you don't get that as much as other – in uh, Shortfinger, who I'm a, I'm a huge fan yeah. of. Yeah, Rob is awesome. He's got the one star, one out of five stars, and it just says sour. Jim wears that <laughs> shirt to work. It always makes me laugh. <laughs> I don't know, you get that, but I, I feel like I, I try really hard to like – as much as I hate that, there's also – 
bourbon barrel stout five. Like there's people that'll do that no matter what. So like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's true that certain styles rate worse and people will rate certain styles worse. But I don't know. That's part of the part of coming to coming to acceptance of that being a tool of your business. Like so kills pilsners, I it's like a three eight or a three nine or something like that. Let's take a look. And it, it brings our overall rating down, but it still as a company makes sense to make it. So we're not like totally slaves to the hype. Or you know the ratings or whatever. So I don't know. That we, we, I never thought of that. A uh, a a stout aged in pappy barrels from other half called Quiet Space. I have that. That's one. And looked at the reviews when I, I like as I was gonna buy it. I looked at the reviews and it was like a three point nine or something, which is rare for a barrel aged beer from other half to score that low. And that. I said. I want it anyway. I bought it. Bebo and I drank that bottle the other night. That sco- scores so poorly. And it was divine. Divine. And I just had a feeling it was going to be awesome. The but ninth anniversary? Quiet Space? Quiet yeah. Space. It's like a and white it, label. Very yeah, simple. white label. And it and says... Even the name of it set my expectations low. Like this was, oh, this is going to be really subtle. So when Bebo came over the other night, I said, let's start with this one because it just makes me feel like we need a clean palate to taste this beer. But we started drinking it. We're looking at each other going, this is amazing. <laughs> so good. All right. So I'm glad enjoy I that. I'm so I didn't know it was happy. I grabbed yeah, it so from Buffalo. The other half, bourbon yeah, barrel smoke. It's like you can't, I don't know. You can't go wrong, right? I didn't know it was Pappy. Yeah. It just says highly sought after bourbon barrel. Uh, yeah, like, weeded bourbon, three old weeded bourbon. Like that's interesting. And the it, yeah, so high, uh, twenty four a blend of twenty four month age imperial stout barrels that once held a highly sought after twenty three year aged bourbon. So they don't even say I. I just got it because it looked. I wanted. I didn't want one with adjuncts. I just want mostly um, to straight bourbon barrel stuff. If I could. Again, if I'm going to get stuff from the States, I just prefer it because I know it sits longer. Because then, you, like you were saying earlier, Chris, if it's got coconut, fucking drink it. And I, I hear you. Good approach. Right. So I'm thinking if I'm going to spend the absurd amount, like you were saying, the American amount plus 30%, um, I might as well get that. But that that's interesting. So, like, I don't so personally. That, yeah, go. Please go. Yeah. All that to say, like, the rating isn't the be all and end all. Mm. And, uh, and so, uh, likewise, on the higher end, which is awesome that you – I love your positivity, Craig, and I really appreciate that you always like – you know, you. it feels to me like you subscribe to the same thing that I now try to do, which is if you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything always, nice at all. Always. And when I see a rating on Untapped of like 4.6 or higher, don't believe it. Like it's – it's, it's, it's like, people who, who spent a lot of money and a lot of effort to get that crazy loon. So if they don't rate it a five, they're basically admitting they're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> it's like after working so hard to get a beer, it's just got to be awesome. Yeah. And there's that sensation. They overrate it. Like, I'm here mm. in this moment 
and you guys aren't. Look at how good my life is. Anyways, I interrupted you, Craig. What no, you not at all, Chris. No, bro, that's that's amazing. I, I, it's very interesting to hear both of your perspectives on this on both the lower side, like the Pilsner thing, that just they happen to get rated less. And I fucking love that whilst technically this impacts your overall rating, you guys are like, no, 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 we're doing this. And it, unequivocally, those two crispies are just exquisite shit. Like, the, I don't know if I got a can of the kills from this last batch of the the shorty. Like that is, I like, I'm not fucking like jerking you off. Like this is that fucking was insane. Like that was so sick. And I'm like Nate and I are such like crispy fiends right now. Like, um, it's 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 so cool to see you guys excel at that, and then to have to be like, you know what? Whilst untapped, literally, which I never heard anyone say that directly, by the way, literally affects the bottom line. You're like, you know what? We're making this shit, and we're going to make it really, really well, and then do Midnight, and this was one of the favorite beers I've had in a while. It was very cool to have uh, Midnight oh, a, uh, a second time. I, oh, I was, midnight, midnight is fucking dope. It's, it's, it's really, really good. <laughs> The so Midnight Kills and the Bourbon Barrel Doppelbach we just released are my two favorite beers wow. we've done in a long while. Okay. Nice. It's so fun to do some traditional styles. Yeah. Um, now have the space, the tank space, for one, and to have built up a portfolio where we have more than a dozen different beers in our fridge across at least half a dozen styles. It's uh, It's so nice to be able to feel like you know, as we continue on this path, we are, we always want to be brewing the beers that we like to drink. That's part of our business model. We're brewing right. the beers we like to drink. Like, it's not like the beers we release, uh, you know, people are like, Oh, how do you like that? Oh, I, I don't even like, I don't drink stouts. We like these beers that we make, we make them because we love to drink them. So it's really fun. And, uh, it's also, fun to be at this point where we can have not just one lager but multiple lagers in our fridge at the same time and uh i was looking at the beers we're drinking tonight and i got excited because there's three lagers like i drink predominantly double ipas and bourbon barrel stouts and i was like this is this is gonna be really fun because we're drinking like three different lagers yeah. So that's you know that's the evolution of the beer. You mm. get wowed up front with with the big like chocolate cake and all this like crazy adjuncts and whatever because it is fun and it's exciting, and Super. that's I think one of the the alluring things about drinking craft beer. It's like oh my taste buds are going on a flavor ride. What's it going to be? It's so exciting. But then after you drink beer after beer and after beer you start to get to the point where you you really appreciate the subtleties and the simple things it's like that you know that that quiet room where you get to sit in there with two speakers you love and listen to a new album for the first time it's like just focus and and enjoy what's happening right now oh yeah man well said the interesting thing about what you were say, what you guys are saying here is that you're making beers that you want to drink, and the Doppelbock. I feel like most of the things that Third Moon have done are what you would consider on brand. 
you know, you got the Crispies now, obviously all the Haze. You've done some fantastic Westies when I came and saw you in July. I had that, I think it was called Left Hand with Nelson. Um, yeah. yeah. That Lone was Tree was inspiration for that. Oh, okay. Or, like, we want to always have West Coast IPAs. They just don't sell as well. But we, yeah. we mm. want there always be one. So we're like, let's just do a series and kicked it off with that version for Left Hand Pass. So excited to get back to it. We're due for another version. That would be sick. And it was just, it was such a great Westie. It was. And then the others, you know, obviously you've done, they've dabbled in the porters and you had the porter with the barrel aged one in the Red Bull can. Um, obviously all the, um, the, the barley wines, the blends. The Doppelbock was probably, and tell me what you, it felt like the, the, I was like, oh, they did a double buck. Okay, interesting. Like, how was that received? I haven't had a double buck in a minute. Um, so I don't even remember necessarily what them bad boys are like. But yeah, like, how, how did people sort of respond to that one? Because that, to me, like, were you worried about a bad untapped reading or something? I mean, obviously not, but because you did two. Um, <laughs> yeah, talk, talk us through the thinking behind that. I thought that was like a really interesting um, decision. Yeah, it was um, not probably. <clears throat> it was more like so when we think how to formulate this thought. So there's like the you know the beers we want to make, and then the beers we have to make, and then having some fun in between. Uh, this gotcha. is definitely kind of the having some fun in there. But <clears throat> um, operationally, when we make loggers, so when you make a beer, you you pay a lot of money for yeast. And then you ferment the beer and it makes more yeast. So then you could either dump it down the drain, which is a huge waste of money, or reuse that on the next batch. So that's um, a lot of our brew schedule is determined by yeast availability when yeast is ready. So you pay $1,000 for a jug of yeast and use it in one beer, it's 1000 bucks. If you use it in 10 beers, now each one costs, you know, has $100 worth of yeast in it. So. Uh, lagers uh, is a total other type of yeast. So when we make kills, we like to stack up three or four other lagers that we will sort of brew in tandem. So, okay, do this. Next week we do another one, then another one. So just to keep that cost from getting too explosive on a beer that we like to have often. So um, that was kind of the – when we went into that – thought process that would unlock okay what other kind of lagers do we want to make and what could we make that's not just like you know we're not we don't want to make like cheap whatever macro kind of light lagers or whatever not that we won't but um you know it's not just a cost thing so it's like okay what can we do with this so first we were making kills and putting it in barrels which we'll have coming up soon um and then you know, Doppelbach is almost like a barley wine of like a lagery barley wine. It's kind of in that same mm. thread. So, <clears throat> uh, it's I think it's the most challenging beer because you take everything that's difficult about making a lager and everything that's difficult about making a, a high ABV beer and you smash them together, and it's like the final frontier. So, <laughs> it was more like a, a fun challenge for us, and it's a beer that we like to release around Christmas. So it's you know you being more, a little more thoughtful, drinking bigger beers or whatever. So that was kind of the inspiration about doing it. And then, um, yeah, there was not, not so much like 
whatever the rating was going to be or how it was going to be received, we we knew if we're going to do it, it's going to be good. We're gonna we're gonna make sure you know it's on point. And for me, it was really surprising how many people were super into it. So <clears throat> we released it last year. People loved it. And uh, we put some in bourbon barrels. So then this year we rebrewed it and then um, released the, the regular version and the bourbon barrel version at the same time. And it was crazy how many people I see online that are like, this is one of my favorite series of beers you guys do. Like people are super into this Doppelbach, like – so it's really cool. I didn't expect that, but it, the the reception from people has been great. But um, just to my taste, that beer is so good. I, I, I'm really proud of how that one came out. And the bourbon barrel one was like a total, like, I don't know if I've had any other barrel bourbon barrel doppel box. I probably have, but none come to mind. So it wasn't really like a... Um, it's more like let's just kind of see how this does, and it's shocking how good that beer turned out to my taste. So, I mean, yeah, it was fun. We kind of thought, okay, when when you barrel age something, that that spirit we use bourbon mostly, uh, it 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 cuts the sweetness, right? So right. it's a very different experience, and so the non-barrel aged version versus the barrel age version totally different experience and it was really for me heartwarming to see our customers come through the door and tell us how excited they were to drink a doppelbach that we made like it's a traditional style it's been made for centuries and who are we to you know take a shot at this style where there's you know there's standard beers like eyeing your celebrator you know you're like you don't need to do this again like but people were into it and loving it. it's just like the Maybach we did we called it my katza bach is, is the go german ba- bank collab right yeah yeah, yeah was, that shit was great people love that dope. beer it's so fun to release a beer that is sentimentally important to us and also a beer we feel like drinking and feel like making so we can drink it. Mm. And for that to, to resonate with people, it's not, you know, the traditional styles are not what we started with doing. We said, if you can walk into the LCBO, if you can walk in the LCBO and, and buy it and it's, you're buying an excellent version of Mm. it. Then what are we doing? Like we can't produce it on a small scale for less than what the LCBO who squeezes their their you know their partners to the point where they have to sell at a loss to make the deal happen. That's not a market we can play in. Mm. We we said we are making the beers that you can't just walk into the LCBO and buy. Because every IPA you buy, unless it's been stocked by the local brewery directly, is going to be four months or older. Yep. So there's an important reason why we make fresh IPAs. And there's a good reason why people love to buy them fresh. Because mm. you can't just get that. But like a Hefeweizen, we, we don't need to do that. You know, like... It, you can walk in the LCBO 
and you there's so many good ones that you can buy that have nailed it it's just there's no point so it's fun for us to kind of dabble into some traditional recipes just because now there's there's room for us to do it like we'll build up the fridge to the point where we're like okay got the ipas covered we got some you know a sprinkle of a couple beers in each of the main styles that people know us for. And that's the other weird thing. You know, Pills Pills, we love it so much. Nobody knows about it. Like, nobody knows that we make lagers. Because when we started, it was just the three main styles. Mm. Hazy IPAs, big stouts, big pastry stouts, and heavily fruited sours. Three different beers. But we always had a love in our heart for loggers and, and hoped we could get to the point to do it and to now be able to to dabble in in experimenting further with growing our barrel program and starting to play around like the possibilities that we're creating now, it's it's so there's so much depth to the portfolio mm. where at the start we just we just you couldn't do it. That survive if you're going to start with it. Oh yeah, I think we. I just don't like. I um, I think there's probably a perception of us or breweries like us that it's just like a hazy IPA. That's all we pump out and big stouts or whatever. But um, like we're beer fans. Like that's we drink a lot of those kinds of beers. That's not all we drink. Um, so we're really trying to push ourselves and our business to be more more than that, like more than just pumping out super sweet stouts with just, you know, some other combination of chocolate and vanilla and coffee or whatever. So like, uh, yeah, our barrel program, I always had a vision of our barrel program being more than just super sweet, heavy bourbon barrel stouts as much as we love those. And that's going to be the bulk of it. Like this week, we just released a bourbon barrel aged black IPA. Super, super we're stoked on it. Uh, it was funny how many people seemed like taken aback. Like, why would you guys even do that? And it's like, why wouldn't we do that? Why wouldn't indeed, we? Indeed, why like, wouldn't you? Good question. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, um, for us, it's, um, yeah, for us, we're just trying to do to be more than just doing the same thing over and over. Like, you know. Last year we did like a Caesar smoothie and the Milton Dew, like the sour soda ales and the, the, our slushies, our smoothie beers, we're doing more and more funky and weird combinations and ingredients. We're just trying to like, okay, we're comfortable with this. We're not just going to keep doing this. We have to evolve and we have to keep going and try new stuff. So, yeah. yeah. Even the no stuff. Too like the moon. Oh one yeah, plus the um the little the, the, line, the Leviathan the Leviathan that's the one and like yep. Sorry to cut you off there. It's just like the portfolio is broad. Yeah, mm. for sure. The uh, you, you you mentioned the Mybach and I like I hadn't thought about that one in, like in a little while because like Mybach is a style that like that has a little bit of a soft spot for me and like and that one. That like was really intriguing to me because it was a collab with Barncat and you know Third Moon and Barncat both breweries extremely known for like for Hayes in Ontario, uh, like in particular. And if you know if you were picturing 
if Third Moon and Barncat were to collab, what's the st- like? What's the style going to be? And I'm like, no, you know what it's going to be? It's going to be a Maybach. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like, and that just fucking cracked me up so much. And I you love never pick it. I love that you guys, that like that you guys both went there with that, and to kind of um, like to think behind the scenes of like, like the styles that you guys are into and. We had uh, like going back a couple of years now when like when we last had Jeremy from Barncat on the pod, and uh, like and he mentioned at one point like he would love to just brew nothing but barley wines, <laughs> and like like as much as of course they like they love their haze and they, like and they obviously do, um, but like they've brewed some fantastic barley wines over the years, and uh, and it's like it's kind of funny to like to kind of know what um like what the breweries that are known for haze or the, like or that is like at least the most hyped of what they make what they would brew if they could brew like just their one favorite style the whole time to know that for barncat it's like like they would just like Jeremy would just brew nothing but barley wine if it, like if he could that just cracked me up for some reason and uh, like it's kind of along the same line as what we were talking about here of you know Going down, like going down the line of brewing a Doppelbach or brewing a Maybach, and like, and all of these things coming from, like, coming from Third Moon. It's uh, like that just warms my heart. <laughs> yeah, it's funny when actually when we started talking, and I was talking to Matt, and I'm like, "So you guys are, you know, what are you thinking?" And he's just said, "No hazy IPA." <laughs> so, I, so I said, "Okay, a hazy double IPA." <laughs> he did not think that was funny. <laughs> 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 we'll do it, my mock. Yeah, and you know what's funny? And to tie it back to the earlier point, um, you know, we're talking about untapped ratings in the. Um, as much as we could think of a hundred different um, <clears throat> reviews that are kind of, you know get under your skin or whatever it is. I The last time I checked, and I've, I'm never going to check again, I'll just assume it's going to be for all time. That was the highest rated in my box in, in Canada. What was it? Oh, there you go. Uh, let's see. Yeah. I do I think it's I'd the best my box this country's ever produced? I do not. For exactly. But it's, um, you know, that's a product of that hype where people, like, in their mind, it's rated this before or whatever, so... The great yeah, band. it's not always a bad thing. Untapped. Yeah, I guess it has its place, and it's. I think it's really like. I, mean, I feel like it's interesting. Maybe people don't know, like, like I guess I assumed it had a thing on the bottom line because people had like maybe you guys had told me or other people who have the similar breweries would be like, oh yeah, people come in and like, oh no, that one's less than four rated, less than four, and untapped. I'm not having that. And I was always like, are you fucking serious? Like, who's doing that? Because I definitely don't. I don't look at the ratings. I just, I use it for my own personal diary to see what I've had. And then some, and I don't mind. I like seeing what people have to say when people write something. Like, if they don't really write something, I don't really even look. And I never look at the number um, overall. But I guess it it has become that kind of reference point of, like, what the community at large think is good. But then you've got, it's almost like voting. You've got people who know what's up. You've got people who don't have a fucking clue. And you get this kind of mix of... Of like, you know, people like, like kind of, we were all saying like some people who know exactly what a great doppelbock is. So they're going to be like, this one's awesome. I'm going to rate this. 
appropriately, mm. or they're like, it's a bourbon barrel aged out, it's fucking five, you know, it's five, you know, or it's a pilsner, it's two, but it's amazing, you know. So it's <laughs> it's a strange little. It's just I, I hadn't really thought about until tonight, like how uh, weird and unique it is that craft beer has a an app that is a beast unto itself. Uh, some might it's say your, a, people yeah, it's come crazy. into our bottle shop and you know let's say oh how's it going you know uh let me know if you you know what you'd like i can help you make decisions and they're like i just i need a minute and they're looking at the beers and they're scrolling through their phone they're like i just gotta check to make sure i haven't had this beer yet i do that uh, let's see okay what's the rating okay oh they take the rating okay yeah like it's in in the moment it's driving their purchasing decision mm. and they're taking the time to hold up the line behind them. <laughs> oh, they do that. Like they're at the front of the line talking to the cashier and being like, hold up as opposed to standing at the back, looking in the fridge. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. weird. That's weird. That's just weirdo behavior. Bro. But, but to your, to your point, Craig, I think that it's, it's like, I like to look at it as a tool. I like to look at it as it's in a, a sense. It's, free advertising because I was talking to my buddy Joe at morning roast. Who's uh, we he's all of our coffee we use is from Joe. Um, and I think he's, he, his coffee is amazing. I, I like, I like coffee a lot. Agreed. The stuff I get from him is always exceptional. And I feel like he should be so much more well known than he is, but coffee doesn't have that. So I'm like, if there was a coffee untapped, he would have to be one of the highest rated ones for the people who are in the know, but they don't have that. So he's, you know, I don't know how many people would not know of third moon if it wasn't for untapped, but it's probably a significant number. So hmm. that's why I try to check my, check my emotions and, and be a little more analytical about it. Would you guys say that the, the people that you just described there, Chris, who are like doing that thing at the counter, are they like the minority and then the majority of people are maybe more like I am where I'm like, I wouldn't say, I was about to say generous. That's not really the word. I just feel like positive about stuff because you know, like, like sometimes people are judging stuff and they've never done an entrepreneurial thing in their life or they've never even homebrewed before to understand how difficult this is to make these things that they're bitching about on an app. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, how dare you? Who the fuck are you? You know what I'm saying? Like, I think when it starts, it's there's this, you know, it's it strokes this part of us that we've always wanted to let out. It's that, you know, you mean I get to, I get to catalog my opinions with. A meter stick that allows me to like put everything in its perfect place and I think everybody agrees that untapped for them is primarily for them it's yeah. like this yeah. is my reading system for me and yeah. for me before owning a brewery <clears throat> it was so important for me mm -hmm. to get that right so that there's integrity in my scale hmm. and like all the beers because i didn't ever want someone to be able to point out that i'd rated a shittier beer better than a better beer 
So it's like, no, you, you, you got to have your shit together here. Like, what is your, that would be a conversation I'd have with other beer nerds when I meet them somewhere. So how does your scale work? Okay. This is my middle ground. It would do it. And there's, I think when all you have to worry about is yourself, then it feels like there's honor in that. And I alienated an early trading buddy of mine. At least I feel now looking back that that's what happened. Um, Joe Reyna, good dude he used to trade with out on the West Coast, winning the biggest trophies from brewing. And he would send me his homebrew and I would rate it on untapped. And I remember he sent me a vanilla IPA and he was like, doing it the honest way and using the natural vanilla and contact time. So important to vanilla. And, uh, and so I wanted more vanilla because I love vanilla. I'm a vanilla fiend. Like I just want more and more and more, whether it's perfume or candy or whatever, just like, or a big stout with vanilla. Yes. Always. Yes. Put vanilla in it. And, uh, and so I remember, when I look back, I think I rated one of his beers like a 3.75, which I was like, yeah, if I rated 3.5 or higher, that means I liked it. I, I would drink it again. So 3.75 was like even better than that. And for me personally, four meant while I'm talking to you and drinking this beer, I'm distracted from our conversation because I keep thinking to myself, Fuck, this beer is so good. Right. So that was my stupid, like, subjective rating scale that I love to spend hours debating with other beer nerds. And I rated that guy's homebrew. He was like, had aspirations of becoming professional. And I rated his homebrew 3.75. How did that feel for him? Terrible. I thought I was giving him a good rating. But you know what? I should have been propping him up and supporting him because he's a legit good brewer and be like, it's awesome. I don't have to give it a five, but it's important to kind of see what the average rating is for, you know, professional brewery and, and realize that this is their average rating. So when I throw my rating down, how does that compare to it? Cause that's kind of what they're going to feel. So even these days I kind of like, I'll rate beers, that you know in other markets outside canada that i i know my rating like if i really love it and especially if i see it's an underrated beer like this quiet space beer that we drank the other night when i checked that in i'm pumping that shit up i'm gonna tell everyone this is underrated you're all wrong this beer is <laughs> right but that's a much better thing to do than to rate it below the average and really pull that brewery down. So yeah, I, I think agree with that. I realize now that who gives a fuck what my personal rating system is because it's public and I put mm-hmm. it out there. Yeah. If I'm the only one looking at my untapped reviews, well then yeah, I can be true to myself and honest completely but you just can't forget whether it's on untapped or social media that what you're throwing out there is being seen by a lot of people and science shows the math shows it is 
you are changing opinions with your opinion and you're driving buying decisions by throwing down your opinion as if it's gospel. Yeah. So I, I just, now I just, you know, I've been really humbled by this and I uh, have some regrets in life, but those are, you know, better things to regret than I guess, bigger things. That's a good point. It's, it's cool that it's given you this perspective as far as like seeing the other side of it. And I imagine that there's a, a bunch of people like, look, Nate and I talk about it often. There's some people out there that seem miserable, probably not so happy with their lives. And they're just out there just to shit on everything and everyone at all times. And it's People sad. who seemingly uh, – sorry to interrupt you there, Craig. No, but no, like, jump like People who seemingly make it their personality to uh, – to, bitch about uh, bitch about certain styles or bitch about certain breweries or bitch about the scene in general whatever like whatever the case is and like, like we've like we've talked about this on a like on another episode with another brewery where like we're just kind of talking about like like you guys are not here to enjoy beer like that's not like that's not what you're here for yeah <laughs> isn't that sad I, like, That's is this bro, fun for you? Yeah, yeah, we're getting yeah. drunk. It's fucking beer, fucking dude. This. I'm gonna tell this it's idiot like, when I think like relationship <laughs> advice. Oh my you god, enjoy your life. My oh, opinion shit. is more important than everyone else. Like, who do you think you are, my guy? Like. <laughs> it's it's so crazy. And I feel like my guess is you know, like usually people act out in ways like that when they don't have power, they got powerlessness in their life and they need to feel some sort of power. They're like, well, I'm going to rate this really highly regarded beer too because my fucking palate is exceptional. You know what I mean? Like, they, they, it's like, it's, it's, I feel bad for them if I'm really honest. Like, I just feel sad for them. Like, oh man, like, are you okay? Yeah, you like, if that's, like, if that's kind of the way that you need to feel important is be like, you know what? I'm going to be the one, uh, like, I'm going to be the one to tear this brewery down a notch. Fuck these guys. <laughs> I think that there's that, that famous man in the arena quote. And I think that's why it resonates with so many people. That's like the person out there actually doing it. They're the one putting in the effort. They got, they're the ones that like, you know, my kids have suffered because we have third moon, that they don't get to see that as much. And, you know, like all that kind of shit. And it's not just me or us. It's like anyone who owns a business. So you put your, everything on the line and then there's like someone and it's it's not always it's not always the case and it's rare, but that's why when it happens it resonates so deeply that it's like you know, you you could be putting more love and joy into the world and you're just trying to put in negativity and hate. It's like what's the what's the point of even doing that? Fucking yeah. Yeah. preach, bro. It's, it's like yeah. the, it's like the relationship advice that I I need to constantly be reminded of. It is more important to make your partner feel loved than it is to be right. And I'm half English, so it's important to be right. But like, you know, like, really, does that matter in the grand scheme? Right. And maybe some of these, yeah. And I don't, I, there's all of that. And it's also just beer. Like, it's just, there's like, it's like, it's like almost like two sides of it. It's just beer. So fucking relax. We are getting drunk. It's really not that serious. But there's also, it's just beer affects people's lives, like literal lives. Like literally, like you said, people aren't seeing their kids. And do you think, like, daddy, I love that you got 4.25 on this latest. I <laughs> 
I imagine <laughs> somebody <laughs> kills <laughs> Daddy. Yeah, exactly, Dad. You're embarrassing me at school. You're untap rating. You're almost in. You're almost out of the top ten in Canada. Stop making <laughs> kills. Come on. Yeah, a double bug. You're in. Dad, you disgust me. Triple IPA. I've got ten years before I can drink, but Jesus Christ, Dad. Yeah. You're killing me. <laughs> it's just so like it's so obscene, and it's like if people get so caught up in it, like. Uh, like it's i don't know it's just so silly and i guess we have to make fun of it or are you gonna go crazy and it's uh you know and i i guess it's like a certain uh percentage of breweries that actually get affected by it. it's not all breweries that are sort of like you know live and die by untapped um and it typically is folk you know whatever you want to under that hype banner are basically held to that and i don't know i didn't realize how sort of bad it was and like i'd heard because i just i was always in my own world with untapped there was actually funnily enough when i like when i first started the 360 the little selfie thing um my boy back in like 2011 was telling me to use an app called brewski me it was the same as untapped he's like yeah you gotta check it in there i'm like i'm not using this shit bro <laughs> and then i i like i think in 2012 i discovered untapped and then i was like kept doing it he's like oh fuck so like there's been other apps always trying to do it, but it was just like a, I used to physically have a spreadsheet, like a Google sheet, and I used to synchronize my um, uh, post on my Instagram to my Tumblr. So I used to physically go maybe once a month into Tumblr and highlight, copy, you know, beer number 351, paste, and then Canada wrote in the thing. So I'd, I'd have a little list of all the different I physically, I think I did it up to be like three thousand, and then I stopped, and then just imagine, how, like, imagine how much time you spent on that total. Yeah, it was just like a way to keep track, same as you guys, right? Just to to see because of the review thing. Otherwise, it's not that serious. But it's like, oh, have I had this before? And I try and review it first time I have it, just to get that first impression. And it's not that I know anything more. My palate is not fucking the beal or end all, and I know that I know what I like. And I feel I feel like it's positioned as such because I post outside of Untapped, and then there's the podcast and all this bullshit. But if you're just on Untapped, and you it's like, there's not as much context for people to understand where you're coming from. Kind of to what you were saying, Chris, is that you had your own rating system. I do the rating, but mostly for the breweries, to be honest, because I don't like I said, I don't drink shit beer. Just like you boys, you guys are trading. You're not drinking shit beer. You guys are drinking fucking phenomenal stuff. So most things are going like you know, whether it's now or pre uh, third moon. I imagine you're drinking great stuff, so it's easier to rank things to rate things higher. Um, it'd be so. Anyway, this is interesting. Don't you feel like a responsibility to like when you're going to put something out there in the world? Shouldn't you accept some responsibility for the net impact to the world that yes. it's going to create? Are you saying us specifically or like anybody? I'm I'm like saying like it's just that's one of the things that makes me stop and wonder when people put out bad reviews with such conviction. Mm. You know, and you're just like what the hell like Yeah, I agree with that. Watch the evening Very news much. you could see like we fucked this place right up and things are like we're in the downward spiral. Like it's, oh, it's a, the empire and is crumbling. Like every thing that we do to combat the evil by putting a bit of love out there, it, it, it makes an impact. 
And there's so much shit out there. And we are so lucky to be sitting here drinking beers right now. Delicious beers. It's like, really? Come on. Speaking of drinking beers right now. That's a great point. You know, we're like we're, we're we're a little over three hours. It's probably about time to crack beer number five of six. Well, yeah, <laughs> you know. I'm here for it. I like that uh, segue, Stephen. That was great. I'm gonna have to go to the washroom if that's. Okay. Oh, do we want to do a little washroom? I'm down. It's been an hour. Yeah, let's do it. All right, washroom break, and there's going to be empty bladders in three, two, one. Oh, who has an empty bladder? I think all of us do. And you know oh. what we're gonna do? Fill it back up again. There let's, we are. Let's Let's fill it up. Crispy number three. Are you kidding me? Is this a third moon podcast? Who are we talking to? Three Crispies in one episode. So this is the the barrel age uh, kills. Wine barrels. Is this the um, the only barrel age version that you've done? That's right, yeah. Just like uh, Chardonnay white wine barrels. And this is the is this the 2023 or the uh just dropped very very recently 13th of December yes because I had this on the 15th of December it was canned on the 13th of December look at that not fucking around if I could just say this is one of my favorite beers we've ever made ever done yes this it is is, this is like if you're a wine drinker Mm mm-hmm and this is your your crossover beer. Oof. Oh yeah, man. The nose is insane. Uh, yep. Oof. Look at that. Baby Jesus right here. <laughs> I just want to point out, I got that first anniversary glass right there. Wow. Oh, very nice. Look at that. From when we did that live. Remember the live? That was messy. Loved it. You didn't put that. <laughs> I'm putting that in the dishwasher. I I do. You do? Yeah, and it's fine. You know That's what? I got, I got glasses from a friend's brewery that I won't – I don't know if it's like the like what the deal is. It's got like metallic uh, shit on it, and the dishwasher stripped it. So like I've got four of the same glass, fortunately, but one of them is just those New England IPA glasses. It's just – it's a raw dog now. Clean. Because oh. of it. So i got to be careful. So should I – I won't dishwash this one then since Chris told me. And with that, gentlemen – Put that in you. Cheers, fellas. Cheers. Cheers oh, the nose, oh, the is, nose crazy. is wild. Yeah. Come on. Mm, mm, mm. Literally wild. Oof. It's like it preserves the things that you love about kills, but adds so much interest. Like yeah. that nose. It's like apricot, hair, oak, and just like. Oh, yeah. I need a beetle for this one. <laughs> yeah, the oak character is nuts, right? And so it's like it could be like I feel like if I uh, drank this blind, I would be pretty convinced it's a farmhouse. That's the appeal. Mm-hmm. That's what I love about it. Yeah, it's. I feel like it's a. This is a really phenomenal beer to show the. Look at the foam the, there. Yeah, look yeah, at like that. beautiful head on there. Yeah. Uh, meringue head. Look at oh, that, yeah. man. Oh. Yeah, just the Yeah, the head, the nose, the body is fantastic. Like it's this is just 
It's pretty crazy. Like, can you guys speak to a little bit more? What uh, is it? So it's Chardonnay barrels, is that correct? Yeah, yeah, that's right. I think this one was like six months in barrel. Damn. Ooh. Beautiful. Mm. It's just so refined. It's like delicate, but like full-bodied. Um, very easy drinking. Like you said, Chris, like if you're a white wine drinker, immediately you're going to get all of that buttery shard type of uh, vibes right in there. It's it's the complete – it's funny because it's like the people who might not like yellow fizzy beer, uh, it's not – like it is that, but it's not that. It's like transformed. We sent um, a case of cans of this to uh, Beer Market on the Esplanade in Toronto mm-hmm. and Beer Market – in Ottawa mm-hmm. and like this silly little like the childlike grin that I have on the phone talking to them when they ask me to send them this beer I'm just like your customers are going to be so happy when they taste this because they're not going to know what it is Oof. and they're going to order it take a chance on it and it taste it and there's just so much to enjoy Hell yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is very different. I mean, like, what was the process? So it was, like, literally uh, brewing kills and throwing it into barrels? Is it a blend? Is it one barrel? Like, what's the – how did it go? Well, so kills is normally – we uh, do a process called spunding, which is a way to, like, naturally ferment the beer. We ferment it under pressure. So that it creates, like, its own natural carbonation so that it's a lot – it, it gives it like a smoothness and a kind of more refined, like the bubbles are tighter. That's what keeps that big, super rocky head. So when you mm. drink it, the glass is all dirty and filthy from the head. So this one, when it's going into barrels, we can't do it like that. So this is uh, just fermented to, you know, fully fermented and then add it to barrels and then we carbonate it after. So it's not quite the same, but the up until that point, everything's the same in terms of the um, – you know, the malts, the hops, yeast, water. <clears throat> um, so I'll add it to barrels. So this is four wine barrels blended together. Like I said, it's about six months in barrel. Okay. And was it, it was all shard? All Chardonnay, yeah. Shards Did of you, shard. Shards of shard. Love that. Um, where from? Was it a particular winery or was it? Uh... I, it, it says California. That's all I know. They're a little. Okay. Bourbon they, barrels, though you can nail down the specific distiller and even the specific type of bourbon. Mm-hmm. Uh, wine, sometimes, not generally. And then things like rum, it's just like Caribbean rum. Right. <laughs> more vague. So I don't know if it's a. They know and didn't want to say or they didn't know, but um, yeah, just Chardonnay. Gotcha. It's uh, what made you guys choose a Chardonnay barrel for this? Because it's this is a is a beautiful match. There's not many different uh, barrel aged white wines. So typically, uh, um, <clears throat> wine barrels are like barrel aged wines are going to be red wines. Uh, but uh, Chardonnay is one of the only ones that at least that we could get access to. I think it's the only one we could get access to. Riesling, we like. Uh, I guess that was that was the must. That's a good point. So it was like, but why white wine? Say over, I don't know. I love else, like. white 
find barrel aged beers. They're okay. so good. Yeah. And, uh, you know, all the years of uh, my early years of craft, enjoying uh, Mickler beers were oh, yeah. the, like the Chardonnay barrel aged ones. Just loved it so much. It's like you get the fruit. And so, you know, for me, I'm picking up passion fruit and like honeydew melon and like just like that pear apricot like it's gooseberry lychee fruit or lychee however you're supposed to say that it's like i I taste all that stuff and it's so fun because you get it in the wine but you also get it from the hops so then you're left in this beer specifically i'm left wondering what's what is contributing more to the flavor right here is yeah what am i tasting (laughs) like it's it's fun we could debate it for as long as this beer is in my glass for sure it just it just works brilliantly and i feel like i don't i feel like i don't really see or have many barrel aged lagers but when i have had them um Jesus Christ, they're good. And this is like, this was yeah, exciting when I saw this. Yeah, it really is, right? Whether it's just like a neutral oak to give it a bit of like barrel character or something like this, where there's the oak plus that those kind of, like you said, Chris, like gooseberry and all these like, you know, beautiful white wine flavors that are kind of like, you could probably describe this as funky a little bit. Like, like I said, if you had your eyes, you did this blind, you could probably say it's a farmhouse of some description. Yeah, I'd and, say um, so. It's probably the closest thing to a farmhouse that uh, I believe you guys have done. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah. Would you ever? Um, so uh, farmhouse saison, that's a style I really, really love. But uh, everyone I know that brews them very well talks constantly that they don't sell. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. I mean, RIP uh, still feels. Yeah, so we, um, yeah, not to say we would never, but I, I would love to have some kind of wild, funky, sour barrel age program. But um, even even the bigger breweries that we're friends with have talked a lot about their winding, their their barrel aging, their wild, sour, funky barrels programs down significantly. Hmm. So it just seems like the kind of business where we're content to just buy bottles of than produce it's also risky as shit yeah Yeah. as far as like the the bugs getting out in the brewery totally Mm. yeah we spent a lot of time and effort to make sure there's not that kind of shit in our brewery so to introduce it i mean i i I think we would have as um that that's not the main reason like you know we we could have separate gear and separate we have enough space that we we could do it but it's really just comes down to um even like bellwoods blood brothers um short finger like i was saying sprues that are making a very very high level seem to just you know people just don't really buy them like they used to and even you know i saw in the news I read online a couple of weeks ago that like even Three Fontaine and in Belgium is like slashing production and all this stuff. It's just 
I don't know. I think the, the market for that isn't what the um, what what folks thought it was. So, yeah, I did hear back in the day that like Cantillon was some random ass sort of like. I don't want to say shitty, but just some sort of like not anything like big anywhere brewery. And then all of a sudden, excuse me, it's like the American market is what hyped up Cantillon globally for what they're doing. And then I don't know when that was, but I guess that now if you look, you know, the, 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 like you said, people aren't interested in that. Like, you know, there's, there's so many breweries that are either winding it down or actually if they built their business off that, like I only had still fields recently and I was like, Oh, this shit is brilliant, but you know, Great. it's so good. And I had Hill farm said, like you mentioned earlier, Chris on, I, I went there last, uh, uh, last summer and grabbed some bottles and, and I had some on new year's. And I was like, why don't I drink this more often? And it just oh, always, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, I like I'm having it. And I'm sharing it. Tiff even had some, and like I got the Hill Farmstead glasses. We actually hung out with Sean, so it made it like a real more like wow. special thing. He was a Jeep, bro. He's such a good guy, and like, really? yeah, like we hung like an hour and a half just talking all sorts of shit. Like I didn't expect. Yeah, he didn't like. We connected with a friend of a friend type of thing, and um, yeah, it was super cool guy. Like you know, I went and bought them all. He didn't give them to us, but you know, went and bought everything afterwards. And it was like after talking to him and understanding maybe the ethos and a bit more of the origin of the hazy IPA, which essentially is traced back to him from from what he said directly. Um, and then having the beer, I'm like, oh man, this shit is spectacular. This is why they've been voted the best brewery in the world many times. And you know, you have stuff like that or, or Val or whatever. And yeah, I. You know, I, I you get I get that, that every the, like every, like every now and then because I like now my mother in law hooks me up, uh, so I get uh, like I get like their good farmhouse stuff a couple of times a year and every like and every now and then I'm like okay yeah like it's crazy this is, right like, like, like this is what that shit is about and but, uh, like, but you also but you also get at the same time that with. With with like with places like Stillfields and whatnot, like holy shit, like it's a rough time mm. to be getting into that kind of thing because like, like like we've been talking about, that is not what people are buying right now. Yeah, yeah, even people that love it, like I do, I know Chris does. <clears throat> I think everybody here, you drink literally five hundred hazy IPAs to every one farmhouse beer. Hundred percent. That's so like, yeah, it's, I don't know. Like, that do has you, to be a project. And there's so many places doing it so well. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Why do you guys, like, my my only theory was that most of these farmhouse beers that are that exquisite are, comes back to the stout problem. Like, they're in 750s. Now, the difference is they're 5 to 7%. So it's very easy to crush that to the face, and you have no problem drinking before beers before and after. Like, I had that bottle off of hill on new year's tiff only had one glass out of it and i had the rest and i had beers before and after and it was easy but i'm like it's still that 750 has this maybe like hold over people that it's like this you're either going to hesitate to buy it or if you do buy it you're going to sit on it and hesitate to crack it because it just seems like an ordeal to consume it i don't know that's, that's sure. the only theory i can yeah. think of like like Arthur, point you also. get Arthur, nice fresh Arthur. That's what I had, yeah. Arthur with NZ Cascade on New Year's. Double dry hop version. Get the fuck out of oh here. God, it's so insane. You're like, yeah, this is what I should be drinking every day. Honestly, it's, it's like, just so clean. It feels like there's no calories. <laughs> like it's, <laughs> it's just, what? it was, 
Grisettes. We yeah, the grisettes. Freaking grisette. Like, yeah, like, bro. Why are we drinking these every day? They're 4%. You're just like, ah. Hmm. They're beautiful bees, and it's like, like, okay. Do you guys have any theories then as to why that market is constricting so heavily to the point where Steelfields, unfortunately, is closing, and and other breweries are, you know, I've even heard some. I can't remember who told me, but apparently, even Jester King is hurting. And if you're saying, excuse me, Drefontaine and stuff is hurting as well. Like, what chance does Farmhouse Beer have of, of existing? I, I I don't know. I, I can't say why. I think it is it's niche, and I think um, you know when they were kind of ramping up like 2015, 2016, There was this uh, the Sour Hour podcast with the guy from the Rare Barrel. I used to listen all the time. I heard about and that. Have all these you know sour beer producers on there, and it was always like a popular thing. Like, what do you call it? Like sour beer, and then I know. It's just kind of like trickle down thing. I was thinking like people that make like barrel aged, funky farmhouse, whatever, hate like sour beer, like kettle sours or stuff like Jelly King. It's like, oh, that's not real. But then like, you know, traditional Lambic producers think everything else is, you know, that you, know, you didn't spontaneously ferment it with aged hops and all this. It, there's like a level of like... a old school like old school maybe like a little pretentiousness where it's like got it i don't know it's, it's like not a, like sit back and crush it it's price point um I, I i don't know exactly but it is it's sad because th- those beers are awesome and yeah. there's definitely a place for it but uh, i don't know if it's maybe oversupplied too many places making it mm-hmm. i think everyone who's into sour funky beers has had some horrendously terrible ones <laughs> <laughs> so, that's true. I don't know exactly. They're more demanding on the palate, right? You know, like if you're if you're going to buy beer anywhere, you are more likely to buy multiples of an IPA than you are to buy multiples of a sour. Fact, definitely, like, definitely. I, I will have my fill in one. I will buy yep. one. I will be satisfied. Yes. Yep. Whereas an IPA is more of like a you just think of it more like a daily drinker. right so it's that's a good that's a good way to position it whereas the farmhouse maybe for the fact that like you can really not get a farm i heard saison dupont is in cans now which is kind of weird but like for the most yeah i saw pictures of it and people were saying what the fuck's going on so it's like a bottle feels like a special occasion right like whether it's your right and then it's like this wine beer is always seen on a lower level than wine Right. Like this stigma. So then you can't price a beer that's 13% the same as you would a wine that's 13%. Mm-hmm. It's like, what is going on here? But it's these rituals and the packaging choices that have just driven this so deep into our psyche yeah. of what is worthy of spending a dollar on. There is something very psychological about it, for sure. Yeah. And, and like, it's psychological plus, like, there's, like, a lack of, like, like broad understanding. Everybody knows that wine is hard to make. It's expensive. You have to grow the grapes. Like, if you start a fucking vineyard, you're not going to be able to even harvest for five years or whatever, like, or more. So, like, with beer, they don't see 
the same thing and there's a lack of understanding of the styles and what like we've been talking at length tonight about like you know what goes into making these things whether it's farmhouse stouts ipas lagers whatever like you name it so it's it's like beer was always this commodity in a can and cans were looked down upon as in like oh it's cheap and nasty you know, like you know and they wouldn't do that and then like and now that's probably why a lot of beers when i first got into it you guys I think, I believe we're into it before me. I was around 2011 here in, in Canada when basically everything was still in bottles. Like Mad Tom was in bottles and Lone Pine, when I first had it, was in bottles. And bitter years. Exactly. All of that shit, all yeah. the Amsterdam stuff, exactly all that. And like it was in bottles because it was probably trying to match up to that wine sort of perspective or to at least say, Hey, like, you know, we're worthy of something and cans were always like PBR and bud and all that bullshit. So it was, you know, beer's always been fighting against this like norm or norms that, that, that are essentially unfair to craft beer because people are really applying what is, you know, what's applied to like uh, domestic lagers to everything it's it's strange and how do you break that how do you explain a you know an adjunct barrel aged stout barley wine blend like how do you explain that to the pbr drinker like it's sort of there's no comprehension those words don't mean anything no you know what i mean and part of like what you and i wanted to do from the beginning was to make as much beer in cans as we could Mm. because it's more accessible to people People can ship it. People can put that in a box with a box of Smarties and fire it over the border. No one's the wiser and share good beer with people What's in this, a can. Is this Smarties for audio? Yeah. Oh, you fuck, that's it. genius. You don't hear the sloshy slosh. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck. I just got a connect point in upstate, like in Western or New York. So take, I don't need uh, to. You could take a half of a four pack plastic topper, cut it in half of the scissors. So you got two clappers. Put a couple of bottle caps in there and just put some quick tape over it, duct tape or clear tape, doesn't matter. And you create a little an instrument. That, uh, that'll throw oh, him off. Geez. You know, but Chris, Chris has got the fucking pro tips here. Like, <laughs> like Just for the beer. record, Chris never it's illegally beer. shipped beer in his life. <laughs> if Shit, like trading beer by beer mail is it's a loser's game. Like you have to pay shipping both ends and the shipping is, is killing the whole thing. It's driving you to make stupid decisions. It's driving you to negotiate harder to get what you want when really the whole point of it was to share beer here i'll get my local you get your local and let's swap but cans are they don't weigh as much so cheaper shipping easier to travel with it uh and that's important to us because that's how we have come to be able to enjoy some of the highest rated beers in the world and we are just trying to return the favor and throw something out there that might not be accessible to someone any other way. And if someone who's near us can take our beer and trade it for beer from Boston or Vermont, you know, like that would be the highest compliment. Yeah. And also that's awesome. You know, like, yeah. get the art out there so we just thought if we put more beer in cans 
it will end up in farther places than it will if we do it in bonds. Mm, does it feel full circle being that you guys were both traders and now people are trading the shit that you make for other things? Does that kind of trip you out or is it doesn't feel like that for me because man, like my cellar sucks now. (laughs) I had so much good beer before I was just buying it all. And then like you start a brewery that you can't afford to buy beer anymore. So you (laughs) drink our own beer and the beer that people bring us. So like I've drunk my cellar dry. There's not much left. We're still going to do a tour. All good. (laughs) <laughs> no one do that anymore. Um, I know I was talking to my boy Jared at uh, Mortalis. I thought it was just sick that, like, cause I think you guys actually met them, met the guys at Mortalis when you did all that stuff. Like, that's so sick to me that, like, I know him, he came up to hang out. He wasn't even brewing. He was. He came up and hung out with us at our launch in 2018 in Montreal because we did a collab with L'Espace Public and the original one, the uh, Vacance beer, the, the creamsicle sour we did, and... He went to Montreal, then kept in touch, and now he's fucking working for Mortalis, and now he's like working with you guys and, and Badlands and stuff. It's it's cool to see these type of like things happen with like just good motherfuckers around. Like I, I like that a lot, even like that cross border thinking, and that's why I think you guys do really well. Like Bellwoods were the OGs of thinking ahead like that. Like Luke's life was pretty spectacular. He just traveled with his long haired children across the country, across the continent, and went to Pennsylvania. I didn't know that his kids have long hair. It was because he used to always post, and it was always like, ah. I'm out here doing a pen druid collab <laughs> and I'm here yeah. with triple crossing. I'm here with fucking monkish and doing all these clubs. I'm like, fuck man. Like you got a life, my dude. Um, I think everyone's cut. Maybe they're, you know, short and, you know, back in sides right now. They're back in action, but you know, 2018 or whatever, <laughs> they were living the life, bro. So it was very cool to see like what they were doing. And I feel like that you guys are doing a very similar thing where you're connecting with like-minded breweries, even if it's just across the border, which is sick whether you know like there's so much happening in western new york between buffalo and rochester it's so impressive um i think it's dope we got a collab with fifth frame dropping i think this week or next week or coming up really soon hell yeah can you can you talk oh this by the time this comes out you can this will be it'll be well sold sold out so talk can you talk about it because i want to know because i'm gonna get it (laughs) next week (laughs) It's a tri- triple IPA. Moon babies. Um, yeah, moon babies. Yeah, we. Um, well, we. I didn't go, unfortunately. We were pouring. We had a tap takeover at the Beer Temple in Amsterdam, and I got like as sick as I've ever been in my life. Like for a couple days before. And we were going to go, and then we're pouring at Van Mol Festival in Amsterdam, or in Netherlands. And um, I, I had to bow out. I, I just couldn't make it. So Chris had to go do all the heavy lifting on his own. So it was a joint tap takeover with Fifth Frame in Amsterdam. Met those guys, super awesome. And then they came up and brewed a beer with us for our anniversary. And then, yeah, we just went down there not long ago. And... Uh, had a wildly ridiculously <laughs> drunken night in Rochester. It was very Isn't sloppy. 
<laughs> no, there was no water, no food, just alcohol. Oh, for oh no! Well, that's <laughs> the one. And Fifth Frame has some of the best food in any brewery. Like they were closed was on a Monday. They're closing on a Monday, so we so went to the brewery the and drank the barrel aged stout, and then uh, we were at the production place. But uh, yeah, that was good. We actually saw John at um, the Over the Tap Festival last weekend at um, Great Brothers and Laura. Yeah, how was that fest? By the way, um, I didn't get to go down. We were gonna, we got invited, but uh, we have the pup and we take him everywhere. We had nowhere to leave him. And Erica from who does all their sales was like, oh, it might be a little rough too. It might be a bit loud for him. I'm like, yeah, you're right, fuck. So we didn't end up going. But um, what was the vibes like? It looked pretty sick from what I saw, like all the photos and stuff. Like lots of like, yeah, it was awesome. Like there's not. Like the big beer fest in Ontario have kind of died. Like Witchstock was the one. Yeah. Liquid Arts Fest from Collective Arts was the one. That. Um, always would look forward to them, get super excited. But the, the economics of putting on those kind of fests, the amount of work you get, and then the appreciation don't always line up. So, like, I've talked to some of the folks at Bellwoods. They say they're never doing that again. I'm pretty sure Collective Arts is not doing Liquid Arts again. So, oh, yeah, we got to take what we can get. Even, you know, um, cask days used to be like three days, all those sessions, all those crazy beers from all over. And now it's it's toned down quite a bit. It's like one one evening. So, um, yeah, it's like as good as we're going to get, it feels like. So it's cool. I had 25 different beers. I think they were all collabs, almost all collabs. I think so. And, yeah, awesome list of breweries that they did it up well uh, i didn't have a bad beer there everything i had was super thoughtful blood brothers guys chris and i when we go to do our hop selection we we like live in a house with them for a week and we're really really close friends we <clears throat> think highly of them and um i know that it's a ton of work even in september when we were down there they're already stressing the details and trying to get like when we do our anniversary we release 10 or 11 or 12 beers it's like weeks and weeks of just non-stop work so that times two plus the festival is is pretty wild so it was cool to be there and see uh people were having fun it was it was awesome and i hope they keep doing it that's great man. Nice. yeah, yeah so the people there are all you know legit craft lovers and that's what's really great yeah it's it doesn't feel like oh this is the place that everyone wants to be tonight it just feels like the the spirit the right spirit is there yeah yeah it's like so many people that we talk to on a regular basis that were there it's just constant just how's it going how's it going how's it going how's it going I mean that that's fucking sick, man. I, love I saw that. the the lineup look crazy. Um, the I know that they had uh, a ton of um, stuff that they packaged as well. Then there was like the off off over the tap stuff where like you know, all my friends did one, and like I think um, oh, like Domin- Dominion City did one, and uh, and you went to the Barlupulus uh, event that they had separately as well. Where they sent some kegs up there to Ottawa. I did, oh, yes, and uh, yeah, it, the, and that was fucking great. Cause, I was hella uh, jelly of that. Oh yeah, I'm uh, I'm so glad they did that because, like, to be honest, I mean, that's more my scene, anyways. I would much rather go to a tap takeover these uh, like these days, personally, and uh, like 
I got to like, and I got to experience like a lot of the beers that were at the festival that I wouldn't have gotten to experience otherwise. I mean, I ordered a bunch of the cans that were available and then anything that I didn't have available to me in cans, I was able to try on tap at Bar Lupulis. It was fucking brilliant. Which is so cool. It's like, I didn't know, I didn't really think about this because like, I guess COVID kind of like just put everything to sleep as far as like liquid arts. I went every year and that was part of the reason like we were familiar with Hamilton because we came here for liquid arts the two years they had it. We went to both of them mm-hmm. and then Whitstock, I went to the first one. I didn't go to the second one. I can't remember why. I think I was sick or something, but like you're right though, that there's not that many crazy festivals out here mm-hmm. and it's cool. I didn't think of it like that, that like, oh, there's like not much else. And this was probably a lot smaller than the fe- – like Witchstock was pretty big and Liquid Arts was relatively big. It seemed like a little more um, – what's the word? Uh, in the, Like smaller in a good way. Like – like um, I don't know. There was a yeah, tight list of really, really good beers. Yeah, quality. And all yeah. the brewers seemed to come out like for it. Like I know Troy was going and you boys were going because I was talking to you guys about that and like – the AMF guys were going like all, all the different breweries who were participating were there to show up and to show love and stuff. I thought that was like sick. Like everyone I spoke to that was going, I, I had a lot of FOMO to be honest that weekend. Cause I was like, fuck everyone's there, man. It seemed like there was two really cool sessions and then like it was a vibe, but it was at least at the very least, like they kind of said that they did the packaging. So like, that's unusual because say for liquid art or, or, um, the Witchstock or any of that, they didn't really do anything like that. So it's super dope that you could get beers to go, whether it's there or, you know, from Blood Brothers or from the website. I know Duran's getting a bunch as well. So I held off because I know Chris said he was getting some. So I'm going to grab whatever whatever he's able to to get hold of from them. But, yeah, it's cool. It's out, it's out, it feels like it's a pretty valuable service that they're providing to the Ontario craft beer scene then as far as. Yeah, it's it's yeah. it's a lot of work. It's, it's yeah we need like five years of good times you know good economic dynamics right for people to have like something in the tank to use yeah. on something that is close to their heart but not necessarily a solid return on investment is that what yeah. you think this was maybe more of a passion project than a financial reward for the guys it's a pretty cool thing to do as a brewery to be like, we're throwing a party, and the best beers on planet Earth you can get are here. That's you know that's what you want to be able to do. Like we think of Dark Lord Day at Three Floyds, and it's like it's one of the coolest events that you could ever have hmm. as a brewery. So I I feel like it would be a point of pride, and uh, and it's a way of giving back because mm. distribution is the hardest part of this whole thing. And so the people that make the money are the ones that are connecting the beers with the customers because they're only going to do it if they make the profit that they're going to make. Mm. But for the artist making the beer, we're the last ones to get paid. So the beer goes <laughs> out. We had to spend the money a month before make the beer, send it out, convince people they want to drink it, send it to them because they say okay. And then they want to have 30 to 60 days to pay you. Mm. But they made the money when they got the beer from you that you paid for two months earlier. 
it's like the whole thing yeah, doesn't it, make sense. When you look at it through a business lens, it doesn't make sense. So we we just sent some beer to Poland. It's going to Poland for Beer Geek Madness, which is a uh, apparently it's it's one of the biggest fests going in Europe. We 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 were asked to join. We we're asked to go, and we were like, "That's oh, probably not worth it." And but when we went to Leeds in the UK in October. Um, it was right around the time we got invited and, you know, it's a lot of time and money and sacrifice for our families when Chris and I go on these things. Mm. So we were in Northern England and we went to Scotland, Manchester, Leeds and Dublin. <clears throat> it was awesome. Like, okay, you know, third moon brought us to Manchester and we're brewing a beer and we're talking to all these people. It was awesome. But we're like, I don't know if it's worth it. But when we were at the, uh, the sort of the, brewer only pre-festival thing all these european brewers are talking about beer geek madness I'm like oh this is the best one mm-hmm. and chris and i were like we were just gonna turn that down and they're like you can't turn beer you're gonna not do a beer geek madness so we're like okay we're going to fucking poland i guess <laughs> and to qualify what people saying like when you say i don't know if it's worth it what we mean is when you're a young small business like if you can't make the black and white financials work, you don't have a buffer in the bank account. Yeah. So you can sink the business so easily. Yeah, so by going on a trip do do for a week or whatever. Who's got to pay for itself, mm. or you can't? Right, and it's like we want to be at every event. Right now, we have uh, an invite to a festival in another country that I personally we would love to do. But we're like, we're in the winter right now. And, you know, like it sucks right now for cash flow. Yeah, it's the it's hardest the time of the year. The hardest time of the year. And we're getting asked to fly to some faraway place and, you know, spend a bunch of money we don't have and sell our beer to that festival at a huge financial loss. Mm. All these festivals, you send the beer at like a massive discount. <laughs> And just so we can be there and obviously want to bring our best. So we've sent kick-ass beers that we're so excited to like be there and talk to people and have them. We want to do all of these events, but we've got to be so careful because right now it's like, it's, it's, we're shooting this now in early February and we've had a month of winter already and it is not as strong as the summer. I'll tell you that. (laughs) So it's like, where are we going to be in two months? I don't even know, but and there's both. no padding here. It's like every month we live it and breathe it, and we know if we're in trouble or not. And it's like every month we somehow are making it work. But as you as you survive throughout the first five years of a business, you just have to demonstrate increased responsibility as the funds allow. And yeah, it's like, we have a family of employees now. Like we have, we started with two employees. We have 15 employees now, yeah. three and a half years in, Zoom. you cannot do this on your own. No. And we're now responsible for the rice bowl of 15 people. Half of them are full time, half are part time, but like either way, Every day we're making a promise to our staff mm. that we will pay you for the hard work you put in 
to make Third Moon a success Dang, and help hero. help to and share and like grow our vision, that, the vision yeah, that we had originally. And that's an impact to more than just those 15 people. That's those 15 people's families as well. Yeah, we just had our Christmas party and it was so cool for me to see partners of our employees come out because they're the ones who are bearing the brunt of the sacrifice that our employees are making to spread their moon across the world. Totally. It's, it's important. And we all know from what we've, you know, the time we've spent at home through the pandemic to the then return to normal life. And it really puts things in perspective with how much time in a day we spend doing certain things. And, you know, it's good to stop and reevaluate that the amount of time you spend in a day on certain things are in line with your values. Because we talk about them like they're one thing, but we live our lives like they're two different things. Yeah. And, uh, so it's, it was so cool for me to like be at our brewery having a Christmas party with not just our staff, but also their partners who have also given up things for third minute. Right. Very cool, man. 15? Like, I know. I don't. Use for third moon. <laughs> we doing it? Um, okay, we're doing it. Yeah. While we're, while we're getting this poured, before we pivot <laughs> too far off the topic of, uh, like of collaborations and whatnot, because yeah. um, like, I, I got to shout out a brewery that's very important to, uh, um, to Craig and I. And uh, like, I mean, we're now past midnight, uh, like, so we're now into February 3rd, but we started this podcast on February 2nd um, when a, a very special collab was just dropped today um, okay. from our good friends at, uh, at La Quetch in, uh, in St. Lenny, Quebec. With yeah. um, so um, with Third Moon, two uh, like a, a like a double collab, Captain Bebo and Captain Chris. Let's uh, go. Cool. And isn't Laketch just the fucking bomb? Isn't Guillaume the best? He's the best. Legit. I love that dude. Actually, during the pod, Guillaume like two hours ago, Guillaume texted me, "These two beers are the best we have ever made." So whoa. <laughs> Okay. Amazing, Nate. Can you please text him immediately? I'm, I, yeah, I'm, I, I like, I, I honestly, like, I've got a in draft message because I was like in the process of texting him earlier while I was giving my son lunch today, and I didn't get to finish it yet. I'm gonna, uh, I, I'm gonna get on that to make sure we get some. Yeah, it's people. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just it's the coolest so, shit. So, like, it's coming Monday now. So. Hell yeah. Talk to us about that. Cause uh, we had him on the pod and right oh. after that was the time when we were all supposed to meet up and go to Maddie's. Uh, from oh, yeah. yeah. I didn't even go to the show in the end because I asked him, I was like, so I can go to the show, but can I talk to you? And I was like, but I want to, I want to talk to you. And now he was like, no, no, I'll come during the day. So we went up at Bellwoods and uh, did a bit of beer trade, talked to him and his mates and whatever. And we hung out and saw the tour bus and shit. Then went to the show. I was like, it's not really my scene. But um, I just wanted to see Matt. And um, what was my point? Oh, that was when Guillaume was in town to do the collab yeah. with you it was guys. That night when I was like, 
I would love to go. I love Cryptopsy. They're like for Canadian death metal. They are like they're definitely on the Mount Rushmore. They're like legendary. Been been right. one of the best Canadian death metal bands for thirty plus years. I don't even know. So love it. Shasta. Uh, yeah, like, <clears throat> yeah. Fucking I love that band. I'm Matt's an awesome guy. He's the best. Uh, we met, I met him at ceremony. We've chatted a whole bunch. He's done a few. Um, thanks to Vox and Hops that we've taken part of. Um, he loves you guys. Yeah, yeah. He, he's an awesome guy. I, I love that band. Um, but yeah, Guillaume was out for the collab, and it just was not a hectic time to make it downtown. <laughs> it's so good because I was like, oh, maybe if uh, like all of us could go, that would be kind of fun. If like you guys are there, Guillaume's there, we're all there, cool. But uh, didn't work out. But so he went down. And what was that beer that you that he did with Third Moon on your side called? That was Nelson. That shit was. For, I went. I think I went back and got a second one. That was the Nelson uh, double. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Fucking disgusting. And so this, then, and this one that he just dropped today is an, like is all Nelson as well. But two different yeah. yes. uh, hot farms. Is that right? Do you want to talk through? Well, that? they're both from Freestyle. So Freestyle has a couple different farms in the same small area. So we were, he was able to get specific like micro lot. This is from this Valley. And this is from, I think the ones from their southernmost farm and the others from their northernmost farm. So both freestyle Nelson, but um, from different areas. So it's, it's, I'm really excited to see the difference. Honestly, that's fucking amazing. The yeah. catch, like, for me, Nate, like, you know what? It was Troy. Badlands put me on Till the Catch because he did a collab with him. I messaged him like, Whoa, what the fuck, man? Who are these guys? He's like, yo, everything. I know because I asked Nate. I'm like, you know what they are? He's like, yeah, I went there, and it's like a kind of like a casual, like a beer bar type of thing. It's it's nothing crazy. So Yeah, like, yeah. The, the, the first time that I was there, they weren't even brewing their own stuff. They were just selling like Pit Caribou and like other like another brewery shit. So I was super confused when I saw like when I saw that Badlands had did, like had done a collab with them. Mm. And like and, and Craig and I were talking and like and we were talking to Troy, be like, "What the fuck's the deal here?" And they're like, "No, that like they're legit." And then and I told and Nate, it just he was like, "Snowballed what? from there." Yeah, and then you happened to be going there, I think Nate, at the time, like not long after it happened. Like yeah. in the summer, and then you went there and you messaged. You sent me a photo from there. Like this shit is legit. I'm like, all right, yeah. get me one of whatever the fuck is there. Just get it all. And uh, you met up. He, Nate met up with Guillaume and uh, connected with him. And then we had him on the pod. And like, they were easily my favorite Quebec discovery of uh, 2023. Easily, hands down. Yeah. Um, just so fire. And I'm like, how did it's it's so interesting to me that breweries can be that good and still fly under the radar for the for the most part and then now i feel like in the last six months i feel like it's been pretty quick because they've been collaborating with you guys and with badlands and with similar breweries you oh know, my god they've been, like, they've been working with everyone yeah and it's like it's beautiful to watch because i love seeing breweries that deserve it just get all the fucking shine even if it makes it a little harder for us to get i'm like hell yeah in this economy fucking sell it out bro well, I think it's, it's a perfect combo. Guillaume is an awesome guy. He's like so humble, so nice, funny. Like Chris and I went to Beer Town with him, and we were there for like five hours or something. Just like couldn't get enough. He's the greatest guy. And the yeah. beer he he sent some beers before he he came, 
And they were so good. We're like, we, we want to buy more. Like, we'll just buy it. And he's like, no, 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 he would not accept it. So brought even more hazy IPAs. I think that just absolutely knocks it out of the park. Like, oh, my God. Like, like, like thick, bold, it, it, like unreal. It's so fucking good. Honey. A touch of honey. Yes, yeah, yes, a touch of honey. Yeah, and like you, you guys did some good credit to that one, like really making it catch style with like with Ghost Ship with doing a, like with doing the local honey edition there yeah. too. That was a nice touch. Oh, that beer is so good. Yeah, it was, that was uh, so good. Stupid. I have yeah. one left. I have There's... one left, and I shouldn't, but I did. <laughs> and I'm still excited about drinking it probably tomorrow. Probably tomorrow, but it's yeah. um it's super super dope. Why are we talking about Lakets? Were we talking about? No, it's it, it's be, like it's because oh, they got the me they, they got me thinking about it with all this collab talk and it, like and it just seemed so perfect because uh, like that collab was just announced today. So I just wanted to shout it out. But yeah. anyway, is it is it time for Quincy Bones? Indeed, Quincy Bones. This is the beer that we're all scared of. <laughs> we're terrified. I'm joking. Quintuple. It's exactly what I signed up for. Tiff knows. <laughs> She's like, bro, enjoy. So, 13, I, I easily, easily, easily the biggest IPA I've ever had. 13.5% quintuple IPA with all Citra. Citra, Incognito, Spectrum, and fuck. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. Don't tell oh. me. Oh. Um, cryo. That was the other one. Cryo, yeah. Regular, cryo, spectrum, incognito. And holy is that, shit. I'm, got, I'm getting the intense nose off of this even without my nose right over the glass. Jesus Christ. It wafts. It wafts. Yeah, it sure does. My God. <laughs> I'm terrified. What'd you say? Meat slices? <laughs> Definitely not. I. Say grandma's peach preserves. There's no meat in this beer, I promise. Are you sure? <laughs> That's funny. Actually, just, just bring it back that over the tap real quick. Uh, so <laughs> beer we did with uh, Blood Brothers was a bacon, peanut butter, chocolate, bourbon barrel aged stout. And they had their list of all the beers and it had the allergens in there. So it was like, the you know, other ones are like dairy and wheat and, um, you know, like meat. Why is it wheat meat? <laughs> <laughs> if you're a vegan, probably yeah, move away meat. from this one. Yeah. But there's no meat in this one. Are you sure? You guys can sip. I'm sorry. I'm a little slow. I promise. Oof. Oh. Oof. Oh, my goodness. Um, How... How crazy is Bone Tree going to get if this is quintuple? <laughs> How far does this go, boys? Like, I remember the first time we put up Double Bone Tree, one of the first um, Instagram, I think I put a story up and some, one of the first replies was, when are you doing triple? Oh, and you're like, okay. I can't wait and just enjoy this for this. And then um, when we put this out, quintuple, 13.5%, it's hopped at a rate that is like so financially 
un- irresponsible. <laughs> in, yeah, like not the really dumbest fun. idea for the dumbest beer, just to have fun and be silly. And everyone is like, when you're doing the six tuple, it's like, <laughs> can we just enjoy this for this? <laughs> no, no, you can't, Stephen. No, I know. I know. It's never good like, enough. <laughs> Let let me let me take the wildest guess ever if we ever do six tuple with the what, first count. What they're gonna say? They're gonna trash it and say yeah. that's not well, possible. No, I want a septuple. Oh, that's what we need. Thirty-seven percent. Thirty-seven percent. I just pour like ethanol. Yeah. Barrel proof. It's like dry hopped bourbon, <laughs> dry hopped Everybody gin. Knows you have to yeah, make, just, <laughs> to make that beer. Yeah, it's just like the shit that if you just like lit a cigarette in fifty feet, the whole building would be on fire. It's gonna, it's gonna basically have to be like that um, Bacardi one twenty eight or whatever, where you have oh. to have like have like the grated top on the yeah, uh, like yeah. on the top of it or something. <laughs> what was that called again? One no one fifty one. Yes, that's what it was. Yeah, it was Bacardi yeah, yeah. 151. Which was like, I remember my neighbor back home in Australia used to have it, and I was like, no, I'm an adult. And I wasn't. I'm not having that. But yo, this is, um, okay, so quintuple, do you want to just explain it? <laughs> just talk, talk us through the quintuple. Like, what makes it 5x as opposed to a triple, which is typically around 10%. Um, what what's the difference? Is it is it uh, the malt bill? I imagine. Yeah, so it's a lot more malt, a lot more everything. So we did we got bone tree. Well, first we got bone twig, oh, which is the which pale, five point two. Then we got bone tree six and a half. Double bone tree is at eight. Triple bone tree is ten and a half. And quadruple bone tree is eleven nine. So that's Quincy sitting at thirteen five. Okay. So each one we just ramp up the, the the amount of malt, the amount of sugar, the ABV, and then obviously the hopping just gets to the Ooh. point where like so Jim, our brewer who makes everything, I was like, okay, this is how much hops need to go in there, and he's like, no, that's way too much. Like we cannot do that. <laughs> like I'm, I don't disagree, but that's how much we got to put in there. So it's <laughs> absurd. It's just ridiculous. How do you how do you guys feel about these type of beers? Like is it like it's just fun? Is it like out of control? You know, do you love them? Do you like drinking them? Or is it just more like let's see how far we can push this shit? For me, it's like when you get this high in ABV, it usually from experience in past years it drinks a harsh it's like you know to embellish it it's like drinking diesel fuel Mm. so the goal for us is to have it not drink like diesel fuel it's a you know a lofty goal but really we want to bring the juice right and that's it but there's also a delicate balance because if you bring too much juice and there's so much malt, it can end up being too sweet. Mm. Now, it is it's fact that people like things sweeter than they will admit 
to. Um, so there's a bit of leeway there, but it's really important that it's juicy. It's not harsh. And like I said, at the beginning of this call, it's got to be approachable and drinkable. Right. And so this is where we walk the line of ridiculousness where you say like, how crazy of a beer can we brew, but still have it be drinkable. And unfortunately, there are thousands of dollars at stake. And when you're making a beer like this and you put this much hops into it, those hops act like a sponge. And they soak it all up. They steal your beer. So when you crash the particulate out, you're losing all your beer as well. And so a beer like this, it is stupid to do. We do not advise it. (laughs) But we like to not take ourselves too seriously. We like to do some things that remind us we're human. And although we, we try as hard as we can to not fuck up anything we do, it's just natural that things don't always go according to plan. So we, we try to keep some fun in it and like not have it be life or death with everything we do. It's why we like, we do silly things like this. We, even in our artwork, we'll try to put Easter eggs and have like, we did a cinnamon latte stout and we had, you know, the, the, the beast that's on every each beast of God had a scarf and a, a latte from Starbucks. <laughs> That's sick. And it's just like, okay, like you said earlier, it's just beer. Yeah. Like, what are we doing here? You know, like, You've got to have fun. stuff that allows us to enjoy life. Well, That's really that. what it is. Yeah, man. This is like so re- – like Nate and I always uh, – what do we always talk about? Good innovation. Exactly. I like all innovation, and like I just feel like you know swinging and hitting, swinging and missing. I think it's I think it's great. I think sometimes people take beer too seriously, even though I personally prefer a spectacularly well made pilsner. But like if you can put, you know, thirteen point five percent quintuple IPA, that's obscene. But I'm fucking here for it, and I just like we're like, we're like we're here for the sheer stupidity of it. <laughs> yeah, and like you said, it makes no business sense. It makes you know, but it's like if anyone's gonna pull it off, it's you guys because you have a reputation for doing so at these higher octane. You know, you've you've made spectacular beers around this ABV. I've had many of them. Uh, most of them are stouts, but. It's if anyone's going to be able to do this, it's you guys, and it's cool because you've kept this brand with Bone Tree going with Citra, and um, yeah, man, it's it just works and it shouldn't, but it works. And yeah, I, I think for for me, the the purpose of this beer is a couple of things. One, it's it's just funny, and it's like we just have fun with it. Like it's so ridiculous, uh, and it's the the last, this is the second batch second time we've done it both times oh, it's wow. the last beer we release in the year so the last beer of 2022 and the last beer of 2023 so i kind of view it as like a capstone so um as much as it's like silly th- this is a an very 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 difficult beer to make um so it just shows the mm-hmm. the knowledge we've gained throughout the year the um you know 
I, I feel like our other beers get better because we are constantly trying to do stuff like this um, to push ourselves, push the company. You know, I, I just think that <clears throat> it's so important, like until you stretch the limits of what you could do or what you could think of, um, you know, I just never want to be like put in a little box. This is what we are. We're, we're always trying to do something different. And I think it's, um, I don't know, like I don't know too many other breweries that could aim to put a beer out like this and it's as drinkable as it is. Like it's a monster. It's a really big beer, but like you could drink it. Like, I mean, it's, it's super high ABV and you shouldn't chug it, but like, you know, for, for what it is, it's still like a fairly approachable, drinkable beer. Other it does than not. It does not taste nearly as, like as high octane as it is. No, I'm not at all. And that's kind of what I expected. And like you know, it's 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 really difficult to get a beer to ferment that high and not be super sweet. Um, the amount of different hop products and when we add them is pretty complex. So it's um, I don't know. I th- I think it's a good good showcase for us of what we could do, but also like with the understanding that it's just ridiculous. Like it's, it's so unnecessary. <laughs> so, so unnecessary. If, if someone only knows third moon for this, I think that's a disappointment. But the fact that we had the disservice, it's, we had kills, which is a really well done logger. We had a dark logger. We had pale. Like, you know, I just think that like, it just, I hope the beers that we've had tonight show the, the, the range and the focus on quality and innovation that, that we like to put into everything we put out. I we couldn't agree more, man. Yeah, 100%. I don't think anyone thinks you're a one-trick pony at all. Nah. <laughs> I feel like you guys have just, like, like at this, like, it's interesting because we're talking to you coming up. I mean, it's uh, four years in May, and, uh, you know... It's, it's sick. It's like, it's, it must be crazy for you guys. Like you were saying before, it's kind of like, feels like it's been five minutes. <laughs> like it's, it's so it's gone too fast. Like it's gone too fast. But every time I see, you know, videos or pictures of Vivo and I, when we started, I'm like, oh shit, we've aged. Born <laughs> <laughs> babies, you have no idea. Uh, I read this quote, and it's so cheesy, but it's so true. It's the the days go slow, but the years go fast. Mm, yeah. Well, neither of you have grays. You both are great. You go. Oh, the the grace is really what hits you. When so you guys are uh, pretty sweet. You guys are good. But it's like it's been so sick watching you because I know I was put onto you, Bebo, by Noah when you did the collab with uh, Great Lakes in Massam in twenty nineteen. Um, that was twenty seventeen actually. Oh my god. Okay, so that's how long ago. Like, yeah. like Noah was. Yeah, yeah, my son was born, and we brewed the beer. I think my son was a week old when we brewed that. Okay. So, like, Perfect. to see that and then to, you know, uh, get, you know, Noah and Derek were dropping off the um, the bottles of, of stuff, which were fucking crazy, uh, which was right pre, right pre before you opened. Uh, I know I was talking to Jim about the events. I just wasn't able to make it down. Like, he was doing events in his garage, I think, like a tasting event or something. 
and then seeing that then opening and you know obviously we connected with Sankey M so it's the same time so we've always got this like you know you guys like twin you know Ontario Quebec yeah. breweries doing yeah, your thing it's it's a beautiful thing to see there's always a collab for each of your anniversaries and you open in the hardest time in human history and, and then, we're even yeah. doing and, and we're even doing a pod with them next week yeah. Oh, we is, love those guys. This is we our best them. month of buds of all time. Like, yeah, it's crazy. Took, the amount the breweries. When we were there, it was really nice. Uh, they're the best. You know, the whole team really, really like spent the time with us to hang out. Yeah. It was, so that was awesome. It's so amazing about doing collaborations because it's like a legit reason to get out of the brewery and go hang out and talk about the shared experience and challenges that you have and vent to each other, you feel better afterwards. It's like, so if I'm not at the brewery every single day of my life, you mean I feel better? Right. It's like, it's good for mental health to get over it. And, uh, and when you go and hang out with, with, you know, other like-minded people who have given their lives to this, it's, it just, it doesn't, it, it somehow it eases it, eases the pain a bit, and you, <laughs> but it's good. It's, it's just you know, it's not it's, just you. Yeah, like there's other people in different places who started on the exact same weekend you did, and they're putting it all together and just seeing the growth. But honestly, it's just so cool to see the growth, man. Like from seeing from back then and then pre-opening and then you know getting hold of stuff whenever i could and then we did that pod uh three and a bit years ago and that was like crazy and we're only like 30 minutes away from the record so we're gonna beat it it's all good That's really? yeah, it was, i checked it was four four hours and 42 minutes and two seconds and we're four hours and three minutes right now four hours and seven minutes so, so no one's listening at this point, so we can say whatever the fuck we want. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they'll be listening, and we're going to do a basement tour at some point, Chris. So you know, hold up, we're we're waiting, we're saving that for the for the end. Um, I was trying to keep my language clean, but a couple beers in me, and it just no, oh, let man. it let it rip, brother. But just cool. And we're, like, and we're now on the thirteen and a half percenter. So if it's gonna like if it's gonna let yeah. loose, it's gonna come now. <laughs> All apart. <laughs> Oh yeah, you don't have to hold back at this point. You know, you're good. Let it rip. But it's just really cool. I want to ask, what do you guys think of this beer? Because I know it's pretty far out of the wheelhouse for what you normally are into. <laughs> for me personally, it definitely is. Like this is so fucking intense. But it's like it's exactly what you guys said. It's so drinkable. Like it should. It's it's like it's it's stupid. It shouldn't be this drinkable. For thirteen point five percent, look, you can definitely tell that it's higher octane. There's like a sort of warming for sure thing happening here. <laughs> exactly, it's that kind of like whole neck thing going on. Um, but it's it's extremely smooth, which I don't know. I'm, I just kind of feel like I'm not. I'm like, this is what it should be. Like I feel way less like shocked by it than I maybe was like thinking it would be because it's so easy to drink. So I'm yeah. like. Being that we've had, I finished, I've got five empty glasses here. So I haven't wasted a drop. So I'm just like, I'm taking my time with this one because this is the, the this is the end of the night. But no, it's it's super cool, man. I just think it's because I guess I've had all, I guess, have I had, was there a quad? There was a quad bone tree, right? Yeah. Was that in the Red Bull can? 
Oh, no. We did both. We did the Red Bull and then the regular. Okay. Mm-hmm. You did the quad in a, in a tall boy? Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess we did quintuple in a tall boy. We're drinking it right now. What was the thinking behind the tall boy as well for a beer this big? Like, you know, being that, say, for example, some of these ones with the wax, uh, well, top, bottom, whatever, are uh, around the same ABV. Why did you decide to do this one in a like a full four seventy three? Well, we we were doing um, so. I, I guess during COVID, we would produce some like triple IPAs or quadruples or whatever, and it would sell out really really quickly. And we would feel so much negativity and all this, you know, all the kind of stuff we did not want to deal with. But also, we didn't want to like disappoint people. We had so many. Yeah, folks, I, folks got people. fucking angry at sellouts, back, like back in those they days. They sure do. They sure do. So our our thought was, okay, if we put in a smaller can, we can spread it out even more. Like if you know, three three fifty five versus four seventy three is almost like two thirds. So instead of two thousand cans, we'll get three thousand cans. We could stretch them out even more. Um, so the idea was to spread it out so that we could have more people have access to it. That, that was really where it started. Gotcha. Um, and then also, like, as some of these beers get into the super, super aggressive price point in terms of cost to make, like this beer, and in real dollar terms, the cost of the batch of this beer is the, the highest we've ever done. Like there's more on a per ounce or per liter basis, but in terms of like actual dollars to spend, this this is top top dog here. So um, I believe that. <laughs> so we have to charge more, even though we you know it's almost break even at a certain point. So if we put it in a smaller format, it's you know we could keep the price a little less aggressive, um, or a little more aggressive. But it went from the first couple times we did it, people loved it. They were like, oh, my God, it's so cool. But there was just growing hatred for anything not 473 tall cans. And anytime we posted anything, really? why don't you put in a real man size can? Oh, there's another baby can. Like, oh, get the <laughs> fuck out of here. Go look at our Facebook. You oh, said, for real. Just drink two of them then. What do you care? Seriously. Fucking hell. That's insane. Oh, my God. I fucking hate that shit. (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) The the can size hate is is legit. And also, Chris and I had this idea. I forget when that was when we did those two quads back to back. We're like, okay, we're going to do two quadruple IPAs. We're going to one at 473s and one in 355 slim cans. And the 473s were gone in a day or a day and a half. And the 355s took like three weeks to sell out. Really? Mm. Okay. The, the, the masses have spoken. So we're like, what okay, we're just doing tall cans. Oh, oh my God. That's part of the problem <laughs> from Leviathans and the short cans, the moon waters and the tall cans. We're like. For me, the realization was, was like, uh, you know, all our customers are not the same. This is why companies do customer profile because <laughs> there are different types of customers right. and this you know 
this utopian world that we like imagine, or I imagine, I, I won't drag you into this, Bebo, but uh, of like everything we make is something that people should taste. It's like, you know, unfortunately, some people don't want a 13.5% IPA. Some people want a 4% IPA. And that's it. And so realizing that we're not making beers for everyone. And we've ha- we really were lucky from the beginning because we have so many customers that have been with us since the beginning. I mentioned it before. They buy everything we do. And, uh, and that's, that's such a wonderful thing. So from talking to those customers every day, you kind of get sucked into that world where you're like, let's, you know, okay, let's continue to, you know, water the garden here and like, let's stretch everyone and let's do a Doppelblock and let's do this. And they're going to taste it and say, I love Doppelblock. And we'll say, yes, that's amazing. That's a win for beer. It's so good. The reality is there are customers that come in and they're looking for what packs the punch. And that's the lifestyle that they're leading. They're like, you know, for some people, I can, I'm going to start to get looks if I have more than three beers. So I need three massive beers because I'm going to be happy with that experience. And then there are people that are intimidated that say, whoa, 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 that's too much. Do you have anything lighter? And so for me personally, knowing that where I am now with understanding that we have different customer segments I think I was too romantic about it at the start. And I thought, let's just do what we want to do. And, and then people will taste it and then they'll know it's good and everything will be well in the world. So mm. it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy, but you, we definitely, there's a, there are certain customers that come in when we do these power packed bombs. It's, that's what they're here for. I love that. I think that talking to other breweries that are in the LCBO, they find the same thing. LCBO wants 473 single. Yeah, they want tall cans and nothing else. (laughs) Yeah. So, like, they'll they'll take whatever you want, but if you put a 355 in there, just nobody buys it. Everybody wants it. In Europe, they call them Red Bull cans. Yeah. Like you earlier, Craig. And it was like, okay. You know, like the mob has spoken. Yeah. And clearly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we try to have fun with like not just, you know, the beers, the labels, the packaging. We've tried short cans, slim cans, tall cans, different bottle sizes. We were doing clear bottles for a while. It's like we try to have fun, but okay, you want four seventy threes, here you go. Yep. Okay. Interesting. I never would have thought that like I mean, maybe there's a level of consumer that personally I'm not like familiar with, like that would want a 473 of a 13.5% IPA. Like, are they, <laughs> what, what's their deal? Like, like maybe I'm just soft and I'm not realizing, like, but like I said, I have my nights of the week where I go hard, but I typically would only drink dark beers in that way. Um, what's, 
these people's deal? Like, are they fucking like, are they crushing two of these on a Tuesday? Like, what's the? Are you familiar with like the way people are consuming? Excuse me, these type of things. Like, there are everyone's in a different situation. Like, some people work shift work, and they have days where they're fully on and they don't drink at all, and then they have days where they're fully off. And I some mean, of them are changing from like night to day and day to night. And so, you know, some people, some people have a lifestyle. It's not just that, but, you know, it, it supports uh, a compartmentalization of different days and different approaches to the day. Hmm. And, uh, and so it's, it's kind of cool for, me whenever I'm working the bottle shop because you know, these customers come in and you really realize that, wow, everybody is truly unique. And when we started, we were only open to the public officially Thursday through Sunday, but people would still show up on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we were closed, but they walk in and they're, they have no clue of our hours. They walked right past the close sign. We left the door open. So, you know, on us. But we, they just like, they all want to buy beer. And for me, I came to the realization that the LCBO is so deeply ingrained in Ontario culture. It, their hours are such that you don't need to think about. It. Right. You yeah. just go. And as long as it's during a reasonable hour, it's you not just a go. holiday. You just go. You just go. So I'm like, what are we doing here? Hmm. We need to like work towards that goal of expanding our hours so that our customers don't need to think about it. Because you know what? Some of them don't. They just roll up. And in the first year of business for us, actually up until this past year, they'd roll up nice and slow read the close sign and then they would drive off and I would chase them and be like, Hey, we're open. Like, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm like, yeah, it's cool. I'll sell you beer. I need the money. (laughs) (laughs) And then, and then I just realized like, why am I feeling annoyed that the customer doesn't know our hours? Cause you don't need to think about the LCBO hours. So why don't we, instead of complaining about our customer, think about what is our customer telling us? And they're telling us, I don't want to think about hours. I need beer now. So I came by and you were closed. So I'm leaving. So that's a goal for us. Something we, we opened up this past year because we're doing production stuff. We can't have the tap room open. It's basically an office for us during the you know the days we're we're closed in the tap room because there's so much movement in the back with production and packaging and kegging and you know just moving beer around and emptying mash tons, moving massive containers of spent grains and hop slop out to the loading dock so a farmer can come by and put to use 
this waste that we have so we don't put it down the drain. And uh, it, it's, it's really a, a volatile environment. So we can't have the taproot open all the days, but we're there. Right. So we just decided a few months ago in the summer, actually, why don't we just be open every day? Not the tap room, but like you can get beer. And uh, smart. It works. Lo and behold, it works. People are going to the cottage and they're like, oh, you're not open. But we're here. So just come by. And like, <laughs> and all it means is stop what you're doing. You're right out front. Like, yeah, what do you need? Yeah, exactly. It's Chris like politically chased people. Like, no, 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 come back. <laughs> Finally, he just said that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm saying, like he's he's not exaggerating when he says that. He would literally do it. I try not to do that. Hang on, <laughs> just go sprinting that through. I like that though. Like as a as a customer, like that's like, hey, we're here, man. Like, let me let me help you out. Like, I like that. Yeah. I think that's like a really dope thing to have, and I, I never thought of it in the sense of like the LCBO has trained people to act a certain way. So like give them what they are expecting. No. I mean, the LCBO is very successful at what they do. So as a small brewery, you sort of, you initially feel like that's the enemy, but then you got to stop and think, well, why are they successful? Like we can do that too. Yeah, it's it's natural to think of them as the enemy, but of course, there like you, there's always lessons that you can take from the uh, like from the model. Yeah, I hadn't actually heard anyone approach it like that, as in like just the opening hours side of things. Like as opposed, like l- lately we've been talking a lot about price on mm-hmm. with the LCBO, but I think that's actually cooler. Whereas like there's an expectation, and then sort of this ingrained behavioral thing that like. Hey, it's open till at the very least six p.m. Well, Sundays is like six p.m. Most days is maybe like nine or something. And if you're there, I wish it's hard to get anyone to agree to stay beyond five on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Right. But yeah, when we do, when we do, people roll in. We're not even open anymore. People roll in. Right. And then it just like plagues me when I think like how many people are rolling in and we're closed and no one's home. Right. so tough. It's like, ah, we just sent the wrong message to that customer. Well, I don't know. I would say there's a, there, to be fair to you guys, there is an onus on the customer to go to google.com and yeah. look at third moon <laughs> and then be like, oh, on the Google panel on the right-hand side, it says they're not open right now. They open again at X tomorrow. So I'm going to go yeah. there. You know what I'm saying? Like, We've yeah, all fucked good. up. I've gone to many yeah. cafes or breweries or whatever, and shit isn't open because I didn't look. And I'm like, God damn it, Craig! Why didn't you fucking look? <laughs> but then, but see, but the, but that's the proper response is to like is to say it's I'm the my fucking fault. idiot. I, like, yeah. like, I didn't look. It's not this business's fault for not being open. Never once when, have I been mad oh, at the business. You, when you do the GPS, it's like, oh, I'm going to whatever this might be closed when you get there it's closed are you sure you want to go there yeah like That's google maps point. is pretty like google maps is pretty fucking smart right now <laughs> it stays on top of it so it's like yeah. whilst i understand I, what you're saying it's not really you guys fault yeah, yeah. I, I i i a thousand percent agree with that and like i've had a 
like anyone who's worked in customer service, which, mm-hmm. like which I have, which we like, which all four oh, of I us ob- like obviously have. Yeah. Like, and yep. like particularly if you're like if you're raised by boomer parents, you know, you like you kind of grow up with the, like with this notion that like oh the customer is always right and all like and all this blah blah blah. But like once you've worked in customer service, it's this kind of thing where you realize very quickly. That there are a lot more asshole customers than there are like bad customer service people is like is a belief that I like that I've long come to, and like the expectation that you can have like that you can have from this belief that the customer is always right like makes you a fucking asshole a lot of the time. <laughs> I think I think you're you're not wrong, but I think that because of craft beer and because the whatever mix of factors we're really lucky we have like the people that come to the brewery regularly we just have like a great group of people and it's like always like this like nice fun you know on a thursday the tap room's full and it's like i know everyone here and i'm like friends with them like i would consider them a friend and Walker no it's them. true it's true because that's a much that that's a much better, more nuanced point than I was making. I was making a much more broader customer like customer service point. But but you you're right. Generally speaking, craft beer consumers are probably uh, like are probably among the best and most understanding yeah. like well, consumers around. They know it's a small business, and they know it's really run by not many people. And if they make a mistake and rock up, like, are they probably not blaming you guys? Like, ah, oh, I should have checked. Just like I do all, I've been to so many cafes. They happen so much. Like, particularly when, like, over the holidays when things are closed. Like, even Nate and I, we went to Durand on the 28th of December. And, oh, no, I was sick. But the time before that, we went and we we pulled up and it was closed. And we were like, <laughs> oh, it was like Thanksgiving or something like that. Mm-hmm. And we were like, we didn't blame Duran that they were fucking closed. We we're like, oh, you no, dick. no. Literally, literally, what I said is like, oh, we fucked up. Yeah, no, at no, at we didn't no think point, to check. We no, didn't think to check. We didn't check, and it, at no point is it the business's fault. So I, I That's think why I call you gents. Well, <laughs> we appreciate that, Christopher. It's, I would uh, also think Chris is so. If you go to Google.com and type in Third Moon, you get a phone number. If you call it, it goes to Chris's cell phone. And he will answer no matter what. We were in Ireland at the Guinness factory. Like oh my god! Nineteen Guinnesses deep. <laughs> hey, I'm drinking. Um, oh, I'm gonna. I got uh, this for dinner. What's a good beer? Chris is taking him through the list of all the beers we got. Oh my god! <laughs> so, oh, this is, at Guinness. Yeah. I, but and, that's. And, and you're also and you're also what like five hours ahead at that point and totally it's like the middle of the night or the middle of the oh Jesus night. Christ yeah so the, I think the the customer service is is a big part of why why employees, why why yeah, we found I made my uh, my weekly calls to uh, the the beer town locations that only get one delivery from the courier we use that delivers kegs and you know it's like oh how you doing oh you know it's monday morning whatever how you doing oh good i'm just i'm at guinness you know it's yeah. they're like <laughs> she's like what you're calling me from there yeah yeah i'm calling you because we do business and you know it's monday Kinda morning 
Gotta make sure you're all set. Oh my god! See, like that's the difference. And what I feel a like, fucking champion, Jesus Christ! Yeah, like, <laughs> that's the dedication to that that people maybe don't see behind the curtain. You know what I mean? That you guys are, are really putting into all of this. So, I feel like from what you guys are saying, that there's probably a significant portion of consumers that do understand um, what you're doing, and that's why they continue to support that. And it, if we, I if we totally believe that, honestly. yeah, man. If you look at the positive side, I know we talked about Untapped, and there's a bunch of people who are maybe a little not behaving how we would like, but I would say that the overall, the majority of people are very respectful, are very, um, ad, you know, they admire what you guys are doing and, and all breweries are doing, and that they they approach that with that level of respect. And, you know, I just feel like. It's a it's a pretty cool bunch of folks overall. Like, yeah, there's a there's all. It doesn't matter what industry. There's a handful of dickheads ruining everything and in anything in the world in any given time. It is what it is. I also think that that's what makes those people stand out more because it, there's so much. The vast oh, dude, majority of awesome. people are respectful and they get yes. What it's like to, you know, they see the passion that Chris and I and all of our staff put into customer service and taking care of people and doing right by them. So that makes the assholes stand out even more, but it is, thankfully it is rare. That's such a fucking, I never thought of that. It's like the, the, the context of the good yeah. versus the bad. I think overwhelmingly craft beer is filled with good people who yes. want the best for it, whether it's 100%. the industry folks who obviously you guys know better than, than Nate and I, but the, the the drinkers as well that just you know really care and and like i don't know in this weird time of flux where breweries are closing and merging and there's like a whole more uncertainty than we've ever had with the while the industry is contracting it's like the support for the breweries that really matter seems to probably be ramped up um where they would be like, all right, this is my this is my spot. These are my guys and girls. This is who I support, and I'm gonna fucking go down with the ship with these guys. Let's go, you know, throw them that. So I feel like there's a bunch of positivity on that sense, where like local is maybe becoming more important uh, across the board than than everything else. And there's something that you guys like. We met, I mentioned I feel like in the very beginning about lightning in a bottle with you guys, like. There's like say that Canada Craft Beer Society is that what it's called the Facebook group? Oh yeah, yeah. And I feel like you got were named uh, like as far as you know like the the mathematics of that. You guys were definitely named more, and it's almost like you guys were sort of like have become the poster people of the hype craft beer world for these maybe newer breweries and stuff, which is very interesting how how you sort of – do you know what I'm talking about? Maybe you can express it different. Obviously, we're on a 13.5% IPA, so I'm not expressing myself <laughs> as well as I thought. But you know what I'm saying? Like people are always like talking about Third Moon there. And that they, they you guys were like the first hype brewery for people who hadn't experienced hype breweries. Maybe that's what I'm trying to say. Is that is that a fair thing to say? That's a That's a fair point. I don't know. I, yeah, we were we've always done well in that group, and I think it's like so many people are like, oh, I heard about you. I don't know if you know this Facebook group like that. Yeah. But I'm also like, like Chris, we have 15 employees. I'm pretty sure all of them are active members of that group. Right. We're familiar. <laughs> yeah, we're not like industry plants or anything, but it's like we're 
we're all beer nerds. Like we are, this is like our thing. Like this is what we're into. So I think that that's always resonated with people that we're not trying to be something we're not. This is like what we are into. So I don't know. I, I don't know um, how to, I don't know what the, what the, where that came from. It was definitely like an organic thing, mm. but it, it's wild that now almost four years in, it's still like, we're, yeah, that, Happy I don't know. Now. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's wild. I, it it's, feels like, you know, with anything in life, it's gotta be a little bit hard to get. Yeah. You know, like yeah. if it's too easy to get, I don't want it anymore. It's <laughs> like, you know, if I'm going to, if I'm going to give a gift to my partner, I, it needs to send the message that I worked hard to get it. And it's like anyone you care about in your life, the things that you have to work a little harder to get, are they matter more. Mm. So there's like this weird, you know, situation where the size we're at right now is is such that we can't be everywhere. And the beers we're making are such that it's a financial loss for us to get them into most bars. There just isn't the appetite for a bar to pay $50 more for a keg for 30 liters of beer. Mm. Just can't like, they don't want to put an extra 50 cents on a pint of beer to cover that cost. It's like, everyone's racing for rock bottom and they think that the, the scents matter. Mm. They don't matter in craft beer because we don't like, nobody goes out like we used to. So you know what? Who cares? Like if you've got to charge an extra 50 cents or 75 cents for a pint, just stack your list with good beer because people don't go out much anymore. When they're out, they look at the list and say, I want to drink that. I don't care what the price is because yeah. I'm going to have two drinks tonight yep. and I haven't been out since, two, you know, 2019. <laughs> so, it's like, so it's just like, what are we talking about? Yeah. Why are we, why are we like negotiating with a bar about 50 bucks on a 30 liter tank of beer that, they're going to make eight to 10 times the profit that we can make. It's almost break even. It's not awesome to sell beer to bars. Yeah. Mm. But industry standard is to lean on the cost model of the beer to get the margin you can't get on the food. So the artist gets swept in once again to this whole model of like, Last to get paid, paid the least. And everyone else in the chain gets like more of the money. Mm. And it's, it sucks because it's like we want to put our beer everywhere. But if we just put it everywhere and aren't selective, we will be done. But the mm -hmm. impression for the customer is that when they go to a place, if they see an Ontario brewery, available there they use that as a meter stick of success to say ah oh, that's great that brewery finally got into this establishment 
people don't think about it the other way of like that brewery can't afford to have their beer in here because they just started this business mm. and the factors of what's happened in bars for multiple decades now of of a market price for draft beer has created the situation where we don't have a marketing budget. We were not like, it takes a long time to get to that point where you could say, I will spend a dollar without receiving a dollar. And starting in the pandemic as we did and surviving to this point and going forward, everything's got to check out. Every opportunity has got to pay for itself. Mm. So it's really, we, we want to have our beer in so many more places than we can have it because we've got to be so careful and so responsible, not sink the whole ship that we really have to say, okay, this town, there's a lot of fans there's one bar that really lives it with their brand and puts quality beer in there. The Brain, Hamilton, you know it. Ken, Ken my man, stacks that list, comes to our brewery to pick up the beer. Mm -hmm. There's no courier delivery fee because he's driving his personal vehicle to come pick up the beer from us to put in his bar in Hamilton where people are going to go and love it. That's like every time the, the brain posts their beer list, I'm like every beer on that list, I would be stoked to drink because they, they put an emphasis on good beer instead of just like, Oh, we're getting a kickback from these guys or they're, Oh, they're selling their beer for, if we buy two kegs, they'll give us three. Like, mm. Yeah. Superstar. Superstar. Living it, breathing it, creating a list that is compelling, yep. that is exciting, that is art. Yep. He's doing it, they're doing it, we're doing it. It's a shared vision. Hamilton is such a cool spot, too. I love that, Craig, that you and Tiff are there. Because it's, it's, uh, it's the art, is, it's so rich mm. with contribution of art. And, they, they, and, they seem to really care here about a sorry? lot of things. They seem to really care here about a lot of things. Food is great, beer, coffee, wine, public spirits. transit. <laughs> so you know, can I, just I go enjoy, get fucked up, <laughs> and get home safe. Yeah, it seems pretty cool. I have a car or Uber, but yeah, I feel what you're saying. Like, it seems like people seem pretty, it seems like a good place, like, a, it's a great place to live. Like, you, as far as like if you want to do those things absolutely everything we need when we moved here we thought we would be in toronto all the time and we never i hate it like i love you toronto but i fucking avoid it with like the plague if i can avoid going to toronto it's the best so it's like it's also what i learned though because i remember when we were talking because you're in burlington right um chris yes so like when we when you know when we had this pod obviously years ago in in, in uh, when I was in Montreal I never really understood this I'd been to Hamilton and a bunch of times or whatever but now living here for like a year and a half I didn't realize like 
everything is so close. If I was in Toronto, I wouldn't do half the things I do here. Like, I think from our joint to Third Moon is like 45 minutes. To Badlands, just under an hour. To Willabow, just under an hour. Counterpart, under an hour. Like you drive efficiently, like I do. It sounds like very efficient. <laughs> fuck around. I obey the law, but I don't fuck around. If anyone's asking, if anyone's asking, Sun and Hill, like all of this stuff. If I was in Toronto, I'm not going there, bro. Like it's annoying. Me and Nate even did a day trip up to like Kitchener and stuff. It was it was easy. Like it's like it's it's. It's like a really cool place in the world to be based. And then on top of that, to have, I haven't, funnily enough, I haven't been to the brain, but, you know, Durand is my, my favorite place. They have the bar there right. too. I don't know if they've had your kegs, but they get, you know, Chris goes to Third Moon and Badlands every single week personally, which must be three, four, five hours round trip on a Thursday to get to beer. So I know if I go there by like 2 p.m. Thursday, everything's in the fridge, cold, fresh off the presses so i'm gonna go tomorrow because i haven't had time this week i'm gonna go tomorrow and get all the new third moon the new badlands hopefully has the all over the tap stuff from uh from brothers like and to me to pay the um the 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 bit of a premium to get it for a couple bucks less than for the most part like bro because it keeps he's doing the cruising so if you add up the shipping or um or, or gas that i would have to do to do go around to all the places it's it's thank the very least yeah. and, thank you for saying and he you supports you so i need to support him right. because it's this it's this wonderful ecosystem that's happening yes. and then i can get a fucking great coffee and i know all this all the fucking baristas there True. You know this is like a very important thing that uh, we talk about with our customers. I just want to say we broke the record. It's 443. We broke the official longest <laughs> podcast of all time. Continue. Oh. Continue. Wait, we, wait, wait, like, wait. Noah, Noah can eat it. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Chris, I cut you off. I just, want to, I just noticed the time right now. I just want to mention that. Continue. I love it. I love it. We haven't done a basement yeah. tour yet. Oh, it's, that uh, quintuple's hitting. I'm going <laughs> to die. Yep, yep. Yeah. It, 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 it's hitting me too. I'm, I'm feeling woozy. <laughs> but also, what's the next beer? Let's <laughs> <laughs> start it over. Let's we'll start from the top again. We'll see I got a time go. takes. I got, I got like a whole. Li- I got a whole line in my cellar of this old Third Moon cellared beer. Okay. So I've got everything from the second anniversary. I think I got double barrel finish. Uh, well, I think I got that batch. Open that now. You will regret it. Oh, I'm not going to do that. But maybe, but maybe we could open all of them. Sorry, Kirsten. You'll continue. die. We, You'll we die. Inter- <laughs> I'm not. I'm, keep, keep stewing on that because I would like to open another beer, and I'm sorry. <laughs> no, please um, continue. Keep chatting. But it's so important to us the whole ecosystem of like the bottle shops that do the Lord's <clears> work <throat> and drive around Hell's Half Acre to create and curate a list that their customers trust is solid gold, mm-hmm. which it is. And so these people are the ones that are adding the magic elements to the bottle shop model. They support us every week and buy our beers every week. So when we do our special releases, yes, we sell some of these beers to them to put in their bottle shop because you know what? Some of these towns 
people live in without a car. Mm -hmm. They cannot come to our brewery. And they might not want to pay shipping. But they're loyal fans. Mm -hmm. And our whole thing is try to get it out there into as many mouths that want to enjoy it. Like, we don't want to hold back this beer. We want to share it with everyone that we can. And so these angels who are running bottle shops and doing the hard work of coming to get the beer themselves is crucial to our success. And that means they're getting the beer from our fridge, putting it in their fridge as soon as they get back to their shop and taking care of it. And that's all we want. It's so amazing that these small businesses exist and it's it's the power of small business is that you can provide something so custom and so unique and so special and you can't do it without the blood sweat and tears of the owners of small business i really from doing this the hardest thing i've ever done in my life i have more respect than ever for small business owners and uh and we have people all the time that walk in and want to talk to us and tell us about you know how they they have a bunch of money and they want to start this business because they think it would be fun and that doesn't that doesn't hit the mark yeah. it's like no no like this isn't an industry that you enter because you think it'll be a fun passion project uh it's it's like it's hard work and it's it's art you need to treat it as such and take care of the product and if you do that you will be a shining star in this industry that's what it takes to make this work and so retail customers and wholesale customers for us are important in different ways but when people get mad at us and say this beer sold out too quick and now I have to see it on the shelf of like this bottle shop over here, it's like, okay, we don't want you to miss out on a beer. That's, that's on us. We're not making any less than we can make, but sometimes we have to pay for barrels and do stuff that we just don't have the money to do. So like, we're not trying to, you know, create a captive audience and like hype the demand we're making literally as much beer as we can make and afford to make in the time and sometimes we're making more than we can afford to make but we'll borrow the money to do it because i want to have a rum barrel aged pumpkin ale for Mm -hmm. halloween you're goddamn right we sorry right i'm sorry (laughs) so we sometimes do things that don't make financial sense, but like it's live or die in small business. And yes. These past five, you know, four years, four years, almost four have, years. Uh, have taught like, us that that's that's not something to be ignored. Yeah, like no. holy shit, like like nothing, nothing that you do is ever done to like get a dollar up on one individual customer. Like, holy shit. I don't think anybody thinks that at all. It's so ridiculous. 
people complain about price. It's like, do you know like how close to the price our costs are? Yeah. Yeah. Like honestly. The, the costs across the board went up 30% two years ago. We raised our prices 5% in the last two years and have been holding the line while grocery prices continue to go up. The difference is we need groceries to live. We don't need beer to live. No. We need beer to what be happy. So, <laughs> so I get it. It's needs and wants, but we're holding the line, and there's a lot of small businesses that are in the category of wants, not needs, who are yeah. doing good work and have given their lives completely to this, who are absorbing more pressure on their P&Ls than ever before. Yeah. We, our costs are up 30%. Our price, we've raised it 5%. You do the math. It's 10. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The margins weren't big to begin with. We're no. not Canadian Tire here. <laughs> no, I mean, even if people think that's the case, it's definitely not the case. Um, I just want to say, I need to piss so fucking bad. Can we piss? And then I want to bring, we're at four hours and 50. I want to make sure this goes over five hours to really like bring it home. And then we, you know, cause I guess we're at one thirty. and. Before we break here, yeah. I, uh, I need to tell you that tell me. a session, a session isn't complete until okay. we've had stout. So. Oh my God. Think about it. That's <laughs> weird. Something has to come out. I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die. We're we're gonna take a pause for a second. We're gonna piss, and we're gonna come back and contemplate death. Oh, bladders are empty. Everyone's here. Here we are. What are we talking about? Because I guess we're gonna take a piss, and we forgot. Fuck it. Doesn't even matter. I'm gonna come back. I'm gonna come back to a to a question that was asked like maybe 30 minutes to an hour ago. Was just like what we were thinking of this, uh, like of this quintuple IPA mm-hmm. and uh, and like one thing that I will say is like it is certainly strong there's no question but I mean I've certainly had triples that have been like 9.5 to 10% that have tasted like pure gasoline and this definitely like and this definitely does not like I I, I am still enjoying drinking this despite the fact that it's 1:30 in the morning and I'm Chris's wrecked <laughs> And beer number six, and Chris mm-hmm. is basically taking that shit to bed, and he's like, "Let's go stouts," and we're all like, "Chris, we're gonna die." <laughs> I want to watch you have a stout. That would be nice. Can I watch you have a stout? Yeah. What would you like me to drink? Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I Look at this fucking first, champion here. First of all, you're a beast and we all owe you respect. <laughs> what would I want you to drink? Maybe a small Red Bull can of something. Do you have a wax-dipped can? Maybe an apple brandy? Yeah. That was one of my favorites, by the way. That was fantastic. I mean... Oh, oh he's going to get it. He's going to get it. <laughs> he actually is. I guess, if you, if I must. Wow, oh, wow, he had that really close by. <laughs> At room temperature. <laughs> Oh, you are so crazy. You're a wow. head. You're wow, crazy. we had that right there and cracked it right Christopher, open. Christopher, 
<laughs> Stephen, are you dealing with this every day? Is this what this gentleman is? Listeners, no, I pro- he left it out l- on l- the weekend. Listeners, I promise you, this was not rehearsed. <laughs> no, we did not ag- agree to stouts. Uh, like when I say agree, it means we didn't talk about it. It's not about agreeing. Uh, oh yeah, cheers! Get that fucking in you, you Oof, legend. Cheers, mate. Bloody. <laughs> We've also, I can't believe you drank a 13.5% IPA after five other beers and then you're busting out a 13% stout like it's one of my water. favorite beers we've ever done. It's so, honestly, it's so good. Mm. The the wax-dipped cans, one that's just fun. I kept all, I got all of them here and I bought doubles of basically everything so I could have one like a year or so later. So I got the bunch <laughs> on the on the thing here. I got like the, the, the apple, the... Fucking what's this one? Maple bourbon, the b- bourbon bestowed, the oh. the bourbon barrel, yeah. And I bought basically doubles. I think of almost everything, oh, at least these three, just so I could just see what because the, they were so good fresh. And I was like, you know yeah. what? Let me get two from Duran there uh, to to just to see what's up. But I think I got either got a second of this or I got the no the pumpkin. The pumpkin. Oh, uh, the, one. the bourbon. The bourbon oh, pumpkin was fucking money. I think I still have rum that in the fridge. Pumpkin. Rum. It's uh, it's glorious. And like I know the wax dipping the cans. Uh, it's clear. Yeah, that's the one. I, yeah, I think I have that in the that's fridge. The one right Hell there. yeah! And it's like it's such a fun gimmick, oh, like wax God. dipping a can. I love that you did the the bottom of it and then put the the label upside down just to make it like, you know. So people don't have to fight through wax tip to open up a like imagine trying to do that shit. Like it's it's very cool. It's very fun. That's why I just I just enjoyed them so much. I was like, I want them just here. Um I feel like I bring it it's just super cool. Like that was like a where did that idea come from? It was just like fucking around and just like, hey, let's wax. We didn't them. invent that. We saw we we saw, you know, a couple other breweries we love doing it. And we were like, that's so let's cool. go. You know, nice. like let's we let's not take ourselves too seriously. Mm. It's just beer. Have fun with it. And it's those moments where you just like you laugh and you're like, that's why we're doing this, right? It shouldn't be like this crazy serious thing, other than making the beer, obviously. Mm-hmm. I like that. It's yeah. it's just cool. It's just really fun. You guys have really made everything super fun from whatever it is, from as ridiculous. I feel like you guys have like gone from the whole like gamut of like completely absurd from like the pumpkin spice, like, you know, the birthday cake bestowed and like all the ridiculous, like the, the Nutella one from the second anniversary and all this crazy shit. And like the fucking Caesar slushy, which is insane to me because I don't fuck with sleezes. I'm like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> but I like, I just like that you did it. And then to the complete other side with super refined lagers and like beautiful barrel aged, you know, stouts with no adjuncts and just. Pe- I, I I like that you can traverse that line with complete confidence and and people are like, yeah, man, we get the ridiculous shit. And we get the, the 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 highly curated like, you know, not not that the ridiculous shit isn't thoughtful or, or anything either, but you know, you can you can do both. I guess is what I'm saying, and not not everyone can 
can do that. And I think that's something you guys have achieved and it's worth celebrating, man. It's just, it's just really sick. Like going to the tap room, you can get the slushy from the machine, which I remember we, what was the joint we had in some of the, um, it's like some sort of, had some sort of chocolate in it, in the slushy. <laughs> what was that one? Do that. Neapolitan maybe? No, it wasn't Neapolitan. <sighs> maybe I'm dreaming. There was July, August. I think it was July or early August. A lot, of, a lot of things have happened. It's, yeah, like, it's like two in the morning. We just had six beers. <laughs> like you're not remembering things, Stephen? Jesus fucking I, Christ. I'm not, I'm not as sharp as I could be. It's okay. But either way, I'm saying that it was like super fun that you got the slushy machines there and you're able to do that. And uh, We do pilot recipes in the slushy machine, which is part right. of the fun of it because they're unique taproom experiences that you can have. Right. Which is fun. Like that's part of why we're doing this is to have a tap room that's fun and you can go there and you can have a really craft flavorful lager if you feel like you're not a beer person or you can go crazy and have like a bourbon barrel aged Doppelbach, uh, triple IPA and uh, actually Quincy Bones is on, on tap right now. Fuck yeah, it is. And quintuple IPA, and uh, and and that's that means a lot to us. You can have a Caesar, you can have a Milton Dew. Just to have an experience, it, beer for me is meant to elevate the conversation, and it's like you choose the company because you love those people, so you bring them close. When you have a beer during that conversation, it elevates the whole thing. What? It yeah. also allows people to just relax a bit and and you know be more open and uh, and share things that they maybe would be a little nervous to share before you have a couple beers. And that's kind of the magic of it is that you can get a little silly together and have a unique experience that is memorable and special and one of those things that you'll remember down the road and say you know this is when i actually had my my values aligned where i was you know enjoying life it's meant to make the conversation better what i love that so then as we I couldn't agree more, by the way. And as we sort of bring it on home, uh, your fourth anniversary is coming up in May. Is there anything that you can sort of, obviously, by the time this comes out, it's still going to be a couple months before that. Is there anything you can tease for that at all? I certainly, it's, it's going to be the first anniversary where we have, you know, a proper birthday party. Nice. Uh, Merit, Merit Driven is going to come in and we just hit five hours. play some <laughs> amazing <Okay, bye>. <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're, we're bringing it home. We're bringing it home. Yeah, it's so going to be a fun night with like live music and these guys, I love their interpretations of songs that we all listen to and love and sing and uh, it's it feels to me like it's going to be actually the first time that we have an organized birthday, you know, for, for our anniversary. So 
Amazing. I'm excited to, you know, for the Saturday right before May 13th, uh, which is our anniversary each year. I'm excited to like, just enjoy a day. We are, we're at a point in the business where we have more people helping than ever before. And it's still not as many people as we need, but it's more than we've ever had. And so I want to celebrate that. And on that day, it will have been an insane week up to that point. But I want to see everybody out that day on Saturday and, uh, and enjoy a nice day. Because that's when Bebo and I stop and, and actually get lit. Yeah, just like, come on, hang out with our customers because these are good people that we've come to know along the way. And we used to be on the front lines, running the bottle shop. Every experience the customer had, we were the ones taking it. Mm. And now we're at a point where the growth of the business is such that there are so many tasks that we can't be everywhere. So we're building this team and uh, there's certain things that only Bebo and I can do. And so we do those things, but uh, there's a lot of stuff that needs to be done. And, uh, and so we often get bogged down with like stuff. That's not the reason why we started this business. So our anniversary is a time where we say, Enough for the craziness. Stop, hang out, and enjoy. And it's gonna be it's gonna be a really nice vibe in the tap room for our anniversary that weekend. I love it, Christopher. That sounds amazing. I, I'm excited for that shit, boys. This is uh, obviously this is a record. It had to be happen with you guys. I know we all came into this with a five hour thing in our head. Um, oh. I'm impressed with all of us that we made it through. I'm extra impressed that Chris is not only just like he's completely. You look like you could fucking drive to. Saskatchewan oh my god! Right it was now. it was effortless for Chris. It's it, it, it's, <laughs> it's incredible. Like. Jesus Christ! <laughs> You're just not even like slurry. Like, like, Christopher, honestly, it's I'm fine. You're right. Like, no, and you look fine. Like I'm dying right now. <laughs> yeah, I feel like Bebo and Nate are like at the edge. At the I, place, like, like, I, I Chris looks like a point where Chris looks just, like you I'm, go I'm for another two me. hours. I'm fall asleep. Yes. So I want to I want to wrap it up before everybody uh, disappears. Um, so first thing, can we just take a quick screenshot more for the blog post for uh, for that? Um, just hold up a can or some bullshit or a few cans or thirteen cans, whatever you want. Hold up some bullshit. Well, what, did I say some bullshit? It's absolutely not some bullshit at all. It's actually spectacular craft beer from our wonderful province of Ontario. <laughs> okay, so let's not disrespect that. All right, here we go. There we go. Bebo, hold it up a bit more there, mate. There we go. No, 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 to the other side, to your right. Don't to cover your, right. your face, mate. Like you move right and it goes left. It's. I know, I know. It's ridiculous. There you go. Beautiful. Ready? Look at the camera champions um gentlemen we'll wrap up quickly afterwards but boys thank you so fucking much for your time oh my god yes. um this is 
honestly legendary again spectacular we didn't even do a basement tour we're gonna have to do this again let's do it again every year i don't know why we waited so long it's 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 let's do it in person yeah we can do it in person one that would be fun um I would love to do that. Just look, congrats on everything. You guys have truly changed the face of the craft beer scene in Ontario. I really, I really believe you really have. Truly. And it's, it just, you're just the salt of the earth, both of you guys. You're the fucking best. And I appreciate you both very, very much. I think you're just wonderful humans. You deserve all the success in the world. And um, fuck yeah, you're champions. Where can everyone find you online and in real life? Thirdmoonbeer.com, at Third Moon Beer on all the socials. We're in Milton. Our bottle shop's open seven days a week. Tap room's open Thursday to Sunday. Gang. Any beer bar or beer establishment in Ontario we're looking at is probably beer. And uh, we're exporting to Europe, and we're, we're trying to get as many places as we can. I love it. And uh, people can come find you. The, they can come there to get the beer, hopefully, if they're international. Like I saw it in Australia. I think we talked about that back in the day. It's in Europe and stuff. It's everywhere. It's beautiful. Uh, May, big things coming. Releases every week. Just ask for it. If you got a local store or something that doesn't stock Third Moon, well, first of all, they're crazy. But second of all, ask them for it. Um, boys, this is amazing. I appreciate you. Uh, once again, stick around. We'll wrap this up. We'll finish up offline. But, uh, boys, thank you so much again. Everyone, if you enjoyed the episode, smash the thumbs up, specifically for a five-hour and six-minute fucking podcast. Are you serious? Name it. Not even Joe Rogan and them do fucking five-hour podcasts. Like, stop <laughs> it. Name another bunch of people in craft beer doing five-hour podcasts. Don't even fucking – don't and at I, me, bro. And I got to I gotta just throw in, too, like, the, like this was not an effort to get to five hours. Like, I couldn't believe like, how easy it was. Like, this was an absolute effortless conversation with the, yeah. the, like with these two champions. Like, like this just flowed completely – like, just completely effortlessly. It was fucking wild. Particularly I, with – And I'm so, I'm so fucking dead right now. I know. That's what I'm saying. Collapse. For you – Everything. Chris is obviously ready to go, but for you two, like this is you guys held it the fuck down. I appreciate it. Um, what do I say? What's the usual shit, guys? If you enjoyed the episode? Smash the thumbs up, hit subscribe below, hit that notification bell, Nathaniel. Ding, motherfucker. So you know when the new drops. Follow us everywhere at BOS Podcast and check out the long form audio Spotify, Apple Podcast. Give us five stars for five hours. You know the vibes, uh, guys. We'll see you in the next episode. We love you. We miss you. Fucking see you in the next one. Get it in, yeah. Cheers.